Dave Z? I think I lost Dave Z. Death on our first show. We were doomed from the start, ladies and gentlemen. Little vocal warm-ups. All right. <laughs> Woo! Wow, we can tell this is a little different than Horror Corridor. Okay. It's the Watsy Party Horror Show. Folks, this is what we do. Yo, we're in sync, and that's how it should be. Hello, and welcome to the Watsy Party Horror Show, where we're fighting the good fight for the horror nation. The best party in town. You got that right. <laughs> Folks, we're a three-act podcast released at the beginning of every month, and in each episode, you can expect to hear a comprehensive list of upcoming genre releases, followed by a horror topic of discussion, and finally, an in-depth breakdown of a horror film of our choosing. Everyone, this is episode number one, and we could not be more excited than we are right now to bring this podcast to your little ears. I'm your host, Mr. Watson, podcasting from just outside of Olympia, Washington, and my co-host here at the soiree this evening is... Hey, I'm Dave Z, and I'm in Buffalo, New York, and that means that we're coast-to-coast. Coast. Woo! Coast-to-coast coast podcast, the East Coast to the West Coast. Dave, Dave Z, allow me, if you will, to be the first to say that I'm incredibly stoked and happy to be starting this podcast with you, my friend. Yeah, same here, my man. <laughs> I'm very yeah, excited. Dude. Uh, yeah, I'm beyond words uh, excited about this, this whole venture we're going on. Oh yeah, this is an event for the books, folks. You know, given everything we've talked about, Dave Z, in, in preparation for this production, I think we'll be doing some of our very best podcasting work on this show. And heed my words right here and now, my friends and listeners, when you attend the Watsy Party Horse Show, you're at the absolute best, like Dave said, Watsy Party Horse Show in town. It might be the only Watsy Party Horse Show in town, but it's the best Watsy Party Horse Show in town. Well said. I'll, I'll sign off on that. <laughs> right? Heck yeah. Thank you. I, I, would, I would hope so. So <laughs> this being our introductory show and all, it would definitely do us well to acquaint all you all to the episode itinerary so that you've got a clear idea of how each Watsy Party horse show will play out from here forward. It's a solid three-act structure that Dave Z has devised. So Mr. Z, let's tell our friends and listeners how our show works as well as what we'll be covering in this very first episode. What do you say, buddy? Sounds good. Uh, do you want me to say this? Because I'll tell you, I'm not... I'm not the wordsmith you are, my friend. (laughs) I've got us. I've got us. Uh, So act one is our party favors segment. Daisy, might you be so inclined as to give these people the lowdown on this party favors section of the show? Okay, now that's easy. I can handle that. The party favors is, uh, <laughs> it's just us talking about the new releases for the month in, in, in horror. Not stuff necessarily coming to Blu-ray that's like, you know, for the first time that's been out of print or something like that. I mean, if, if zombies coming out, you know, by uh, Fulci. We're not talking about like releases by the week. We're going down the road. Uh, we're talking about mostly new horror movies. 2019, the the VOD releases, the yep, yep. Uh, the Blu-ray releases. If it's something that's played at the theater recently and it is now coming, you know, to Blu-ray or DVD for the first time. I think that that covers it right. VOD, Blu-ray. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. So if, if it's coming out in the horror genre this month and we are all able to get our eyes and ears all over those movies, then we're going to hope to put it out there, tell you the date it's coming out. Hopefully it's accurate. And we might play a little game because I have the uh, my cover <laughs> art. Yep. I have little theories where I, I, I think I can predict what's going to be a good movie and what's going to be a bad movie. So we'll see how that goes. But 
You're pretty solid on it, too, I gotta say. Thanks, I know, I'm telling you, I'm not bragging, but I will say that I'm, I'm in the 90 percentile. And this wow. year, yeah, and Damn. this year is a big deal. It isn't just cover art, by the way. Sure, I sure. call it that. That's the, the major part of it. Like, I can look at the cover art and usually tell, but there's a little more to it. It has to do with uh, ratings and, and headers on IMDb is typically what I watch. And I have a, I have okay. a method. And maybe we'll get deeper into it as we go along, but we'll have some fun with that. So basically, you guys tune in here, and you'll be hearing about what's coming out in horror this month. Hopefully, we get these out earlier on in the month, but if not, who cares? That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> we'll try, but if but if it drops on the 15th and we're talking about something that came out on the 3rd, whatever. What are you going to do? So what? Uh, it's yeah, still right? fresh, right? Well, it's like horror news segments, you know? The, you know, you can listen later, and it can already be old news, but hey, they, they're, they, they're tuning in to hear our golden voices on the mic, so that's what they're going to get. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. Right. So, so folks, that's act one. And, and this show will be going over the May 2019 releases. And act two of this three act horror show is our horror deep dive segment, which is simply put the topic of discussion portion of the show. This is something that I often do on my solo cast horror corridor. And correct me if I'm wrong, Dave Z, but you had that in mind when you were thinking of how the show ought to be structured. Am I am I making up lies here, sir? <laughs> no, no. You, you speak the truth, my man. Um, yes. Finally. Yeah. Hey, you know. You're, dude, you're, you're, come on, you're legit. You're legit as can be, and that's why. <laughs> that is why I think that listeners ah. of your show, of Horror Corridor, they're so used to hearing you deep dive that this gives you a taste of that. It's not Horror Corridor, but it's it's an act of it. It's a, it's a slice of it. We're going to deep dive because that's what you do. You, I mean, you wax intellectual in... A little bit. You yeah. know, here and there. Here and there. That's the gimmick, homie. You know what I mean? And that, that's what you <laughs> excel at. And that's what listeners of your show are going to want to hear. So if we're, if we're going to get them to listen to this show with a goofball like me, we got to have Watson <laughs> spitting venom on freaking <laughs> on serious topics. And, and I'll, I'll chime in a little bit, too. So... Oh, of course, of course, of course. And then, so that's act number two, the horror deep dive. And then finally, act number three of the Watsy Party Horror Show is called Showtime, which we'll see Dave Z and me doing what we do best, and that's reviewing the ever-living hell out of films. We'll explain to all y'all how we plan to structure our reviews when we get to the episode's third act. So rest easy, folks. If you're a member, if you're a member of the Watsy Party and you're listening to our horror show, you will never be left in the dark. Oh, Am I right, no, Dave no, Z? No. We're, we're shining bright. Oh, yeah, indeed. So... Folks, before we head into Act 1 of the show, our party favors segment, I thought that since this is our inaugural episode, we might take a quick minute or two to tell you all how this project initially came about. Our more organized and official plugs will always take place at the end of the show, of course, for the benefit of anyone not yet in the know. But my more or less educated guess here, I think, you know, is that on show number one, our audience is comprised of listeners of our other podcasts. We've got the Headites. You know, they'll be tuning in, as it were, to see what the nature of this new endeavor is that Mr. Z himself is taking upon his already full plate. <laughs> I've teased my friends and listeners over on my podcast, Horror Corridor, that I've been working on a secret project, so they're revved up and ready to cross over to this show the second that drops. This drops, rather. And, of course, Dave Z and I have podcasted together on several occasions, so essentially we've got people hearing this who know either one or both of us. So, Dave Z... Would you care to tell everyone how the Watsy Party Horse Show came to be? Just, you know, really quickly, just a little background info in case they're like, whoa, this guy and this guy, how, how are they together? You know, what, what got you thinking of this idea even before you talked to me about it? Well, uh, I'll tell you what. I used to do Banana Laser with just Matt. Matt was L in the beginning, and then later on we added Alex. And in the beginning, it was the only time I've ever done a two-man show. And I forgot about the, doing the dynamic of a two-man show. Everything I've done has been three-man for, for quite a while. Banana Laser became three. Skeleton Crew, when I jumped on there, was three. Exploding Heads is three. ABC's A Hidden Horror, three. 
Hey, but then a, oh, wow. right. It's, it's, it's been the three man dynamic, which I've long said, I think is the best way to go. However, I do listen to a handful of, uh, of tandems, uh, of, of two people doing a show at the same time, two hosts. And there is a charm to that. And I forgot how much fun it is to do it until one day, Christian and I from, from exploding heads, we did a special thing or no, I did it with Brandon first. And then I did it with Christian again. When and these were bonus episodes for our, our Patreon for the listeners of that show, and I r- remembered, I, I I enjoyed the time I had doing two man, and it all came back to me. I said, you know what? I'd like to do another two man show, but what's it going to be about? How are we going to do it, and who to do it with? And Mr. Watson over here has been talking for, geez, at least the past six months about about winding down Horror Corridor. So, it takes me forever to no, do anything, uh, Dave. <laughs> hey, nobody wants it to go, so that's okay. Take as much time as you need. But Oh, fair enough. You know, you've been talking about it, so we knew, I knew that it was inevitable. So I'm like, well, what's he going to do next? I know he's been talking about the YouTube thing and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I also know that every time we record together or, or just, you know, or just talk anywhere, online, message, whatever, we're yeah. compatible. We have fun. We're, we're buddies. It, it, it's, it's an easy conversation to have. And... I decided, I go, well, let me take a shot. Maybe the best guy to do this is going to be is gonna be Mr. Watson here because you don't just leave podcasting high and dry, especially after the success of Horror Corridor. And, you know, everybody's clamoring for more Watson. So I'm like, well, <laughs> this guy has to do it. Uh, he has to be, this is the perfect guy to do this with. Is he going to be interested in it? I don't know. How do I make him interested in it? And then, I don't know. I, 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 I thought of the three-act structure. I wanted to come at come at come at him a little different and say, "Hey, this is what we're going to do." And of course, like we just spoke of the whole deep dive thing, so it's yep. something that you know that you are you could deep dive in yourself. You're familiar with it, you know what I mean? It's it, it's what you like to do. So here we are. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not the best at explaining nice. everything. Uh, even oh, that though, was perfectly succinct, my man. Okay, thank you. All right, I guess I'm <laughs> like I was just clear. like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take any compliment. I, I don't know if uh, how I feel personally, but if other people like it, I, I raise my glass, you know? Okay. Raise it, raise it high. Well, man, for me, joining up with you was a no-brainer because what was so appealing about your proposal was that when you approached me with the idea, you actually had an idea. You had the whole structure of the show laid out for me. I mean, sure, you know, we had to come together to nail down some of the, you know, smaller and finer details, but ultimately, folks, Dave was just like, here's how Act 1's gonna work. Here's how Act 2's gonna go. Here's Act 3. What do you think? And I couldn't have been more excited to jump aboard because as I'm here bringing, you know, like Dave mentioned, my solo cast to a slow, steady end, I'd always intended to keep podcast even, even, even whilst doing YouTube. And Dave Z, you'll appreciate this. My son, Skylar, Lil Watt, as the listeners of my show know him as, uh, was telling me maybe a week before you hit me up. He's like, Dad, when Horror Corridor is done, you'll definitely be needing another podcast to coincide with your YouTube channel in order to maximize visibility of both those things. And that's exactly how he worded it, by the way. And I'm just like... I'm just like, yeah, you're, you're right. And then here you come out of nowhere with this idea, <laughs> Dave Z, and, and now here we are. So, And here you are, my friends, listening along. So, yeah, I think we just wanted to take a quick moment to let you all know how this, how these, how these, these two superpowers came to, no, just, <laughs> came to be, came to do the, how we started the Watsy party, you know. And for anybody who might be drawing some interesting parallels, you know, with something that rhymes with that. You know, it, all it is is just, uh, you know, us kind of combining our names. I'm Mr. Watson. He's Dave Z. I, I don't I don't know what the big deal is. I, I, I don't know. So. Yeah, it makes sense. Watt, <laughs> yeah. Z. Watt, Z. Yeah. You know, he what? can't be. He, Z. Watt, I don't think, has the same no. ring Z-Watt. to it. Z. Watt. Z. Watt. Yeah, I don't know. Z. Watt. 
<laughs> yeah, well, hell yeah. So, all, all right, all right. I think we've got our initial pleasantries out of the way. You catch that all right, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Z, unless there's anything else, uh, what do you say we step into Act 1 of the Watsy Party Horror Show and give these people some party favors? Yeah, buddy, let's get to stepping. It is now time for the Watsy Party Horror Show Party Favors segment to commence. My friends, I feel like a kid on Christmas morning right now because I see that Dave Z's got a big bag full of party favors for all us little boys and girls. Mr. Z, you have the floor. Lead us through our very first party favors segment, sir. All right. Thank you. I will. Now, let me first begin by saying that we are going to be using different, what's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) We're going to different resources to see what actually is coming out. Usually... There's a really good uh, website from uh, a friend of ours, realqueenofhorror.com. She writes for uh, Dread Central. She has this website with, you know, she's a blogger, different things out there. She's been doing it for a while, and she always puts this thing up. I used to feed it. I used to, pardon me, I used to share it in um, whatever podcast I I was doing, like it would be Exploding Heads recently. I I would share it at the beginning of the month, saying, okay, this is what's coming out. What do you guys like, you know? So anyway, I've been... I know now I figured out firsthand how hard this is because, (laughs) you know, we were getting ready to record this thing and I had even told her, Zena, that's her name, that I was going to be doing this and that I'd be shouting her out because we're not going to use resources and not, you know, give people the props and, you know, later on, anytime I say anything, if I feel that I heard it from a particular podcast or anything, regardless of what network it is or any of that, I, I am never the kind to shy away. I, I know some people do. They don't like to give people a promotion. They don't want to throw shade at any other show. We don't fear that. Or It's it's one community. It's all good. So I'm always going to say yep. where it is. So, But I did find out firsthand because she puts them out beginning of the week, and I was kind of leaning on it for, for this segment. Well, yeah, as, right. as, yeah, as we're getting closer to the day, today is what? The 5th, the 4th, whatever the hell. It, it hadn't come out yet. She usually puts them out earlier. So now, yesterday, getting ready to record, I'm saying, well, I'm, I may have to do this myself. So now I had to go to two or three different resources to do it. So now I get it. I get a nice list together. Sure enough, of course, she puts her article up a little bit before <laughs> recording time today, which is great because I don't know how she does it, but she has movies on her list that I didn't have and vice versa. So now we have a bunch. We have a bunch of movies we're going to talk about really quick. You know, some are just going to be, okay, this is this and, and move on. We might have fun with some others if there's going to be a challenge on if it's going to be a good movie or not based on my cover art uh, theories. And uh, that's that's how we're going to do it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was interesting doing it. I had to go to the iTunes page and, and, and well, see that what it, you did. That's what okay. I did for some of them. But what was that one one site that I sent you coming soon or what the heck oh, was it? Yeah, I I don't I don't have it up right now. But I'll I, tell you yeah, right I now. do. It's called movies. Oh, is it? I think it's just called releases. Yes. Releases dot oh. com. And that, that is everything for the month or it's everything all the time. You just put what month you want in and then you put in there either VOD or Blu-ray or, or whatever, any way you want to do it. So I use releases.com. Then I went to the iTunes store for future releases for the month of May. So that's what I did that. Now she has her own methods. I don't know what they are, but the, she uses more resources than I do. So, <laughs> but the bottom line is I'm going to be using a little bit of, of, of her article and a little bit of what I come up with. So uh, we'll probably continue to do it this way. I mean, I, I want to be prepared each week or each month, pardon Definitely. me, 
you know, just in case I don't want to rely on someone else to do the heavy lifting. So, you know, if real queen's putting up her stuff, great. If not, then at least I've learned. But I'm really glad she did because she had a couple things in there that are like major releases that somehow got by me. So, you know, ah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But let's start off with the first week, May the 3rd, right. May the 3rd. First and foremost, do you have Hulu or no, Watson? I do not. Okay. I do, but I have not taken the chance to watch any of these Into the Darks. You know what I'm talking about, Into the Dark? I do. I saw the second one uh, with the with the F-bomb in the title, but I didn't see the Treehouse one. Oh, okay. I did not see any, and they've been doing them since January. It, it's or wait been... a second. So, so wait, I'm saying second one. It's just the second one that even came to my attention. So I've only yeah. seen just one of whatever's out. Yeah. The one with the F-bomb is April. Yes. Yep. So Okay. Actually, I, I stand corrected. They did. It's been. It's more than January because they had a Christmas one. It had some oh. strange name, and I forgot what. And I, I, I'm embarrassed to say that I have not watched any because last year I was cramming. I watched a whole lot of movies from 2018, and I wanted to. I did. I didn't consider them movies, so they weren't on my radar because I was really trying to have a good, um, you know final show when we did the top 18 on Exploding Head. So I was like, just like yeah. we did with, with Horror Corridor, you're watching yep, yep. movies. I don't know if these are considered movies or, or what the deal was, but at the time... They are full-length like, films, yeah. They are? Okay, well, yep. I better start watching them. Okay. I guess the I guess the conceit is that they the Into the Dark series highlights, what, what, what is it, holidays? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're a monthly thing, so whatever happens to be going on that month, so... Oh, example, okay, it is monthly. All right. Yes, it's monthly. So, for example, I'm going to say this is about Mother's Day. Uh, it, it's called All That We Destroy. And what it says here is uh, a geneticist who fears her son may be a serial killer creates a group of clones to cure him of his violent tendencies. Oh, okay. All That We Destroy. So, yeah, it is Mother's Day because it's about, you know what I mean? That's I'm guessing Father's Day is going to be next. Well, we'll get there when we get there. But So, that is what we have to begin. All That We Destroy, Into the Dark. You know what? I might just I just might catch up on them and, and maybe we'll talk about them on, on a future episode or something. That okay. Could be, that could be fun. You know, just. What do you think of that cover? What do I think of that cover? Could be good. What is that? Chocolate or or, or, or what? I don't know. It looks like some kind of primordial slime. But I guess if it's, it's a, if it's a Mother's Day motif, it could be <laughs> a bunch of uh, uh, what was it? Amniotic fluid? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. It kind of makes me a little hungry actually. It looks like a, oh God. A chocolate. I'm saying it looks like a chocolate head kind of. You know. <laughs> okay. I shouldn't eat chocolate. I ate a bunch of chocolate last night and I got sick. So, yeah, I should, I'm, gonna yeah. Get, I'm going right past that. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to this next one. Now, this is going to be All quick. Right. This is going to be quick. The Convent. Oh, um, this is not a, a Dave Z movie. No, this looks like a I nun. I can tell by that cover. Yeah, it's a, it's a nun ripoff. It has that. I, mean, I don't know it's a nun ripoff, but that, that's, what the, that's what the cover is speaking to me. It's also speaking that it's a bad movie just by the way the artwork looks. And it's not bad artwork. I am not slamming well, the fine. artwork. The it's, photo's good. It's fine, but that particular... It's hard to explain. There's a particular kind of artwork and a particular kind of fonts that I see lettering. And I know it sounds real weird, but when I see these on a box cover, they're a turnoff to me. Uh, I know that it's not going to be a good movie because they're they're very overused and it's a common thing you'll see in movies like this. And sure. Somebody must know. See, you, you do you understand what I'm saying? I do, and you know, and it's it's funny, and I think a lot of the the friends and listeners listening right now probably kind of understand it in sort of the same way I think I do, where there's sort of this ineffable quality to that that kind of gives away. Let's just say when you see a good, like say a good movie like The Witch or like Hereditary or you know what have you, 
those covers, it almost screams, this is a good movie, and you you sort of know that with the bad ones too. Like I said, there's some, just uh, something that you can't quite describe that sort of spells out bad movie. It kind of shouts it out, and I can see it. It's sort of all in the packaging, and, and I, I, I'd like to maybe, maybe in a future episode, we'll break it down. We'll analyze it and really, really find find it, you know? Ooh, wow, that's... That, Maybe. That, 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 poof, that could be about a two-hour segment. Oh, it, yeah. it definitely could be. And so this one was called The Convent, and yep. what's this one about? Okay, this is uh, on VOD, May the 3rd. Uh, it says, During the 17th century, a young woman is saved from execution and led to a priory to repent yep. her sins. Is that the word priory? Hmm. P-R-I-O-R-Y? I, I'm not familiar with that word, but okay. Uh, led to a priory to repent her sins, but discovers a greater evil lies within. Oh, so surprise. Hmm. 17th okay, okay. century. I'm not sure when The Nun took place, although I did actually enjoy The Nun. I know many did not. Uh, but I know that it was in the past. I just don't know exactly if it was 17th century or not. I believe it was in the... It was post-World War II. Thank you. It was post-World War II, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It's coming back to me. Oh, there has to there be... There were scenes that took place farther, farther back in The Nun. And there was a tie-in with The Nun and another movie. So it had oh. to be close to it. Yep, yep, that's true. Yeah, okay, so I'm an idiot for even posing that question. <laughs> nah. Okay, moving on. Uh, I don't think this movie's going to be good. I don't think there's anything else to say about it. If it is good, I will eat crow. Someone could say, hey, Dave Z, you're, you're wrong. At least give this movie a watch. Stop judging. And I'll say, okay, and I'll give it a watch and I'll give it a rating. So, you're a humble guy. I'm not afraid to be proven wrong, because if I'm proven oh, sure. wrong... That means I've watched a good movie. What's wrong with that? That's win-win. That's that, win-win right there. That's what I'm saying. I'm a, please, please let me be proven wrong sometimes. It, it's happened one time with with the covers and, and with my method where I was wrong. And I ended up giving the movie a 7 out of 10. It happened okay. one time. But the funny thing is no one else likes the movie but me. So, but, but ah, okay. Yeah, I wasn't over the moon about it. So I could have lived without seeing it. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. We'll get into that another day. Okay, uh. We'll continue on with the third here. Another VOD. Dolph Lundgren is back in Dead Trigger. Oh. In the near future, a deadly virus has killed billions and turned many others into bloodthirsty zombies. Unable to stop the spread of the virus, government recruits an elite team to combat the zombie menace. Ah. So Doesn't sound like there's an easy way out for these guys characters <laughs> or a shortcut home <laughs> indeed <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Dolph Dolph in a, in a zombie movie I'm not gonna say it's bad but I'm it's not really on my radar what about you I don't know it, it looks like an action horror and I don't have yeah. what was the name of it again dead dead trigger I don't have a anything against action horror I, I rather like it actually but I'm, I'm a little iffy Dave Z I think I, I, if it's positive it's not gonna break a six for me but it, it could be fun you know Dolph Lundgren has a is it Lundgren or Lundgren I don't know how to say his last name Lundgren Lund, I, whatever uh yeah he, he seems to put out you know in, interesting movies he was just in in Creed 2 and yeah. you know I'm, I'm with you I tell you what I just thought of something when you were talking about Creed 2 wouldn't it be cool or wouldn't it be better if, inst if yes, it's still Dolph Lundgren, if that's how you say it. I've only been saying it for 30 <laughs> years. I don't know. Um, but I could be wrong. Whatever. Uh, wouldn't it be great if it was Ivan Drago versus zombies instead? Oh, man. Wouldn't yeah, be, boy. Why not? Why not do it? Don't you think it has a better chance uh, of success if it's Ivan Drago instead <laughs> of just some regular freaking jabroni? You know what I mean? One thing is for sure, yeah, we would definitely get a number of training montages, <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, we would. 
Yes. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, this is movie right. is called I'll Take Your Dead. It's another May 3rd. It's VOD slash DVD. Lots of May 3rd. Yeah, lots of May 3rd. Okay. A man who disposes of bodies for gangsters in a nearby city faces a difficult decision when one of the corpses turns out to still be alive. Oh, okay. Hmm. Are we talking Italian gangsters here, or are we talking, like, uh, gangsters in the hood? I hope it's the second one. Ooh, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm... <laughs> you never it's know. It's almost certainly going to be the the <laughs> mafia. Probably. I'll take your dead. I want to get a little more information about this based upon the way the, re the real queen has it. I want to mm -hmm. go to the B and check it out. Uh, the B is IMDB, by the way, for people that don't yes. listen to... Uh, you call it the B2 on Horror Quarter sometimes, don't you? Or maybe I am you not have. sure what I do on that show, Dave Z. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say I think you have done it before. So that's fine. Probably. But either way, it, it, it stemmed from us doing it on Exploding Ads. It's been short. Yep, that's where B, it came from. And, and here we go. Okay, I'll take your dead. It's got okay. a 7.0 out of 10 on, on, on the B, and that is pretty remarkable. Yes, 477 uh, votes. So yep. not enough to... To move me in either direction, but right. I'll tell you what, it's right about now, I'm going to say that this movie is a possibility. Yeah, I will agreed. elevate it that high enough. That, so, agreed. <laughs> okay, so that's a possibility. I'll take your debt. I'm not thrilled about the way the, the cover looks, but that kind of cover could go either way. All right, one more for, we're just going to say this quick because I don't really consider it horror, but it's on the list. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Oh, yep. Netflix, uh, a chronicle of the crimes of Ted Bundy from the perspective of his longtime girlfriend, Elizabeth Klopfer, who refused to believe the truth about him for years. I've heard good things about this. There's, there was a lot of buzz about it. But yeah, I'm, I'm not big into the serial killer biopics. I, I, you know, I took enough psychology courses in college about about the, the sickos in society. And while they are a psychological sort of outlier, because, you know, we don't know why these killers, you know, always in, in every case, why these killers do such things. You know, I'm never big into the in, into the serial killer thing when it's when it's uh, nonfiction. There have been some good ones. Oh, uh, there have. No, there have been good movies. I just it's not a topic that I gravitate toward, but the movie stands on its own. And so it would it, it, it'll probably be good. Yeah. You know what? And, and I stand corrected. I thought this was this was the one that we've been hearing about for months now. For some reason, you would think I'd remember that 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 title because it's long and it sticks out. But I just well, came it out with another thing. Yeah, it, it it came out alongside or talk of this movie came out alongside the what the Ted Bundy tapes that also hit Netflix that right. got a lot of the basic white girls uh, talking about how much they just love serial killers. And <laughs> yeah. right on, you know, get your pumpkin spice. No, I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> I've heard it. I've heard it's good. I, I'm. I'm <laughs> I love basic white girls. I only date you guys and, and girls and actually not not guys. I mean, you know, hey, well, uh, what's what's the next movie, Dave Z? Okay, let's <laughs> moving on. Uh, <laughs> this one came hmm. out at the theater. It's called The Intruder. Yes, another movie with Intruder in the title that's come out over the past couple years. It may be more thriller, but you know, the Dennis Quaid movie. And don't forget yeah. Megan Good. Oh, okay. Megan Good, who I happen to be a, a fan of. She's quite attractive, and uh, I like her. Pretty so, lady. Yeah, yeah. You know, Dennis Quaid definitely makes it a little interesting. I'm assuming he's going to be the psycho. Probably. Oh, I should at least say what it's about. Okay. A young married couple buy a beautiful house on several acres of land, only to find out that the man they bought it from refuses to let go of the property. So. A little possessive there, Mr. Quaid. Right? Yeah. I, I tell you what. 
these movies are kind of like my guilty pleasure. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I, I kind of like these. These I, I don't do it much, but I would watch this movie. If someone said, hey, you want to watch The Intruder? I'm not going to go to the theater to see it. I'm not going to go shell sure. out 15 bucks and get popcorn. and it, No, but when it, when it does drop on VOD eventually or whatever, I would check it out. You know, I... I don't know. I do kind of like them. I, you know, like Hand That Rocks the Cradle and uh, The Crush and mm-hmm. movies like that. I, I'm okay with them. I, I, I shake hands with them every so often, you know? Very very good, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Might be good. Who knows? Might be Megan good. All right. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah, I like her. Anyway, let's, enough of that. Let's, let's move on. May the 7th. Oh, we got a lot going on here. Okay. Another one that may be a thriller, but... It, it kind of has to be discussed because of the way it, the, the the cover art <laughs> and because of who's in it. This one is called Room for Rent. Lynn Shay. Oh, yep. Here we go. Yes, Lynn Shay. She'd kill to find a decent man. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm not so sure about the cover art, but me neither. Right. It it does have that 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 bad font and it does have that that artwork that's synonymous with with bad movies, but. It's Lynn Shay, and she is playing the psycho. I, I'm just, this is what I'll say here. Lonely Widow Joyce rents out a room in her house and becomes dangerously obsessed with one of her guests. So she's playing that role, and we're not used to seeing that. And I know a lot of us genre fans are, you know, are fans of Lynn Shay. So indeed, I think I, I could watch it. I, I, I could yeah. watch it just because of her. And I've always, yep, exactly. And I've always been a fan of, of the female killer in horror movies because especially when it's just they're just psycho for no reason when it you know you get a lot of the revenge storylines with you know female killers in in films and horror movies like they're getting back at people or that you know something bad happened to them but i like it when they're just you know us guys you know fellas we get that all the time michael myers he ain't got no reason why he doing what he do like you know all lots of that that's always the thing but girls usually they the writers give them like a reason so i just like to see you know hey she's a lonely psycho lady and she's gonna go she's gonna go get obsessed and do some killing i dig it yeah we need more of that man we really do we do just no no motives just she's just gonna do some killing and it is what it is get what she wants i'm fine with that why can't we get a slasher that's just a female, like like a female Michael. Like, for example, you, you right? see Michael Myers. Why can't we just yep. get one that, for no reason, mm-hmm. you know, kills her brother when she's a kid? Oh. You know, get, get, gets sent away to an asylum and escapes on, well, not Halloween night, but <laughs> otherwise it's, then it is just Halloween. But Inter- you get my drift. Inter- International Women's Day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's as good as a day as any. Okay. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. But why not? Somebody that's listening out there, just in case somebody knows somebody, make a female slasher. Make make a girl come or a woman and just... I do that all the time. <laughs> no, no, I was talking about writing uh, female-centric stories. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't oh. know what you're talking about. Woo! Um, wow, we can tell this is so, a little different than Horror Corridor. Okay. So, <laughs> so... So, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Lynn May, May, May what now? <laughs> May 7th, VOD. May 7th. Yes. All right. May 7th. Room for VOD. rent. Yes. Room for rent. Okay. Now, here's one. Speaking of what you were just talking about with women, this movie is uh, coming out May 7th, VOD, and it's called Climax. Yeah. Ah, hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, all Here right. We go. We're continuing this perverted talk. Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> Climax. Well, it's Gaspar Noé, and he, he's, he's yeah. about that life. 
Indeed. Uh, I, I Have you seen it by any chance? I have seen it. Have you? No. I didn't know if it was horror. It's not. I don't think it is. Uh, Hor horrific things happen in it, but I... Well, well first, uh, tell everybody what the film is about. Okay. Ooh, wow. I just saw a magic word. Or letters. Hold on. Okay. French dancers gather in a remote, empty school building to rehearse on a wintry night. The all-night celebration morphs into a hallucinatory nightmare when they learn that their sangria is laced with LSD. <laughs> you saw the magic letters. I see what you Yes, those letters, those three. Wow. Wow. Now I'm interested. You know, listen, and here's the thing. Like, I'm a big fan of Gaspar Noé, and uh, it's not pronounced no, folks. But yeah, Mr. Monsieur Noé is a fantastic director. This guy knows how to make a film. Uh, nobody could ever say that he couldn't because this guy and, and here's the deal with climax i have seen it and it is filmed extraordinarily well you can tell that he he's making the movie he wants to make my problem with the movie was nothing about the technical aspect of it because it's gorgeous it is horrific in that bad things happen in it but i wouldn't say i, I wouldn't call it a strict horror film it's one of those on the fence was uh, ones on the fence horror films or films and it just for me it never rose above the premise we know just by reading those two lines that okay so these dancers get drugged and we assume you know they start freaking out and it just never goes anywhere but that so if you're okay with that if if you're just like hey i just want to see some people freaking out and that's all you want to see if you just if you're fine with the premise being the entire movie then this this and, and you just want a visual treat of awesome filmmaking, long takes, and, and some good dance numbers, then this this will be a feast for the eyes, and I, I could see people liking it. It's just not my favorite of his films. Like, it's probably my least favorite of his films. Wow, really? I'll tell you something. Still a decent film. Some, Still a decent watch, but... I've yeah. heard some really good things about it. I, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, that Jeremy and JP and Carly, all, uh, all uh, on yep. shows on our network, by the way, Horophilia Network of Podcasts. Thank mm -hmm. you, Jason Lloyd, and... Yes, yes. sir. We love all you guys, but they have all Mr. mentioned Lloyd. it, and I think, yep. I think that they, they I know it. Jeremy loves it for a fact, I think JP likes it a lot too, I can't remember what Carly said, but I do know that they have seen it, and I think that they all really like it, so I'm really curious, but they, see, I asked you if it was horror, I didn't see it, and you're saying it's not, I'm not sure what their take is on it, looks like it's another fringe movie, but yep. I'm, I'm probably going to watch it, I just wasn't going to go, again, spend the money and go out and do it if I wasn't sure if it was a true horror movie. Not that I don't watch anything but horror. A matter of fact, this year it's been quite the opposite. But still, I, I wasn't about to commit to that. Definitely intrigued. Cause yeah. I, 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 you know, he did Irreversible, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. Another movie that's fringe horror and that I think is a good yep. movie. Yep. What else has he done? Enter the Void, which I really like. And, you know, he doesn't do straight-up horror. He's, no. he's very fringe in that he makes dark films. And so, yeah, I can see what would appeal to genre lovers in literally any of his films. Like, horror people, it, there's the Venn diagram going on, and what Gaspar Noé does definitely falls somewhere within our our wheelhouse. And so it's definitely worth a watch at some point before the end of the year. But I think you, I, I do believe you won't think of it as horror. You'll think of it as horrible, in, not the movie, but in that a lot of horrible things happen. But, you know, that's the nature of drama too. You know, it's a lot of people, and hey, you know what? If your definition of horror is your definition of horror, I'm not out to sway anybody. That's a fool's errand. But my definition of horror requires... Well, I did a whole show on that in Horror Corridor, and that was a three-hour freaking show. But I'll just say quickly, you know, when, when it comes to genres, drama can have dark things in it, too. Just straight-up dramas can have horrible things that happen. And I think this kind of falls more into that. But it is on the darker side. So, hey, if you call it horror, more power to you. 
Right on. And it's trippy. I, I, I've heard of this. It is. Yeah. See, that's up my The camera alley. work is stellar. I think that's where lovers of film will recognize. It's sort of, it's kind of like, a for me, it's kind of like an amazing rap verse where, oh my God, the wordplay is so technical, multisyllabic rhymes. And oh, he, he, you know, he, he did this, he, you know, or she did, you know, did this. The rapper just aced it on. But then you kind of step back and you're like, huh, this rap verse isn't about anything. So technically it's wonderful, but there's no soul to it. And I felt this was a very soulless movie, at least for me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's pretty to look at. But yes. But when you break it down, you weren't into the plot whatsoever and thought that it was There just- is no plot. I mean, you just read it all right there. And not to, you know, and there's no spoilers, you know, the, these people are dancing and they get drugged and that's the movie. And it, it, it just keeps playing, never rises above the premise. It's not like that happens and then that leads anywhere. Still a wonderfully filmed movie, and I, I can't stress that enough. Gaspar Noé knows what he's doing, so I think people it's definite recommend. Okay, I'll probably check it out eventually. Yeah. Um, I don't know, and not, not in a rush, but yeah, I, I'll get to it. Okay, another one that played at the theaters that is getting a release on DVD. It says DVD. I don't know if it's just DVD and not blue, but whatever. No, no, no need to split hairs on this show. It's The Prodigy coming out May seventh. Did you see this one? I did not. Did you? No, I did not. No, um, it's, I'm not rushing just to see everything that comes out this year. I know some people don't like to hear that. I know some people say support every horror movie that comes out to the theaters that, you know, they want to wave <laughs> that flag of, you know, yep. the genre and, and listen, we love horror as much as anybody. However, I, I just cannot support every movie that's horror blindly. I, I have to go and I don't watch trailers or even look at synopsis. So I, I, I kind of only go by yep. what I hear along the way, mostly on podcast and with some discussions with friends. But anyway, the prodigy, the, yeah, the prodigy, the prodigy, Pro- the prodigy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll try this again. The, the prodigy, uh, Sarah's young son, Miles, disturbing behavior signals that an evil force has overtaken him. Fearing for her family's safety, Sarah must grapple with her maternal instinct to protect Miles in favor of investigating what is causing his dark turn. Ah, okay. Okay, so it's... I already knew that it was about a killer kid or a demonic kid or an omen type, whatever, just from hearing people talk about it. And for the most part, I've heard that it's okay. I haven't heard anybody say that it's, you know, great. But, you know, it it, it did its rounds and it has mixed um, reviews. But... I don't know. I'm not going to watch it, probably. I. You don't think so? It's got a 5.9 on the B. Oh, hold on. Let me play my game by it. Okay. Let me let me. Let me look yeah, check it. out that cover. Okay. What do you think? Okay, hold on. The Prodigy. Because I will watch it soon. Okay, The Prodigy. Okay, the cover is the cover. It, it is what it is. Okay, now let's see. It's got a 5.9 on 7,000. Okay. Now let's look at the reviews. Um, mm, it's more negative than positive for me for the reviews. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. No. Sure. Um, the thing is with me this year, I decided, I watched 100 movies last year, horror movies. Exactly. <laughs> and, oh, is that right? Yeah, and it just ended up, well, I mean, by, by the time I got to the end, I knew that I was coming close to recording the show, so I said, well, let's just make it cool and go right for 100. So I did, you know. Yeah, I never done that before. Why the hell not? So, yeah. it was 100. I know you, you watched quite a few. I watched 102. Wow, there you go. Okay, so 102 in honor for me. Now, this year I said, I am not going to watch a movie unless I think it has a shot to make my top end of the year list. Oh, okay. I don't don't want to do it. I I have no interest in watching six or sevens out of ten. Not that I don't have no interest in them. I'm just not going to commit to watching a movie just because it's new and it might be good. 
I don't know. I just I, totally. I only, there are only you know, so many hours in the day. Right, and I'm having fun this year. I'm watching different things. I'm watching my favorites. I just don't have the time I had in the past, so I'm being more discerning this year than I ever have before. So that's what's going on. I don't know. I'm probably not going to watch it, but I don't know. If I happen to listen to like a year-end show and it starts making top 10 lists, then I'm like, yeah. well, maybe I'm wrong about this movie. Maybe. But based upon what I'm hearing from from the people in our circle, you know, it, it's, it, it's another movie and it's okay, but whatever. Take it or leave it. Sure. Well, you know, I love to hear you say this because we're on similar trajectories in that regard because I too am... I, I've done more rewatches with my son and just non-horror uh, if you follow me on Letterboxd, you know, you'll, you'll see I have an everything I'm watching 2019. I think I've maybe only seen seven or eight horror films so far this year, 2019 horror films. And but but I've seen about 60 movies this year. So that should tell you kind of the sort of the the ratio. And I'm watching older horror too. I've been doing a lot of Italian stuff lately. But yeah, I'm not I'm not watching a very much new horror just because I'm waiting for something to jump out. And, you know, I, I will get to it by the end of the year. I, I plan to hopefully get to 100. You know, or something. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's a lot. That seemed like a lot. I probably can't. I, who who knows how it'll all go down at the end? It is a lot. You'd really have to go crazy uh, during crunch time in, in order to achieve right? that. Me, I was hoping just to have like around fifty, because that's what I said I wanted to do yeah. last year. You know, that sounds and, good. I like that number. Yeah, it is. You know, it's a little less than one a week, and and that's okay. Right now, I'm way behind because I'm I'm like oh, where me you too. are. I'm at like six or seven or something like that, yep. and that's it. And if I look at my, I started an account this year on the um uh, i'm on it right now and i don't know what it's called letterboxd <laughs> and uh <laughs> wow how about that a hundred films i have a hundred films on Whoa. there yeah exactly so i watched a hundred this year and like i said it's probably only six or seven 2019 uh, horror movies so there's a lot of horror on there there's probably out of a hundred it's probably at least 50 horror but sure still you know so that's where i'm at okay let, let's let's continue on may 7th a little bit more Here's one I, I, I came across. It's called Redcon 1. It's listed Redcon as... Redcon 1. Redcon 1. R-E-D-C-O-N dash number 1. Oh, got it on the B here? Because that, that, folks, isn't on the real Queen of Horrors list. Dave Z is pulling this from one of his other sources. Yes. Yes, I am. And uh, it's action horror thriller. Okay, I'll just read this. After a deadly viral outbreak, an elite squad of special force... Pardon me. Of special forces soldiers must infiltrate a quarantine zone to rescue a scientist who holds the only cure to save mankind. Okay, it okay, sounds okay. like a little action horror stuff. Uh, it does, yeah. I am definitely not watching it based upon... No, my, you're, <laughs> you're not, yeah. <laughs> based upon my methods and my... Uh, the cover, oh, but... The cover isn't terrible. It, it can the cover's away, fine, you know? but look at this B, uh, this, this rating on the B, uh, you know, folks, if you're... I know you're following along. It's got a 4.9, and usually if you're getting... If you're dipping below the fours, or dipping below, dipping below the fives, you're, you're kind of in some hot water with, with, with the Mr. Watson here. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm okay. My my my, my steadfast rule is four and up. I, I will... Okay. No, I, that's I give, fair. I give a fair, a fair shake to four and up, because when it comes to horror... They're, they're always rated below other films. So basically oh, yeah. a four for horror is like a five for anything else. So yeah. it's like, I'll do that. The one, the, the movie I was speaking of before was the only time a movie was below a four. Oh yeah, what I, was that? It was called, um, hold on, it was either demonic or satanic. I get them confused because they both came out within a year of each other. Yeah. Um, let me see which one it demonic is. Demonic was the, the one that was produced by James Wan. Okay, that's not it. Then it's satanic. And I didn't particularly love that one. It must have been satanic. I remember that one. It has a bad cover. 
It yeah. has a bad rating, 3.7, and I ended up giving it a 7. I enjoyed it. It, it was the, those, those four kids going to Coachella, and they ended yep. up in this, I don't know. I ended up liking it, but I was one of the few. But that is the only time, the only time, except for another movie which I knew I was going to like because pe- the people that didn't like it didn't like it because it, w- it was uh, uh, described as a, as a trippy fever dream type thing, and that was uh, from last year from Mikey Keating. That was, uh, what's that darn movie that I really liked? Um, oh, it was something about, sci- was it just called Psychopaths? Psychopaths? Correct. I did not see that one. Mickey Keating's great. Yes. Or is it Mikey or Mickey? Uh, I think it is Mickey. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it was Psychopaths, and it made uh, all of our lists on, uh, well, I think it just came off mine at the end of the year, but I quite enjoy it, but I completely understood why people didn't like it. It's at a 3.9 now. And, oh, gosh. You know, people don't like it because it's, it's just a, a trippy fever dream type movie, but if you like his style, you know it, it's obviously style over over substance. But I sure. knew I would like it because all his oh, movies. Oh, he's a are great kinda, director. Yeah, and all his stuff's kind of trippy and stuff. And I, I'm into that. I understand why someone could look at it and, and think it's terrible. So movies like that, I don't really acknowledge other people's ratings because I know it's a it's a very subjective type of filmmaking he does. Sure. Yeah. So. Well, Darling uh, from 2016 was my oh. number six of that year. I was right there. It was in my top 10 somewhere for sure. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Good old Mikey or Mickey. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> good old Mikey. Be uh, like Mike. It is Mickey. I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's Mickey Keaton. <laughs> my gosh. Okay. So anyway, uh, where do we leave off? We went on this tangent about ratings. Oh yeah. We were talking about that movie, Retcon. Or- Ret- Retcon 1. Retcon 1. I- I'm going to go ahead and skip it according to my rules. Sure. So that's, that's just the way it is. But Same hey, here. maybe it's your thing. Who knows? Okay, now, all right, what else is left here? May 7th, aha, here's one. I like the title, Strawberry Flavored Plastic. (laughs) Say what? Yes, Strawberry Flavored Plastic. This one's coming out on VOD on the 7th. It's listed as a crime, drama, horror, thriller. And I'll give you the synopsis. A sensational, sentimental, and philosophical horror neo-noir that follows the still-at-large crimes of Noel. Excuse me. Uh, What's that word? (laughs) Repentant? Is it repentant? Okay, thank you. A repentant, classy, and charming serial killer loose in the suburbs of New York. Ooh, I like this cover. So do I. <laughs> I like the cover. Folks, yeah, if you if you, if you you can see a strawberry-flavored plastic, the cover is very, very... It's got that blue, pink, and purple color palette, you know, the kind of that those neon hues. I, I, I love that stuff. It's, it's how I plan to kind of light my... My son says that, well, I, that we should light our lives like that, like just in our house. Just It should be Suspiria 77 in our house, like all the time. And, and this is like, yeah, that kind of retro color palette that I think people will like with you know, injections of black on the cover. I, it, it's a cool cover. I, this Just judging by that alone, I, <laughs> I want to see it now. I do want to see it, but it's, there's not enough, there's no ratings yet. There's <laughs> nothing on, on IMDb folks about this at all. So strawberry flavored plastic, we got no info aside from that, uh, that, that synopsis Dave Z just read. Yeah, May the 7th, be on the lookout. Be yeah. on the lookout, it's coming. Okay. All right, May 7th, do we have anything else? Yes. No, no we don't. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> Get used to that because I'm going back and forth between my stuff and the queens, you know? No, fair enough. All right, so let's go over here. May 7th. This is one that got by me somehow. I, I, I remember hearing about it last year. This is called Greta. It's coming out. Greta. Greta on the, the 14th <laughs> on DVD, it says. A young woman befriends a lonely widow who's harboring a dark and deadly agenda toward her. 
now. Ooh. Is it a remake? No, <laughs> no it's, got, it's got Chloe Grace Moretz in it. Oh, right. <laughs> so she only does remakes, apparently. I think she's in a movie we're going to be talking about later. Oh, I don't know. yeah, that's right. Indeed. Indeed she is. For about and you didn't... a hot six minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and what's funny about that is uh the 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 lead here besides Chloe Grace Moretz, uh Isabel uh Hoopert or Hooper, I don't know how you, how you'd say it. Uh is was supposed to be in the well, Suspiria remake when David Gordon Green was going to do it like back uh y- years back. I think she was going to be Madame Blanc. Really? I think I think I read something about that years uh, maybe don't quote me on that. I might take that out. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. We'll find <laughs> take out. Take that bit of uh, crappy info that I just gave everybody out, but so did you didn't see Greta, did you? No, because I was me because it, it wasn't it was hard to get a hold of last year. I think it played festivals and then I, I whatever it was, I wasn't sure if it was really horror. So this is another fringe one and I wasn't willing yep. to take the gamble at the time. Did you see it? Same here. No, I didn't. Okay. I, I had the exact same thoughts you did, but I really do like Chloe Grace Moretz's face. I just Yeah. She has a good face. I don't know. I like it. She she looks expressive. Yeah. Yeah, I I like her. I like her she's face. She's like she's always like, like oh. Well, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, everyone needs a friend it says. So Oh. Yeah, that's it. Okay, I'll read this quickly. A young woman befriends a lonely widow who's harboring a dark and deadly agenda toward her. So we know. Did Did you read that already? I hope not. I don't think so. <laughs> I guess we'll see when, when I'm editing this. Yeah, I don't think I did, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I don't know. Uh, listeners, get back to us. Yeah. I'm I'm probably not gonna watch it either. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I might not either. Is it horror? Is it not? Where, where does it fall for you? Yeah, let us know. Let us yeah. know. Uh, give, give us the recommendation if need be. Yep. But we won't spend any more time on it. Let's move on yep. to this one. Aha! Happy death day to you. Happy death day to you. <laughs> I yeah. wonder if they sing in there. Uh, if they, they don't, had they drop better. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, everyone knows what this is. It's the sequel to uh, the wildly successful... Uh, at least as far as making money from uh, two years ago or whatever, last year, whichever year it was. I think it was two years ago now. Um, this comes 2017, out on DVD. yep. Okay, 2017, thank you. Happy Death Day to you, uh, May 14th, coming out on DVD in blue, I imagine. College student Tree Gelman becomes the target of a mass killer when she wakes up in an alternate reality. When the psychopath starts to go after her in her circle, Tree soon realizes that she must die over and over again to save her friends. Aha, uh-huh. okay. so she's completely unselfish in this one. Okay. Okay. She, so she did have that character conflict crisis change in the first movie that got her to the point where she'll be more likable. Yes. Yes. Well, I, this is what I've heard about this one, that it's very comedic. Some, some have even said that it's it's like a straight up comedy with, with some horror elements in it. How true is that? I don't know. I listened to a plethora of podcasts and the overwhelming thing that I heard over and over again is comedy so ah. i was turned off the first one i enjoyed but if everybody's saying almost everybody is saying that this is a lot more comical and it's not quite yep. as good that's I, what i've heard too yep right i decided i i don't need to see it so did you ever review the first one on exploding heads or anything no i did not review it maybe we talked about it briefly on a triple okay. when i saw it at the show or whatever i don't know ah. but I, I, I liked it. I, I think it's like a seven, seven and a half area. I was okay with it. I, I yep, that's what it. I had it at. You know, but I'm, I'm not going to see this. I don't know. If I happen to be at a place one day and it's playing, maybe, but... Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, well, well, folks, if you'd like to hear an in-depth review, spoiler-free, but still in-depth review of this, listen to episode 10 of Horror Corridor, 
and you'll hear me break down thematically Happy Death Day 2017. And I'm pretty proud of that review. It was on my Halloween show, and it was just kind of a, a bonus review I did to start off the, to kick off the celebration of Halloween 2017, and I'm proud of that review. It's one of my uh, better spoiler-free reviews, I think. I'm, I, li- I like it. And you would, too, if you listened to episode 10 of Horror Corridor. Now, okay, shameless plug. Hey. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, I'm well, what, what else? <laughs> oh, you, you should. Uh, yeah, you should You should check it out. Well, yeah, I listened to it, it already, of course. Yeah, I'm you did. I'm just saying, I've listened to them all, but I haven't gone Aww. back to listen, but oh, I'm Dave. not. Hey, of course, I, I, every single show, <laughs> absolutely. Likewise. Uh, and, and if I didn't, we wouldn't be doing this show together. I mean, if you can't exactly. listen to somebody's every show, then, then what, do you wanna, what do you want to do a show with them for? It wouldn't make any sense, mm-hmm. now would it? So, uh, but when Horror Corridor, um, when you bow out and, and you wrap it up, episode 25, that's when I'm yep. going to go back and listen to all 25 again. Oh well, then then it would be behoove me. <laughs> I love that word to <laughs> to, uh, to to mention that I'm putting out like I'm re-editing some of those older episodes to be like kind of shorter, taken and kind of taken some of the music out, like in case I put them on YouTube that could get like copyright strikes or something. So oh. in the future there will be shortened versions of the episodes that people can hear that takes out a lot of the me talking about why I didn't put out an episode, you know, last month because nobody knew that I quit the show without telling anybody. So I took that <laughs> stuff out. So it's a, it's a, it'll be more of a succinct show, you know, some minutes cut out here and there. So yeah, you'll, you'll want to hear that folks after and that'll be put out after I end the show. But anyways, that, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's an aside that doesn't need to be said now. So we're talking, we just talked about happy death day to you released on May 14th, 2019. What's next Dave Z. All right. May 14th. We're keeping it up. Here's a movie called high moon, not noon, oh. not noon, high moon, high moon. Yes. This looks like a Western horror. It's VOD. And a Western is, werewolf horror. Oh, ooh, get it. Oh, yeah, there you go. A gunslinging werewolf slayer from the Old West mysteriously rises from the grave, only to find that the band of werewolves that brutally murdered his wife are still running rampant generations later, aided by a beautiful widow, a skeptical town sheriff, and a corrupt mayor. Colt must face off with the bloodthirsty creatures once again to slay, to slave, yeah, to save <laughs> a sleepy southern town from destruction. To slave a sleepy southern town. <laughs> See, this is what this, this is why this is going to be a gold segment because Woo. Dave Z is an idiot when it comes to reading publicly, <laughs> which I consider this publicly because people are going to be listening to it, even though I'm in a oh, room yeah. by myself. But whatever. Uh, so you're killing it, man! Come on, come it, on. Okay, well, if for nothing else, people can laugh at me. Okay, so anyway, high so this movie's about. Sli- sli- what, what is it about werewolf slaves in a southern town? What, what was that again? Werewolf slaves in a southern no, town. <laughs> in a like southern it. town. Um. Started making trouble in my neighborhood. No. So, <laughs> <laughs> so High Moon. Also, it looks like it takes place in the modern day. I was hoping this would. The cover makes it look a little more like a western, and I'm, I'm presumably maybe there's a section of it that does take place in the old west. But even just the still image of the YouTube trailer, because you know, folks, Dave Z and I do not watch trailers. We're no. in, in that camp, and I've been that way for many a year. And uh, since so 2006, actually. Thank you, Michael Bay's The Island. Got me to stop watching trailers, but uh, it looks like it just the still image in the trailer here that is showing below the synopsis you just read on on the website here, realqueenofhor.com. It's it looks like it's in modern times, modern times, kids these days. <laughs> modern times indeed. Yep. You want to know what's weird? I can't find this movie on the B. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but it's not there. High Moon. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I want I want to try to do some. Uh, you know, unless they change the name and it's called Howlers now. Sure, which sure. Looks like it is. Yes. Oh, Howlers. okay. Well, hey, bit of bit of breaking news there, folks. Oh, and would you look at this? It's a completely different cover. Oh, weird. 
Sean Patrick Flannery. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's he's one of the uh, folks. He's one of the Boondock Saints. So I'm I'm a fan of him. Yeah, this is the same movie because listen, a gunslinger from the old west returns from the grave to stop a bloodthirsty werewolf motorcycle gang from terrorizing a small town. It's definitely the same movie. So action horror western on the B. It's a seven point eight out of ten. Keep in mind, only nineteen people have rated it. Ah, uh, and I do I do want to say this that in the synopsis you read earlier it did not mention motorcycle gang. And so folks, yeah, that, that I know that's a dead giveaway that that would take place in mod in the modern era, but oh, I, yeah. it did not say motorcycle gang in this synopsis. So folks, I'm 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 exempt. Okay. That's All right. Well, I, I might check. Yeah, th- thank you. Thank you, Daisy. Yeah. I, I might check it out cuz I like Sean Plat- Pat- Sean Patrick Flannery. Yeah. <laughs> look at this guy on the right. Are you on the B? Can you see that? I picture? am on the B. Look at the guy on the right that wore off. Doesn't look like he has testicles hanging on his chin. It, the, folks, the the image that Dave Z is talking about is a, there's a werewolf on the cover of the film whose who's, uh, multicolored goatee does resemble testicles, folks. I'm just going to throw that out there. So go ahead and, ladies, check it out. <laughs> and they're on top of some guy's head. <laughs> the Balchinians. Yeah, there you go. The Balchinians. Yeah. Oh yeah, They're back. Okay, Howlers now. So I okay. don't know. Howlers. I, I've gotten more into horror westerns. As a matter of fact, two out of the last four years, my favorite horror movie of the year was could be considered a horror western. So, but I don't know. I I don't have a good feeling about this movie. Sure, sure. Okay. I don't know. Okay, moving on. Ooh. Is this a okay? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say this. Slaughterhouse Rules, VOD. How come I've heard of this movie before? Is this a remake? I don't know. Maybe no, I just. Would... Hmm. Well, okay. I'm just gonna read this. Uh, yep. An illustrious British boarding school becomes a bloody battleground when a mysterious sinkhole appears at a nearby fracking site, unleashing unspeakable horror. Hmm. Interesting. So Dave Z. Rules. Well, I have seen this movie. What? One of uh, the listen, and I, I probably shouldn't say because it's not out here in the states. It's a it's a British film, and it's got Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in it. So that that's pretty neat. You know, people like people like those folks, and it's it's a it's a monster film. And but one of my British listeners, one of my listeners over in the UK, sent me a rip of this movie uh, a couple months ago, and just like, hey, you should check this out. And it's not out here yet, so I kind of I I don't have it on any lists. I so as far as anyone's concerned, I have not seen this, but. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's it's more of a comedy, kind of a horror comedy, and it, I think it it. What was the movie from earlier this year? It's not a horror movie, kind of a thriller. Rust Creek is that the name of that? I remember hearing that title. Yes, yeah. the main girl in that, folks. If you've seen Rust Creek, the main girl who's actually a a Brit, who's actually a Brit, uh, is in this movie, and she she's gorgeous as ever, and it's it's a, it's a fun little movie. I wouldn't say it's gonna make anybody's end of year list, but if you're if you need just a lighthearted British horror comedy. You, monster comedy you, you you could do well to watch this you could do worse fun movie right on margot robbie too i kind of like her yeah she's got a side part in this and it, yeah and she's uh she, she's a heartbreaker indeed well yeah well based on what you said i'm probably not going to rush out to get it but it does have a decent i wouldn't okay there you go 3500 people plus have rated this on the b so it has been seen obviously overseas and yep so uh, it has a 5.3 average for horror that's not bad that's something to check out if you're into action comedy horror you know what i mean and, and looking um, at hermione corfield because my goodness what a pretty lady and i say that respectfully we're always respectful when you're dealing with mr watson 
Very good. Yes, yes, I can, and Dave I can Z. vouch for that. Yes, well, I try. <laughs> well, less less so Dave Z, mostly mostly me. Fair. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a humble I'm a humble guy, and I'm a simple guy, so we're, <laughs> we're good together. <laughs> I, was, I was taking a drink of water when you said that. I knew you were going to say it. I was about to spit it on spit it on the mic. This is an expensive no, mic, folks. I, I better not be spitting water on it. Do not. No, no <laughs> spitting, please. Yeah, no, indeed, no, no, no. indeed. None of that. Yes. What, what, okay. what, what do we got next, Dave Z? All right, rocking and rolling. We got a movie called Don't Look. Coming don't out look. on the 14th. Yes, don't look. Let's see if I can pull this up on the B. I know that it's coming out. This one obviously isn't on the um, on, on Real Queens list. This is one that I discovered. So and it's it's hard to find. Uh, don't look on IMDb because there's a lot of films that have that in their title. You're correct about that, but I know. Oh, I think I got it right here. Yeah, I just I hit enter, and it's the first one that popped up. It's got the clown with a chainsaw on the cover. Oh, that's the one, huh? Ooh, this does not look like a Dave Z movie. Okay, well, maybe we should just skip it. <laughs> I can't pull it up on my <laughs> Fair B. Fair enough. I can't pull it up oh. on my B. I don't get it. Oh, weird. Maybe my... Are you using the apostrophe? Uh, yeah. Okay, that might be... I just hit, just, I just hit enter and then put, put it right in. Oh, there it is. <laughs> it's the fourth one down. I got it. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it has the bad font. It has the it even has the bad thing at the bottom where they have the um the tagline where yeah. it's white and then it's red there. Everything that you see when you see a crappy asylum movie or some garbage that it's at red box is th- this is what this box is screaming. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that a year from now this is probably going to say 2.7. Let's look back oh, yeah. a year from now, May the 4th. 2020 and see if Dave Z is right on that 2.7. Okay. I have a feeling you might even be going high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm trying to just to, yeah, just to be safe. But aim high. Aim high yes, nonetheless. Aim high. I don't, I don't, I don't want to shit on a film that, 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 you know, that may not be that bad because no, maybe filmmakers not. and I can't make a film. Well, I can't, right? but well, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, it's the films that you can only see on certain sites, <laughs> certain hubs, certain yeah. hubs. Yeah, buddy. We can upload them. Absolutely. Well, not you and me, but... <laughs> I can with. Uh, I mean, it depends if I ever come to New York or you ever come to the Northwest, and we'll see what movie gets made. That's true. Coast to coast, buddy. All right. Yeah, buddy. East okay. coast to the West coast. What do we got next, Dave Z? <laughs> this movie also coming out on the 17th, VOD, is called Our Evil, O-U-R-E-V-I-L, Mel Nasso, the original title. So that means it's from another country. Which country would that be? Mexico? Brazil? Yeah, hmm. I'm seeing Brazil. what look like Spanish names. Okay, Brazil. Oh, this, this cover looks pretty... Pretty good, Malnoso. Mm. And it's got one of those covers that has all those awards on it and all those big letters for that like, gets the film snob in me looking, Dave Z. You know, but hmm. Well, let's see. A man with spiritualist powers is told by his mentor that a demonic entity is returning to destroy his daughter's soul, and he should take drastic measures to prevent this from happening. Yeah, well, maybe he should. Yeah, maybe. Five point four out of ten. I see that. Sixty-eight. Hmm. It's not that promising but no i don't know it's a foreign horror movie and usually when us folks in the states get a foreign horror movie they tend to be good yeah because they're 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 representing yes they are so this is a back burner type movie for me i think so it will be for me as well i'll tell you what though if you're on the b and look at the other cover i'm not so sure about that you see the other cover i do see that yeah that's yeah i don't know 
I don't know. Well, I guess we'll wait till they do it on fresh cuts because uh, I think that Jerry Cortez and uh, well, he's he's Spanish, but Mike Merriman, I, I think he's Mexican. He'll know what I mean by that. Well, it means he's Mexican. I know he's not, but I just I just think he is. And that, you know, it's, I can love you, Merriman. He's listening. Yeah, I do too, and I love Mexicans. So JP, yeah. you know, yeah. So he's Mexican. Yeah, no, he's a no. full-blooded half Mexican. <laughs> a full-blooded half Mexican, yep. But I speak more Spanish than he. Well, does. he won't be. He won't be listening. He so so JP, you can go to hell, sir. Yeah, not not really because I love you, but I know you're not going to listen. So. No, he doesn't listen to our shows. <laughs> That's like been my joke on Horror Quarter. I, I, a couple times I've mentioned how something about twenty making fun of twenty-two shots because they'll never know. <laughs> Even though they're one of my absolute favorites, it's just friends making fun of friends, folks. Absolutely, that's what yeah. we do. Horror yep. Fear Network a podcast. Oh Check yeah. us out. You know, please do, please do. All right. Anyway, horrorfilia.com. Anyway, yep. May seventeenth to the cinema. Cinema, what a word. Uh, cinema. Yeah, coming to the cinema. A movie called Perfect. Perfect, so eh? Pull, pull this one up on the B. Let's, Let's see. see. Yes, Perfect. It is coming up May seventeenth. I've got the perfect date, which looks like a, a splendid romantic comedy. No, you don't see it, huh? It looks like another chocolate face. Yep, perfect. It's the first one that comes up for me. 2018. Okay. I made a mistake and didn't uh, didn't do it right, folks. Okay. The, the, it, it's it's hard to be to be to be me. Oh, okay. Here we go. I, I've got it. Uh, yeah, perfect. 2018. Well, well, of course, it's probably doing the festival run. Horror mystery sci-fi. Okay, Dave Z, what's this one about? Uh, this says here, a young man with a violent past enters a mysterious clinic where the patients wildly transform their bodies and minds using genetic engineering. Hmm. The patients are experimenting on themselves? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Just the way that sentence is written. No, that, that cover looks intriguing, folks. It's a, it's, a, it's a cover of a face in what looks like some kind of black black shadowy liquid and it's very shadowy and very dark gray and kind of bluish hues and a little streak of red there in in the in the cover i I dig that color palette that that could be okay yeah man it could be okay hmm abby cornish you know who she is i have heard that name uh ever since you said it okay well she was in no i know who she is okay that's yep. That's where I knew it. Yep. Thank you. And she yes. was in three three billboards outside Missouri. Oh, and, that uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that movie. I own it and have have yet to watch it. So. Oh, you'll you'll like it, man. It's a it's a fantastic uh, drama. I really enjoyed it. Very very dark and funny and cool characters. It's it's a movie. It's a movie. All right, I'll get on it. But as far yeah. as Perfect's concerned, I don't know. Um, it has a six point six already. Only one hundred ninety two people have seen it. Not bad. Here, yeah, here we are. I don't know. Uh, I have a feeling that it's going to be because we haven't heard anything about it. It's probably going to be like a limited release. But sure, we here at the Wadzi, uh, you know, we don't know. We just don't know. We, we don't, don't know, know if it's going to be cinema. I mean, we know Folks, it's going to be cinema. We don't know. Yeah, we, we just don't know officially if it's going to be VOD as well. Our resources are, are not a hundred percent. They're not little limited. Yes. A little limited, folks. So 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 cut it out, folks. Yeah. We're doing the best we can here. So just doing you know, the best we can. Get off our back. Gosh. Stop it. <laughs> okay. <sighs> These people, Dave. I know. I, I, know. I, I quit the Watts. No. <laughs> <laughs> These people. The party. Turn out the lights. The, par- the party's over. <laughs> the party's over. No. <laughs> yeah. The party's just beginning. Right. <laughs> Dave Z, what do we got next, buddy? Okay, here's another strange one. Uh it's called Winter Skin. And this skin? One, yeah. Straight Let me type this up and pull it up, up on the computer. Horror. VOD. May 21st. Winter Skin. This is what it says. Coming soon. Uh, a very interesting cover. 
very cartoonish. Oh, yeah, okay, I just pulled it up. I didn't realize Winter Skin Folks is one word. Yeah, it looks like the Toxic Avenger, but crossed with the devil in a cartoon Oh my gosh, film. totally. Weird, huh? Wow. Yeah, very cartoony cover art, folks. Yeah, what, what's this one about, Dave Z? All right, check it out. Gunned down in the snowy wilderness and desperate for shelter, Billy Kavanaugh is taken in by kooky old lady Agnes, unaware <laughs> that her isolated log cabin is being stalked by a bloodthirsty, skinless creature hell-bent oh. on getting inside. Oh. oh, man, so we got threats from within and without? Ooh. Hmm. I don't know. And, and, and folks, there's nothing here to indicate anything on imdb.com. www backslash backslash. Oh, sorry. HTTPS colon backslash backslash www.imdb.com. There's nothing here that indicates anything because there's there's no info, no ratings, no uh, nothing. Well, so I guess we'll just have to keep our eyes out. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not going to be good. That's a fair limb upon which to go out. Thank you. So uh, maybe someone will watch it and check back with us and say you're Please wrong do, folks. or you're right. Yeah, we'd love feedback on things like this because we're not Absolutely. watching Absolutely. We're definitely not watching this one. So if one of you guys want to take the bullet for us, one of you, one of our new listeners... Please do. We'd, we'd really Please. appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk about it on the next show. Why not? I'll that give you a fun. hug. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, because they so-and-so watched this movie and this is what they said. So. Yes, because, folks, and, and if we're not clear on this, by the time the next episode comes out, because we are a monthly podcast, then all these movies will be out and you will be able to see them. And then you can just let us know. You can, If you're a super fan, if you're a real member of the party, of the Watsi party, then you'll, if you're, you'll, you'll, you'll get down on, you, you, I'll tell you what you'll do. You will watch all these and give us your feedback then. That's a, that's a, you're, you're getting in the inner sanctum of the party, I think. Wow, that would be something. But poor person, poor person who does that. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, uh, <laughs> that our, our friends over at, uh, No More Room and How Fresh Cuts just oh, might yeah. be doing that anyway. I don't know. They <laughs> will be doing that whether we exist or not, whether, whether the Watsi party's here for them or not. Whether we're fighting the good fight, they will also be fighting their own good fight. <laughs> yes, yeah, good for them. They're taking the bullets, and God bless you. you know, you're yes, God bless. Over there, you know? Okay, here we go. Here's a big one. May 24th at theaters, Ooh. Brightburn. Oh, baby. People have been talking about this for a long time. Brightburn. Okay, what if a child from another world crash landed on Earth, but instead of becoming a hero to mankind, he proved to be something far more sinister? Hmm. Ooh. Well... What are you feeling, Dave Z? Because I am looking... I love James Gunn, and I believe he is producing this. Yes, he is. And I, I am down. I don't know... Sadly, I don't know anything about the director, David... I, I can barely see the print. Yarovsky? Yarovsky? Uh, but he... Yeah, I, I don't know anything about him. I, I could pull it up on the B, but folks, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lazy person. I'm a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. And... Uh, <laughs> It looks pretty good to me. I like this cover. I like that premise. If basically, if Superman were evil, I mean, could you imagine a basically a god on Earth that could just do whatever he or she wanted to do, and nobody could do anything against them, and they're they're all powerful, and they they do not like humanity. That's a that's a pretty dark. I would hate to know that Superman were out there somewhere in the world, and he's evil, and he's doing sadistic stuff. That would be a terrifying thought. You're going to work. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're at work, and then you hear, oh, okay, that city's gone. I'm like, oh, yikes. Okay, <laughs> I guess it's gonna be mine soon. <laughs> Man, I, I tell you, I am going to have a wait and see approach. I'm optimistic about it. I'm mm -hmm. not going to run right out to the theater to see it, but I know that many of my friends will, and I will get some feedback, 
And after the first week, if the feedback is good, I will definitely go see that. So probably by next, actually, no, not by next month because it's coming out at the end of the month. Oh, so yeah, who that's knows? True. Yeah, so that who knows? True. But uh, I'm definitely open to this idea. I don't know how horror it's going to be, but mm -hmm. it, it seems very uh, superhero-ish kind yep. of to me, except the foil of a superhero, a super villain. Ooh, well right? said. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. It's years of watching the Super Friends, you know? <laughs> the, the Legion of Doom, you know, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get on to it. We'll see. Uh, that's a big one. We don't have to talk too much about it. People know what's sure. coming out and yep. we'll see what happens. So here's one that nobody knows about. <laughs> Isabel, uh, May 24th, VOD, starring Adrian Brody. Or, no, it's not Adrian. I'm sorry. Adam oh, Brody. Adam Brody. He's the, he's, he's from the OC. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. All right. He, wow! He, he, he was in the beginning of the ring, and I know because I just listened to a podcast that were uh, that reviewed the ring, and they were talking about Adam Brody and the OC. And I remember when I used to I used to see a young lady back in when that show was hot, uh, who 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 liked that show a lot, and I never saw a single episode. Oh, I never saw a single episode either. Yeah, and I just heard somebody do the ring. Who was it? Who did you listen to that? Could have been ring? Night of the Living podcast. Is that what it was? Oh, you know, it was not for me. For me, it was Test Pattern. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, there you go. We just shouted out two shows. Shout out, guys to. and you girls. I mean? Yeah. So, Isabel. Isabel. Uh, let's see. Let me get down. Yeah, what's, the, I, what's this one about? I, yeah, I, I want to get on to the B to, to read a, to get a little more into it to see if I'm going right. to watch it or not. Ah. Okay. A young couple's dreams of starting a family shatters as they descend into the depths of paranoia and must struggle to survive an evil presence that wants nothing more than their very own lives. Oh, that's it? Just the, just their lives? Right just on. That, that's all. That's it's, it? Just that? Um, well, Dave Z, I'm looking at the still image on the trailer that you can see. if you, if, Folks, if you're on the uh, on realqueenofhorror.com, below the synopses here, they also have, she also includes links to the trailer if you are a trailer watcher. And just the still image here, and again, that might not be a fair criticism I'm about to say here, but it, it's, it's, not, it's not pulling me in, Dave Z. I see what you're talking about, and I agree, and it doesn't help a bit that the cover of this is kind of a ripoff of the Don't Breathe cover, so oh, yep. it's got another strike against it, and She's the like, font <gasps> of Isabel looks a little, uh, uh, it, it doesn't look bad. See, when I say it looks bad, I don't mean bad as like the person that created it did, did a bad job of it. That's not the case, but it's just synonymous with bad movies. And I, I can't say it any any more plainer than that. So, but that that, sure, that sure. font, although that font's kind of in the middle, I've seen that used uh, uh, on good movies too. But sure, it still already had a couple of things against it. So I don't know. I don't think I'm going to see this. But yeah, that picture is a little suspect with that that red. Uh, I don't know CGI that looks. Like yeah, I'm not. They have like sure a, what I'm even looking at. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they have like one of those cat toys. Uh, with the red light coming out of it and <laughs> that's what it reminds me of i don't know yep not my thing okay let's move on here's a movie called the perfection oh it's coming to netflix actually see we do oh, netflix okay. here uh <laughs> yeah we do vod see, netflix hulu we're doing it all thanks real getting it all thanks xena you know <laughs> yep thank you xena <laughs> this is this is party shout out yeah all day so the perfection it's time to face the music okay uh, a troubled Ooh. musical prodigy see i said it right that time Oh, good job. <laughs> yeah. Seeks out the new star pupil of her former school with shocking consequences in this elegant and terrifying suspense ride. Ooh, it had me an elegant. Mmm. Because I'm an elegant gentleman, folks. Indeed. I don't know if this is going to be horror. <laughs> mm, yeah. 
It does seem it does seem like yeah probably more of a more of the thriller type that you know horror fans might enjoy because those things do cross boundaries. It does say drama horror thriller, so that it could be. It seems like Netflix has put out an awful lot of those fringe movies this year. Yep, an, an awful lot, like five or six. That I, it seems like at least one a month. They keep coming out, and like I'm hearing about it, and I'm not rushing off to see them. I know other people are. Beginning with Velvet Buzzsaw, that was the first mm-hmm. one. And it just seems like there's been one each month. And none of them have drawn me in as to definitely being straight horror and definitely being something that I'm interested in. But yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, I could be proven wrong. Who knows? Maybe this will be on my top 10, The Profession. <laughs> people have seen it. 79 people, to, uh, to be exact. 6.4 out of 10 right now. So Okay, okay. I don't know. It's you know, it's not really saying anything. It's um, It's got an interesting type of, of Netflix font. You know, <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, there is something to the aesthetics of the Netflix covers. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do, I do enjoy them. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. There's they're sharp. I, I like it. They, they got they, they, they draw in the eyes. Yeah, and they haven't really been. There hasn't been a bad one really. Like these Netflix no. movies. Like I said, some of them have been fringe horror, and some of them, I haven't really like. You know, a Netflix original. I haven't heard like rated like terribly. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them are just kind of there. They come and they go and, and whatever, but... Sure. So, who knows? Maybe it'll be okay. Uh, it's Netflix, so I know people are going to review it and people are going to be hearing about it. So, it's a Dave, Wait and Z approach. Oh, Wait and Z. Folks, you heard that here first. Wait and Z. You get, you got to yes. say that more. I'm going to just yeah. point it right now. There yeah, we go. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, baby. It's a Wait and Z. Okay. <laughs> we got a couple more here. Wait, uh, it's a Watt and Z. Ah, oh, damn it. Ooh, wow. It is a Watt and Z. <laughs> a Watt and Z approach. Wait, did Brandon Orlick just join, your co-host on Exploding Heads, just join, uh, join the podcast here with that? Uh, right. That's a Brandon joke all day. Oh, that's a Brandon. Oh, gosh. All right. And moving on, that, Dave. That's a BJ. Dave help, okay. help me out here. All right. I'll help you out with a little bit of a, a, a assimilation. Ooh. There's a movie here called Assimilate, May 24th, VOD. Okay. Three friends making a web series about their town discover that their neighbors are being killed and replaced by creatures who are perfect copies of their victims. Ooh, a little uh, body snatcher. Yeah, body snatcher narrative. We got Andy Matichak in this. She was the young lady who was in Halloween 2018. Oh, wait a minute. The babysitter? I, I, I thought that she was the, 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 the strode. I thought she was granddaughter. Oh, is she granddaughter? I think. Wow. Really? That's I'm just really gonna normal. say yeah. Andy, I'm just gonna say yes. Andy Matichak? Yeah, that yeah. is her. Allison. Good call. Yep. That's thank you. Wow. Nice. So she's in this, and I, I dig the cover. I, I'm I'm uh, looking forward to this one. It's gonna be out in VOD. What what was the date? May twenty fourth. Yes, twenty fourth. Yep. On the way. Horror, okay. sci-fi, thriller. Okay. Ooh. Did I read the synopsis? I don't think I did. Yes, you did. You did. Yeah. Oh, the body see? snatcher narrative. Oh, dummy. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Nah, see? not dummy. Just <laughs> cutie. Hey, thank you. You're a cutie. Uh, hey. You check it out. That's what I do because I came over to the B and saw it again. Mm-hmm. That's why oh. I thought I didn't read the synopsis because all of a sudden I saw another synopsis and I was like, wait a minute. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> assimilate. Uh, who knows? Uh, I'm down. We know nothing about it except for the, that plot and the actress. Yeah, it could be good. I don't know. I, I don't I'll be know. checking this one out. Yeah, you're, I'll already, let you know. you're on board, huh? All right. Yeah, I'm on I'm on board. I'm on board. There you go. There is an official Watson view for the month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, sir. Assembly. Maybe I'll jump on one of them just to do it. Oh, there's one for sure, but I'm kind of being unfair because I've been looking forward to this movie for an awfully long time. Oh, yes. which one's that? Starfish. 
Oh, I, I have never heard of this. This is the it, I, I'm, first off. I'm digging this cover, folks. A nice black and white of a part of a is, is that a, a lady's face, kind of from an odd angle. I really I really like that. Yeah, I could buy that a little artsy. Yeah. Yeah. Black and white. We, we like the artsy film. The the, the, the Watsy Party Horse Show endorses artsy films. We we generally like them. It's true. So if you if you're new to the show and new to us, and you don't like that. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Especially when we get to our review at the end of the evening. Oh, boy. That's oh, boy. So, we'll see, though. But Starfish, okay, uh, May 28th, VOD. A unique, intimate, and honest portrayal of a girl grieving for the loss of her best friend that just happens to take place on the day the world ends as we know it. And she oh, feels dude. fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Starfish. The singing. Yeah, oh, yeah. singing. I'll try not to sing too much. This is not a No, no, no. I, we, we, this, this podcast encourages the singing. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, I'm not going to get hated on by my co-host. No All right. way. All right. So, Starfish, uh, I'll tell you, I have been looking forward to this for a little while, and only because I listened to many podcasts, and this was, a, this was a, I don't know if it was a festival, darling, but I know it was something that one of the podcasts I listened to, and I don't know which one, so I can't say, but I know that it was a two-man show. Uh, oh, okay. So maybe it was horror business. Maybe it was uh, the new flesh. Maybe it was. Oh, there's a couple others that I don't want. But see, again, uh, we're not afraid to shout out something we listen to. But not uh. at all. And the young lady who is in this appears, according to the IMDb, she appears to have been in Halloween 2018 as well. I think the this babysitter. Is, it's kind of funny. I think so. And she's a pretty blonde lady. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Oh, pretty, is it her? Pretty lady. She's pretty. Vicky, was that her name? She was a doll. Yeah. I'll tell you that. If that's, then I have another reason I want to watch it. Wow. I like dolls. Wow, indeed. I said dolls, not balls. Dave. Dolls. D O L L S. Dolls. dolls. Yes. Okay. So yes, I'm here for you. 106 Starfish. people. They've seen it on the B. 6.2 rating. Not okay. bad. Drama, I'm horror, in. sci-fi. Yes, this is. I'm definitely jumping on this one because, like I said, somebody. Talk this movie up. I believe that they picked it as their number one of the year for last year. Oh, and from wow. what they said about it, and because they rated it so high, and some of the things they said about it, I was like, okay, bet. When that comes out, I'm jumping. So I'm jumping May 28th. Hells yeah. Yeah, VOD, rock and roll, starfish. Okay. Oh, see, here's another big one I didn't know about. Thanks, Queen. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I know people are saying, hey, what's the matter with you? How do you not know about this? Well, I know about it. I just didn't know it was this month. <laughs> You know, but uh, we know what this is. The, I'll read it though. The cryptozoological agency Monarch faces off against a battery of god-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla, who collides with Mothra, Rodan, <gasps> and his ultimate nemesis, the three-headed King Ghidorah. Is that right? Ooh. Ghidorah? Yeah, okay. that's correct. I'm not. Thank you, because it's not really my. You know, <laughs> I know some people so, are real serious about Gamera and all that other stuff, and Gorija oh. and all that other stuff. You know. Are you a big Godzilla kaiju fan? I admit that this is an area of film that I'm not terribly, excuse me, with which I'm not terribly familiar. Me neither. I, I, I used to watch the Godzilla movies like on Sunday afternoons when I was a kid sometimes. But I yeah, same here. The, right, haven't had the urge to rewatch them, but they were okay for what they were at that age. So. Will you be going to see this? It's got uh, directed by Michael Doherty of Trick or Treat and Krampus, which are my favorite Halloween themed movie and my favorite Christmas theme oh, horror, horror movies of course themed uh, horror movies so he, he's got the holidays on lock so you know there's a good chance that his his direction could take Godzilla and uh, do a good thing with it I'm with you 
I don't know if the big budget's going to hurt him or help him. Oh, yeah, that's definitely something to consider. Because just looking at the cover, it just looks like every other Godzilla. It looks like a blockbuster movie. cover, yeah. Yes, it looks like a blockbuster cover. See, there's the font. That is a that is a blockbuster action yep. movie font. Why oh, can't yeah. somebody use that on a, a a knockoff movie? You could maybe they could fool more people. But whatever, I don't know. I'm just saying. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's it's yeah, the right? font rules. Yeah, it's weird how they just like, oh, you guys can't use that font. That's only for um, big budgets. Oh, okay. You know, I don't know. But yes, <laughs> Godzilla King of the Monsters is coming. Uh, there's there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of excitement about it. I don't know if I'm going to see it. You never know. Maybe I'll catch a matinee or something. I'll probably catch it on the VODs, but I kind of do want to support my man, Michael Doherty, because, man, Trick or Treat and Krampus are my jams. They're my jams, folks. Yes. Yeah. um, Me too, my man. Absolutely. Okay. Here's one I definitely am going to see. There's no question I'm going to see it. It's called Ma. M-A. May 31st. You know about this one? I do not. Tell me about it, Dave Z. I will. I'll fill you in. A lonely, middle-aged woman befriends a group of teenagers and decides to let them party at her house. Just when the kids think their luck couldn't get any better, things start happening that make them question the intention of their host. Ah, okay. This, I have seen the trailer. Just, I don't watch them, (gasps) as we know. Dave Z. I watched the first 25 seconds before I realized that it was horror when I was at the theater. And then ah. I promptly put my head down, plug my ears, do what I do. I do the same thing. We're not right? crazy, folks. We're trying no. to have the best film experience we can. So shut your mouths. There you go, buddy. Maybe that'll be a topic of conversation one day. Oh, Trailers. it will. I promise you. Because we're, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get worked up, Dave Z. I'm going to get worked <laughs> up. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. Okay. So this seems, this seems pretty good. We got, we got Octavia Spencer. Yep. Juliette Lewis, who's one of my all-time favorite oh. actresses. Yes. Yeah, that was one big thing for me. I said, oh, Juliet's in here? All right, uh, I'm down. And then it's a horror movie, and it's one that I think that uh, my wife and daughter would like to see. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to check this one out. So Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think I might as well. Yeah, man, I'm down. Yeah, that wraps up, uh, folks, that wraps up the real queen of horror, right? Uh, That wraps up her list. Uh, Dave Z, do you have anything, uh, any of your other side, uh, whatever the word is? Um, side sources? movies? Sources? No. Side sources. I dig it, yeah. Uh, side sources? <laughs> I don't have any more side sources. We're good. That, that We finally made it through that. Okay, yes. well, shoot. There we go. So, all right, folks, that concludes our party favors segment, which brings Act 1 of this horror show to a close. It is now time for the Watsy Party Horror Show Horror Deep Dive segment to commence. Here and now, Dave Z and I present to you, friends and listeners, Act of the show, which is our horror deep dive. This is our topic of discussion portion of the episode in which we'll put forth our chosen horror-related subject and dive deep right into that bad boy. In our very first horror deep dive, we wanted to bring the heat from the get-go. We wanted to draw lines in the sand. We wanted to come out swinging, as it were. And so, Dave Z, would you be so kind as to tell our wonderful friends and listeners what our horror deep dive topic of discussion is on this episode? Yes, sir. We are going to talk about horror movie remakes. Reimaginings. Reboots. Retellings. Re... There's another word. It's ridiculous. Oh, nice. Ah. <laughs> there is one more word and I can't think of it. Reimaging, reboot, re... Well, whatever it is. Someone's yelling at their... Whatever they're listening to right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, keep on yelling. You already got your download. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo. I love you, friends and listeners. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. You're part of the Watsy party. And we're That's all true. in together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're part of the... um. I don't know. We don't have a nickname for the listeners yet. We'll get to it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Dave Z, I believe we wanted to begin our discussion of horror remakes by talking about their history. So I think we wanted to just give a brief history of horror remakes and just kind of talk about it from that perspective. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. I'm with you. Yeah. Do, do you want to start or you want me to you want you want me to start? I know you got some notes on this bad boy. Well, I just I, I, I was trying to think about when they really did start coming out. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to look it up because I'm only going by memory. We, we all know um, how crazy things are now and how crazy it got in the early 2000s and at the very end of the 90s. But to go a little bit further back, I was just kind of playing around. And in the, in the 1970s, you had a couple. You had uh, Nosferatu in, in 79, which was, that might have been the second or third remake of that movie, to be honest with you. But, right, I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% positive because we had the original. I could be wrong. That could be just the, the first remake. Either way, we had Nosferatu in, in the 70s, 79. We had... What was another one? Oh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which was, that was oh, a yeah. big one, 1978. Yep. So we did have a few. I think, honestly, that that's really the only place it was. Web of the Spider is a remake, 1971. Oh. Interesting. Hmm. Of course, I could be wrong, and if so, I am sorry, but it's on this list. See, sometimes on this list, they have movies that are, that have been remade. Oh, okay. In the future. You know what I mean? So this was the original. And I haven't heard of that movie, so I went with it. So then we had the big ones in the 80s. The ones, the few that we had, for the most part, were big. Of course, you have The Thing in 1982 being, you know, a, a loose remake of the, uh, the Thing from Outer Space. Is that what it's called? From Another World. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay. The Based off the, the short story. Yep. That's right. Uh, who, the short story Who's was called Who Goes, Who Goes There. there. That yep. I knew, but I didn't know the there? first movie. Right. <laughs> Okay, The Thing, 1982, of course. The Fly, 1986. We also had The Blob, 1988. Those are the three big ones I was referring to, but there are a few other ones. We had Little Shop of Horrors in 1986, which is, you know, horrors in the title, and it's horror comedy, and that that was not the first one of that. And then... Little Shop. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Suddenly (laughs) Seymour. Yeah. (laughs) Right on, yes. Oh, yeah. I used to watch the hell out of that on cable in the Oh, me too. That was a staple of my childhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Cat People, that was another one. It was older. I I, want to say it was pretty early on, the original Cat People, but I'm not going to make a fool of myself. But that that was a remake, (laughs) you know? So we did have a couple of them. And then the 90s, we definitely had much more. At first, you're not thinking about it. Because when I think of the 90s and the remakes... I think about the stuff that happened at the end. The House on Haunted Hill and The Haunting. They came out in 99. They were right at the end. But I remember them coming out and saying, oh, wow, that, that's interesting. But if you look at it, there were some other ones spread throughout the 90s. You had The Island of Dr. Moreau in 1996. Oh, yeah, with Val Kilma. Yes, exactly. We had Carnival Souls, Carnival of Souls, pardon me, in 98. Most oh. of these aren't highly regarded. Uh, <laughs> what else? Village of the Damned, John Carpenter's 1995. Yep, yep. Body Snatchers again, 1993. However, we started off with a good one, Night of the Living Dead, 1990. Oh, that's true. I actually saw that one before I saw the original when I was a little kid. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. And that came out of nowhere. I mean, well, it didn't come out of nowhere for me because I was reading Fangoria, but just even... Just even hearing about it, though, it was kind of surprising. Like, Night of the Living Dead, they're remaking that, really? Because that was like the first... Big title that I could think of at that time. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. That's a yep. big one to be remaking. What are you doing? You know, what I mean? but I understand it was 
the original was black and white. So I'm like, okay, I guess I could see that. But I remember when news of that broke, it was it was still kind of shocking. I was like, wow, Night of the Living Dead. But ended up being good. Then, of course, there's the very controversial 1998 Psycho. <laughs> ah, shout yes. out to our buddy Marco. Marco <laughs> yeah. Vertanen. Vince Vaughn Nation. He yes. loves him some Psycho 98. Yes, he does. I asked I... him what his favorite uh, 2018 horror movie was. He said Psycho 98. Poof. Yep. <laughs> it's his favorite movie his favorite horror movie that came out in 2018 was psycho 98 <laughs> <laughs> nice he's such a funny guy well there's a couple more i want to shout in the 90s they were very inconsequential but uh here they are piranha in 1995 that was a oh. remake yeah um <laughs> i never saw that you know what that makes two of us and of course the mummy in 1999 that was yeah baby that was another big one at the time you know i don't think it's anything like the original but no. Uh, it, whatever. It, it was still a remake. So we go yep. with that. Then, then things really started to change. The first thing I remember seeing that was major to me, and it changed the landscape of everything, was when Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 2003, when we heard that it was coming out. Now, The Ring had already come out in 2002, and that's fine because it didn't really matter so much to most people here because I always knew of Ringu, had not seen it. So. Oh. It, it now at the time I hadn't, you know, but I was just like, okay, so they're remaking that. I understand it, it, you know, I didn't know what country it came from. I just knew that it was, I knew that it was Asian. That's all I knew. And I, it was not easy to get at the time. And either way, but the yep. ring came out and it was what it was. But then, like I said, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out. And then, you know, even before that, I am leaving one out. There was, that was the one. I remember we were talking, we were prepping for the show and I said that there was three movies that were made uh, in, in the William Castle era that came out. And I said, House on Haunted Hill, The Haunting. And I said, mm-hmm. and there was another one. And now I see it. It wasn't in 1999. It was 2001, 13 Ghosts. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I almost said that when we were talking, but it, uh, yeah. Yep. That was it. But I I'm knew lying. there was three. Oh, you were. Oh, damn it. I was going to let you go with it. <laughs> but yo i knew there was three uh, but i couldn't figure out what that third one was and ah. that's it you know and th- those were weird ones to choose you know what i mean they I are, just, aren't they yeah and but the thing is they didn't bother me they did not bother me when they came out i was like okay well interesting well, why would they they were from the four from the 50s and i wasn't interested in watching the old black and white ones at the time so i'm like okay a new haunting a new house on haunted hill you know what i mean and 13 ghosts that's fine uh, um, I welcome this. However, my attitude changed when when I heard of the two big ones. I'll say that, the two big ones. Texas Chainsaw in 03, we got the news of that. And then shortly after that, we got the news of Dawn of the Dead. And that's when everything changed. Yep. And, and the landscape, uh, everything was different. And I remember being on the horror message boards at the time when they were a big thing. It, it was It was interesting. People were not happy, myself included. Ah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, Dave Z, do you know what the very first horror remake was? Ooh. Well. Very, very first one. No, I don't know. I don't. I don't See, think I do. Well, check this out. So, you know, you know, the idea of remaking films, because you know, remakes. You know, and that's why this is a topic of discussion. That's why this is our horror deep dive, because remakes get people fired up. And here's the deal, everybody: the idea of remaking movies is something that's been done since the very beginning of film. And when I say the very beginning, folks, let me put it to you this way. The Lumiere brothers showed the very first film as we know films to be. Well, it was actually 10 short films, but they debuted these in December of 1895. Then 
director Georges Méliès made the very first horror movie in 1896 called Le Manoir du Diable, or The House of the Devil. Now, homies, peep this. That flick got remade the very next damn year in 1897. And okay, listen, sure, these are three-minute shorts we're talking about here, but as the years passed, films would become longer, and some of these early works would do exactly what remakes do in that they would work to tap into earlier source materials. And where would these earlier films look back in the day? You know, when you couldn't look to a ton of other films, they'd look to literature. And here in the late 1800s and early 1900s, horror novels had already been around for about 150 years, beginning with Horace Walpole's The Castle of Otranto. And hell, some of these flicks were even looking to older mythological stories that had been around for centuries, which is badass for sure. So bearing that in mind, think about how some of these early horror novels were adapted to the stage and made into plays even before the advent of film, right? And then here come the movie makers doing their gangsta-ass thing, and suddenly you've got the first novels and plays being adapted to the screen, and then these films would lay the groundwork for many remakes to come in the over the decades. Now, in the show notes of this episode, everybody, I'll post a link to an article, I have it right here, that outlines the history of horror movies that came out of Hollywood by decade. And once you look over those first few years, the 1890s and the 1910s and 20s, you'll see titles from which many a cinematic remake had had come, tons of them. Now, you know, I'm aware, you guys and girls and everybody in between, that in talking about novels being adapted to the stage and these productions being adapted to screen, we're talking about adaptations that cross storytelling mediums here, right? And I think, and, and Dave, you know, maybe, maybe you have some thoughts on this, but I think that's why adaptations as a whole are generally not too hard to swallow because there's something to be said uh, about the creativity of translating and reworking a single story from the art of, say, the page and then to the art of the stage or from the art of film to, say, a video game or something like that. That cross-pollination, if you will, seems to jive better with people for whatever reason, but when the art in, say, the form of film seeks to adapt a story that's already in film, remakes, as we call them, that's where people seem to run into a problem, which, you know, we'll be talking about our personal feelings on remakes here, but what we're trying to say here by briefly, you know, discussing remake history and whatnot, and Dave, where Dave's talking about in the 2000s, getting into Texas Chainsaw 03 and Dawn of the Dead 04, is that remake culture is as old as art itself. I mean, you need only take a single literature class, literature, or run a quick Google search to see just how many literary retellings of older works there are floating around out there, books remaking books, right? And now the tradition lives on with films remaking films. And so, Dave, you were talking about the early 2000s, and uh, you were saying that those remakes that you had more of a connection to the OG movies were, were affecting you, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Okay. Because, so like you, I, I, you know, I'm a lifelong horror fan, and I, I know you were, as, you were as well. I was baptized in this lifestyle at the age of three years old, with the ex and with the exception of just a, a few years here and there, horror has been my lifeblood. But, the, you know, I, I didn't have any horror fans as friends growing up, did you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My oh, friends lucky. and I used to rent them all the time. And Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. See, I was the biggest horror fan I knew, and I had friends who liked horror, and they'd watch the movies, but we were all kind of casual horror fans. We looked at the mainstream releases is what we did. And so fast forward to the early 2000s, though, and I'm dating my high school sweetheart at the time, and there was this boom of theatrical horror movies, everything Dave just mentioned. And it was this time period, this time period here when I'm in my late teens, where uh, I'm beginning to really expand my horizons outside of what I was allowed to see at home with parents lurking about, you know? And it was around this time, too, that Blockbuster unveiled the Freedom Pass. Dave Z, do you remember the Freedom Pass? I remember they did something where you oh, could man. pay an amount per month and it was like unlimited mm -hmm. rentals or something like that. Yep. Oh, my God. That That's how I got my film knowledge, like for reals. I'd rent so many. It, it's awful. 
to think about how many damn movies I'd watch in a single day. You know, and these are <laughs> these are fond memories for me too, you know, of being really unproductive. You know, I got married at 18, right? Had the boy immediately. Some would say he was already on the way when the wedding took place, but who's keeping track of such things? <laughs> anyway, this was during that period of time when the J-Horror remakes were heating up, like you said, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead 04. It started to become Remake City. So what what were your... When those happened, were you, you were on the message boards? Were, like, were you... Were you, were you mad about him? Were you like, yeah, let's see what they were doing? What, what, what was in your head about it? Well, I was a little mad at first because of the, you know, the choices. Because of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Dawn of the Dead being announced. Because you're talking about <laughs> classics of the genre. Big time classics for people our age that grew up on, on stuff like that. That were, that were, you know, renting these in the 80s on VHS and everything else. These are, these are major movies. They're in my top 20 or top 10 or they're freaking, you know. <laughs> I'm like, why? At the time, you're, it, it felt like blasphemous. You know, it felt like if you're going to, I understand that you remade those old movies. And that's what I said at the time. I understand remaking those ones from, you know, the, the Vincent Price era and everything else. I get that. Yep. Why are you remaking these? I was just like, this makes no damn sense. <laughs> I, I, so that was my problem. I didn't have an issue with the, you know, with the Japanese ones that made sense, you know, and I understood why. I, even though I was I was on board and I ended up seeing most of the Americans before the Japanese, but then going back and watching the J-Horror and actually preferring them. Oh, okay. You know, but that didn't bother me, you know, but these definitely did. And... A couple more came out, and I was okay. I, I didn't. I wasn't hating. I was like, okay, this is just something we're gonna have to deal with now. This is just sure. where the pendulum has swung. Here's where we are. But the big problem, it, it really got bad when uh, studios so often do. Everybody's on the bandwagon. They're like, okay, well, now we're gonna remake this, and now word is out that this movie's gonna be re- remade, and word is out that this movie's gonna be remade, and we have yep. plans to secure this. And all of a sudden, I remember it got so out of hand that news was beginning to leak because this is the early days of you know all, all message boards and all kinds of internet information being out there. So at the time, you're really excited and you're really digging deep everywhere you looked for information because as a horror fan, you're connecting with horror fans online for the first time and you're getting all this information. So anything yeah. that happens at the time, I want to know as soon as there's information. Now I'm the opposite. Now I'm burnt out and I don't want to hear anything until the movie drops. But <laughs> Same here. Right? Yep. Times have changed. It was exciting at the time because it was something new and you were like, you were on the inside of everything for the first time. Now, then, it, like everything else, it got played out and it got too much. But that's what happened. I remember making a post on a message board because I remember reading somewhere about all these greenlit supposed uh, movies uh, that are being remade and literally it being like between 80 and 100 and like me copying and pasting it and putting it on a thread saying, this is getting ridiculous now. Look at all these freaking remakes that are coming out. What the hell is happening here? How come there's no, and the worst part is there's no original horror movies coming out. Like right now we have it all. We're in a golden age, as I've said several times. We have remakes, yes, but we also have everything. We we have uh, so so many things going on. We have original ideas and, and we have remakes and we even have remakes that in that are also original ideas because they're not being remade exactly and they're taking pieces from the original and they're readapting it. That might have been the word that we forgot earlier. I don't know. Ah, um, okay. I don't know. Readaption or yep. re-adaptation. Readaptation, yeah. Yeah. You know, then again, we may have said that. Either way. Maybe. But still, I... Um, Who's keeping track? Right, exactly. But I can tell you this. I was keeping track back then. I was pissed mm-hmm. off. There was 
all this unoriginal stuff coming out. And then, yeah, like most other people at the time that I came in contact with online, I was angry. Wow. Like, I man, I had such a different experience with that time period of horror. Because you got to understand, like, I- I'd never seen any of the J-horror originals that the American directors were remaking in the early O's. I'd seen very few of the remakes uh, that would come out over the, you know, the next handful of years in, in that time period. And if I had seen them, I, you know, not the remakes, I'd seen very few of the originals uh, of, of those. And if I had seen them, like I'd seen them as a kid. And, and, and right now, folks, I'm talking about even the big ones. Like I got I was a little late to the Romero party. Um, I had seen Dawn of the Dead as a kid. I'd seen all the major, you know, Texas Chainsaw as a kid, these sorts of things. But I don't think I understood them. I still saw them as kind of my parents' movies or as movies I needed to see kind of as an adult to understand them. So I had no real connection. Uh, not no connection. That's that's a false statement there. I'm sorry. I had kind of a weak connection to some of those some of those OG films. Not all of them, but like Hills Have Eyes, I never saw that. I saw the remake first. And so the biggest unintended consequence of these remakes for me was that in my excitement to see these new movies, I would go back and rewatch the originals and then develop that connection and then kind of enjoy the remake more. It's, that's, that's kind of weird. You know, so in essence, these remakes only serve to open my eyes to how great the genre really could be. Like, I never even entertained the notion of a negative thought about the fact that these movies were remakes. And like I said, maybe it was my lack of a connection to a lot of those OG films, you know, that these newer films were rehashing. Maybe it was the fact that I'd read Dracula, Frankenstein, and all those other novels at a young age, and had seen 10 different iterations of those guys on screen. So in my head, I'm just like, well, why is a single remake of, of Dawn of the Dead going to piss me off, you know? And so, I don't know, does that make sense? I, I, I kind of think my selective awareness and selective ignorance really helped me see remakes just like any other movie, just kind of like par for the course. You know, books have done it for centuries, movies have done it since film began. I was kind of like, eh, what's the big deal? But there is something to be said, and I think I, I plan to talk on this when we get into our personal thoughts on remakes, because right now folks were talking about, you know, how, how we felt when the remake city started happening in the early O's. But when we get into personal thoughts of remakes as a whole, like when we kind of get how we feel about them now, you know, I think that I was pretty positive from the get go and was just pretty just kind of eh, they're here there. But like I said, there's that industry side of things that kind of messes up and kind of muddies the waters. So, yeah, I, I don't know unless there's anything else about how you felt in the early the early O's and when remakes started hitting. Uh, what do you think we move into our own personal thoughts on remakes in general and, you know, just kind of keep keep that flowing? Absolutely. I do have a question, though, or Ask it's, it. it's a question and a comment, because I think I, I'm right about this. But Nosferatu, the original movie, mm-hmm. I believe that was an adaption of uh, what's it? Dracula. Yes, of Dracula. Who was the writer? It was an it was an unlicensed, uh, more or less, I guess, adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel. Yeah, it, there it's you just go. There, there was an issue with the rights, and I think the 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 Stoker estate was like, "What are you, what are you doing?" And so they had to change some stuff, and yeah, so they they went with Nosferatu. So then, then they did Dracula in yep. 1931, which was shortly after. When was Nosferatu? 23 or something? 22, like that? I believe. Yeah. Okay, it was pretty early, right there in the 20s. So within 10 years. You could say that that was a remake, even though it was set up a strange way. You know what I mean? Because somebody ripping off somebody's intellectual property at the time, which they didn't know any better back then. But oh, for in sure. essence, and, and, you did yeah. the same thing. It was a readapt. It was a 
like like now, what do they say when there's a book written? Uh, what, what was what were they saying about it in Pet Cemetery, for example? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, again? a lot of people were just still calling them remakes, but I guess we could say just a readaptation of, of or another or another <laughs> adaptation or just you know th- this adaptation, the the updated work. You know, I think people are you know dancing around that. And I'm fine. I'm fine with the with the language being more accurate if it wants to be. I'm not I'm not hating on anybody. But no, and, and you know what's crazy about Dracula too. Uh, there were stage adaptations of that and you know before there was film so people were or or even you know maybe while film was still you know pretty new and so you know you had suddenly it being adapted to the stage the novel being adapted to the stage and then that going into film so you know we're we're, and so once again we're seeing this same story the same template i'm going to talk about this in, in just a minute kind of being retold and and i think there's something to that i think we we human beings kind of like to do that and yeah i don't know i don't know what dave z why do you think people dislike remakes and of course and folks uh you know dave z and i don't know i guess i've kind of said i kind of feel positively about them and i i don't completely know where you stand dave but why do you think people dislike remakes just well, let's shoot a couple quick ideas out there before we get into our own personal stance on it uh you know i'll i'll go with a quick one first you know i think the, the nostalgia for the original you know i wouldn't say it's always the case but i've noticed that they're that the more nostalgic someone tends to be for an original property, the more inclined they are to be skeptical or negative if that original property is remade. Could be an age thing, maybe. You know, I don't know if younger people are as inclined to dislike remakes as much simply because they're remakes, but that just could boil down to, like I was talking earlier, a lack of connection with the older source material in the first place. You know, in any case, I cite nostalgic connection as a big reason some folks dislike remakes, you know, from from the outset. And, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying neither is a good or bad thing. It's just an observation I made. What do you think? Well, going back to what you just said, I don't think that some younger people know that they are remakes. And I think that that alone upsets a lot of older fans. Ah. And I don't know if it's justified, but I, in a way, understand where it comes from. However, it's like I said earlier, it does give the opportunity to shed light on the original. You know, there we go. My daughter, of course, knows everything. Uh, because who her father is and she's seen exactly. it for years and can see the the blu-rays and the dvds on the shelves and the posters and everything so you know when evil dead comes she knows that, that that's a remake but yep. you know that's me that's my daughter her friends at school that, that you know okay evil dead remake come out they don't know they okay this is this is their evil dead this new one they may not know that it's a remake and i could see why that could upset a purist uh, of the genre they're saying well Okay, this is before Evil Dead comes out. This has nothing to do with my feelings on that particular film. That was just an example, yeah. but gotcha. You know, when you the, the the news first breaks about a remake, well, hold on a minute, don't get too excited about that. Or they see the movie and they come back, oh, it was great, and they want to take that person and say, hey, come over here, sit down on the couch. I'm going to put this in. Tell me what you think of this. This is the Evil Dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then <laughs> that that child or that younger person may watch that film and say. It was okay, but the new ones, but the new ones, much better. And then you're left scratching your head because it's part of uh, you don't understand why is it just generation gap? Is it what is it? I think that that is one reason why some people get upset. Sure, uh, you know I think that the fact that a lot of it is Hollywood and they want Hollywood to be original. And they're, oh, here we go. Okay, right? they're yep. Getting, so they're getting tired yep. of it. Same thing I said in the early two thousands. You get all these remakes coming out. Where's the original stuff? Granted, I did correct it. I said, well, nowadays we do have uh, our, our fair share of remakes, but we also have original things coming out at the theater and in the independent scene, VOD, if you will, as well. So yep. we have it all. But people, when they want to be negative, and they have they have a stance on something, they have a slant. 
they are going to use it to their advantage. They're going to say, oh, well, Hollywood doesn't have any more original ideas. Oh, no. And then what about this? Oh, well, that's just really a a rip of this. Okay, what about this? Well, that really comes from this. But then it's really an invalid argument because if you look from the beginning of time, everything riffs off something one way or the other. It's very hard to be completely original. Completely original? That's like listening to a song and you're going to hear notes. You're going to hear things. It's There's only so much human beings can do. So so I think Dave, that, that's the problem. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. Well, first thing I do want to address something you said about the, you know, the older and younger kind of inter- generational gap is that I think it's up to the elder statesmen and of horror to educate the younger people. And so, that, you know, when you when you sit down with your daughter and tell her what's what and show her what's what. And when I do the same with my with my son, we're, we're doing we're doing the work. You know, we're, we're, we're putting, we're pushing the, the party forward. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're fighting the good fight. And I think that's important. And so it's important to do that with, I don't want to say love. I mean, for our kids, yes. But you know, when you're on the internet and you know, someone's maybe a little younger and they're uninformed, man, like the internet can be such a cold and disrespectful place. And it'd just be great to have horror fans, horror fans rallying around one another. The older can come to the, the, the younger's, I don't want to say rescue, but you know, just help educate them. Hey, check this out. And you know, just respectfully discuss and debate debate the you know the 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 topic at hand you know the which if somebody's like young kids like oh i saw the new evil dead and you know 2013 oh hey check this out if you you love that check this out and you know if they don't if they don't like it as much as say they like the the remake well i think some of it boils down to the way films are made and sometimes a modern audience likes to see the modern ways and 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 methods of filmmaking and you know it's a certain kind of i don't want to say zeitgeist but a a, a touchstone that can help people relate to that and you know that updated look that updated feel i think it helps for some audiences and then some some people like the retro and hey it's all good to me so what you said about the lack of creativity or originality i want to speak on that here because when you come at remakes from a strictly industrial perspective there's almost you know, we're t- and folks, we're talking about why people dislike remakes. There's an almost trite simplicity to the idea of a remake. And to make matters worse, it's, a, it's often a financially lucrative simplicity. You know, when you oppose upon an already established intellectual property, you're dealing with a built-in audience that's ready for the taking. As a viewer, you might have these cultural or personal touchstones, like I was talking about earlier, already in place that are easy to exploit. And I think it's this that many people find distasteful because here you've got this movie idea. That's proven to work. And with minimal effort, you can take this existing story template, change up a few things and voila, you've just made your pockets fat. Now, I believe that like you were talking about, Dave, is a bit of a cynical look at the industry of remakes as a whole. But it stands to reason that if this is your view on it, you'll likely feel insulted when you see remake after remake because the commercially the commercially viable assumption is that you as the supposedly built in audience are a sure thing. And I can see that being demeaning to some folks. You know, we're talking about the idea of the cash grab here, aren't we? The notion that filmmakers exercise a minimal amount of creativity for a maximum financial output, all because they aped off someone else's already established idea. It's not a comforting thought. It's hard to put faith in a project like that, right? And so I'm seeing where haters of remakes are coming from there, but I would just like to ask in all respectful sincerity here, and this is not an attack, just a question, and Dave Z, help me out here. If because I'm gonna t- I'm gonna talk about what you talked about about how everybody apes off everybody. I got a whole thing. I got some bullet points here I want to touch on. But here's here's a question I have: If remakes are problematic because they're perceived as being unoriginal cash grabs, what about sequels? What about our beloved franchises? You know, what about those? You know, uh, Mr. Z, have you any thoughts on that? 
I I know the direction you're going in, and yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. I think that sequels at this point may be even more blatant cash grabs because mm-hmm. when a movie is remade, there's so many different directions you can go with it. You can go beat for beat like Psycho did, you, shot for yep. shot, if you will. You could do it maniac style or evil dead or even suspiria which we're going to be talking about soon where you you tribute the original and you still make it your own and you still have the same characters there's different ways you can go about doing that and and that's great the thing is with sequels a lot of it is the same the same story rehashed again and again which can be a great thing and then other times Maybe not. <laughs> I guess it depends on how great the original formula is and how much you love it. Like you talk about Friday the 13th. Yep. Um, you know, you look at the first four or whatever and, and the, the the format and the way it goes. We loved that. We loved yep. that when we were experiencing it. We didn't care. People that want to criticize it say, okay, well, it's the same movie over and over again. How do you like that? Well, I like the first movie, so I like the second. I like the, I like that formula. <laughs> I enjoy it. However, you do hear some people complain when a sequel does come out and say sure. it's the same thing over and over again. So I think you were talking about a cynical approach. Yeah. I think it's it's in the eye of the beholder. I think you can look at it different ways, and a lot of it has to do with nostalgia and personal yeah. taste. But sequels, I almost feel more insulted when a sequel doesn't do anything better. And, and see, it's hard to say because, like I said, with the, here, the 13th argument, you know, I wish I can come up with a perfect example of a sequel that came out and did it. And you're just like, okay, well, that was the exact same thing again. And they didn't bring anything new to the table. And I don't like that they did that way, that, that it came out sure. that way. So. I am with you where the sequel is just as lazy and just as much of a cash grab as the remake. Yeah. And, and you know, and maybe I'm imagining this Dave Z, but if you look at all the big franchises, let's think, let's just, let's just go Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, Friday and Nightmare. All right. What do all their remakes have in common? They came out at a time when the established plot lines in each franchise had become unsustainable. Look at each film that came right before the remake for TCM. It was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, 1995. For Halloween, it was Halloween Resurrection 2002. For Friday, it was Jason X 2001. And for Elm Street, it was Wes Craven's New Nightmare 1994. Now, I'm not going to speak to the quality of these films per se, but it stands to reason that continuing a franchise on the heels of any of those just wasn't going to work. The sequels had played themselves out. Now, I would venture to say that the remakes for all four of these franchises, get ready, sought to rescue what had gone wrong. Now, I'm not saying all the remakes were good. That's not my my stance on that. I'm, well, I, I, I personally love three out of four of those. Quite good in my book. But I think the function of these remakes was to get things back to the basics in some way, shape, or form. Now, whether these films were successful or not is less the point to me than the fact that they tried to help. And I'll tell you this. If I had the opportunity to, and, and ability to remake a franchise I loved that had gone off the rails, I would try my hardest to make a good movie in order to keep that world alive so more films could be made after. And so, my friends, I, I guess that while I see where remake haters are coming from in a lot of ways, I, I really do, I, I don't hear very much distaste for sequels, not, not as much anyway, and franchises coming from this same camp. 
And, you know, personally, I don't think I could even pretend to question the artistic virtue of a remake only to turn around and watch literally any third entry in any horror franchise. <laughs> like, right? I mean, does that make sense? I mean, if we're going to doubt the creative principles of remakes, to what degree do we let sequels off the hook? Or, or do we? You know, some are, some are solid and don't like both or like both. And But why stop there? What about adaptations of, of successful novels or comics? What about any movie that's made for mass appeal? I mean, let's be honest here. It's just not that simple. It can't be. Not all adaptations sequels and remakes alike are passionless projects devoid of creativity and so you know i, I what do you what do you think about it? Uh, like because i guess we could end our little our little exordium here this preamble and we could get into our personal thoughts on remakes what do you think i think this is a good transition into it yeah i agree because we could probably just go all night yeah just on this because what do people like and what do they not like it? And what are sure. their reasons? We could try to examine that forever. I will say this quickly, though. I think that people sometimes get angry because they feel that with sequels... They, okay, well, let me say it this way. With remakes, they're taking someone else's idea, and it's like John Carpenter, for example. John Carpenter makes Halloween, okay? Rob Zombie comes around and makes Halloween. I think people get angry, number one, because Halloween is a, a major movie in, in horror... But yep. you're taking someone else's idea and you are going to make money off it. And they may or may not. Of course, now with, with production credits and everything else, those people do sign off on it and they do make money. But people yep. don't think about that. They don't think about that part of it. They get mad about the artistic integrity of the first movie. When the artist himself doesn't care so much, they're, they're trying to get paid. <laughs> and that's fine. What's wrong with getting paid? Right? right. But I think people get very passionate about that saying, hey, you're taking something that would never even exist if it wasn't for this person and you're ripping him off by doing this and you're not and then you're not even doing it justice because that person didn't happen to like that movie. That is something that I think angers people with remakes where in the sure. sequel department you're building off of what's there already right. in that same world usually. Yes, but yeah. it is a franchise and I'm with you. They, they run out of steam and they want to do something new. So, hey. Who's going to do it? I mean, granted, Child's Play did it. Chucky still makes sequels. They came back with them, but that's that's the exception to the rule. But in most Well, cases, the trend right now, Dave Z, is for people to start doing se uh, se direct sequels to the originals. We saw that with Halloween and Leprechaun recently. That's the new thing. Yeah. Uh, someone that's clever. Someone did it too. Right. There, there's more talks of, of more doing that, and I think we're leaving a few out. But that does seem sure. to be... The Puppet direction. Master. There you go. Puppet Master. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, there may be a couple more, but that seems to be the new thing and again we just go in circles in the genre like anything else so sure sure so what do you is. think of remakes dave z what, what's your current stance on them i tell you what this is what's happened with me it's kind of funny that last year we were doing the year of the franchise on exploding heads we were watching all these franchises and i have had a kind of a strong opinion on rob zombie's halloween for for quite a while now did never hated it never hated it and I guess it was like in the middle of the road for me, like a five out of 10. Anyway, by the time I, I got around to watching it this time, because I was, when we got to the end of the year and we were doing the big franchises, Halloween, Friday, and Nightmare, I really wanted to, to put my best foot forward in, in every way for those shows because they've been done so many times before. I wanted to try to separate our show from everybody else's and really tried hard to make that show great. And one of the those shows yep. great. One of the ways I did that was trying to look at them a new way and make observations no one had made before. And I decided, I, I, I'm ashamed I didn't think of doing this earlier because I probably would have had a lot more fun over the years. But when I sat down to watch Rob Zombie's Halloween, 
I said to myself before I put that movie in, I said, I'm going to watch this movie and pretend the original never even existed. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to watch nice. this as a movie. I'm not going to think about the original. I'm not going to compare to the source material in any way, shape, or form. I am going to say I walked into a place knowing nothing about movies. This is the first movie I ever saw as a human being. <laughs> and I put this movie in, and I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to give it a rating at the end, and I'm going to it's going to make me feel how it's going to make me feel. And that is just what I did. And I went up a little. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. So I went up a hey. little. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, yeah, I still have my issues with it, not because of my comparisons to part one, just because of the film as a whole for other reasons, like any other movie. It on its own movie. merit, yeah. Yes, on its own merit. Thank you. Well said. That's And that's what I feel that is the way to do it, and that is not why I do not have any problems whatsoever with any remakes now. I will give them all How about that? a fair chance. Yeah. We're surprising each other, folks. Yeah, I, we, we didn't talk about what our, what our direct takes were, so I, I was waiting for that mystery to find out. I'm so glad I changed, and I honestly wish that anyone listening uh, will will learn to do the same. It's a, it's a real simple thing. It sounds simple, you know what I mean? Because I would watch movies like when I saw Evil Dead remake again. We're going back to that, but the first time I yep. saw that, I was kind of distracted because the whole time I'm thinking about the first one, and yeah, I'm I'm big on the second view as listeners of of my shows know. So I knew I was going to watch it a second time anyway, and that couldn't be helped the first time watching it. But now, uh, on subsequent views, it is what it is, and, and I've come I've come up on it. And I was never really down on it, but it was still distracting sure. the first time. But bottom line is this. Now when I watch a remake, I just take it for what it is. I don't care if it's been a book before, if it's the second adaption, nice. adaptation of the book. I don't care about any of it. I, if it's the third remake of the same film, I sit down and, like you said, judge it on its own merits, that is the way to enjoy any film. So I absolutely, mean, why be cynical? Just try to enjoy it, and and so now I'm okay with it. Now I'm okay. Any film you put in front of me that I want to watch. I mean, we talked earlier about me and my my cover art game and the and, and the B and, and how I do all that stuff. There's a lot of films I don't want to watch, and I even straight up said, Definitely. I'm not going to bother with that movie. That's fine. But if a remake comes out and I hear anything good about it, or or I'm just curious because it's a remake, yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch it on its own merits. So. I have zero problems with them anymore. Dave Z, I love it, man. I, I, I that, yep, folks, that, that's fantastic. You know, oh, I, I love that you said all that. You know, for me, and this is just my dumb opinion here, not meant to sway anyone. I, I don't care if you hate or, or love remakes. This, this, is, this is just old Mr. Watson here talking. It's meant to show you all where I'm coming from in my brain so you can see where we stand in relation to one another as you listen to the show. But up until only a handful of years ago, I was pretty much neutral, just kind of flat neutral on the idea of remakes. You know, given that artists across the board borrow imitate, steal, retell, reimagine, reinterpret, all these things, you know, they're all in the very fabric of artistic tradition. Pablo Picasso was quoted as saying, good artists borrow, great artists steal. <laughs> and this is how it's always been, how things move forward and even get better. The poet homie T.S. Eliot was always going on back in the day about how referencing other works in your own work is the way to be legit. Eminem, Outright lifted Cage's dark persona and masked to Ace's flow in the 90s. Shakespeare stole entire plots and scenes from other playwrights. Tarantino is always tipping his hat to the films that have influenced him. Hell, I'm sure the cavemen drawing on cave walls were copying one another like mad. So, homage, folks, that's what we're talking about here. But we're also talking about originality, which is a curious thing in the realm of storytelling, like Dave Z said earlier. Author Christopher Booker wrote a book in 2004, when he was almost 70 years old, by the way, called The Seven Basic Plots, Why We Tell Stories. I have referenced this book on podcast before. 
I've done it. You can go back and check. I'm not lying to you. But the idea here is that there are only seven templates upon which all stories are built. So when you boil literally anything you watch, read, hear, or write down to its lowest terms, one of these seven story templates will be the foundation. And so when we're talking horror, when we're talking plot formulas, when we're talking about originality, remakes are committing no new sin here by recycling concepts, settings, and archetypes. It's all simply part of the tradition of storytelling. But it's most important, I think, to acknowledge the transformative nature of these retellings, these adaptations, these remakes. In the show notes, everybody, I'll link you all to a PDF of an academic book that details it goes over the concept of remakes as a whole. It's called Film Remakes by Constantine Verivis, and you, everybody, it gets deep into this topic, deeper than I thought you could even go. I'll also include a link to an academic essay here, what's it called, called Remakes and Cultural Studies, where the author details 15 different types of remakes. Truly in-depth academic business, my friends, but allow me to read a piece of Verivis's book that caught my attention because I think it will catch yours. He writes, In the case of contemporary remakes... A pre-existing title is relayed and transformed through the individual vision and personal perspective of the filmmaker. Contemporary film auteurs make aspects of earlier texts their own, overriding them with their own traceable signatures, perhaps reconfiguring them by incorporating references to other rewritten intertexts. And so I could give a lecture on this book alone. But what the author's trying to say in that whole, it's like 200 pages, I read most of it. Uh, what the author's trying to say in his text is that our understanding of remakes might do well to open up a little bit, kind of the way Dave was talking about with his psychological exercise of, of just, hey, I'm going to watch this film on its own merit. But the, the deal is that remakes are often, you know, they're, they're, they're doing more than creating a lifeless facsimile of an earlier work. There's an artistic metamorphosis taking place sometimes that plays right into ages-old storytelling tradition. Sure, there might only be a handful of story templates to build upon. Sure, people keep on retelling the same stories on those same templates. Sure, people make money by exploiting people who want to read, hear, or see those stories. But to quote Verivis again, all films, originals, and remakes invest in the repetition effects that characterize all films, all of cinema itself. So my whole thing is this, when I think of how humans have expressed creativity over the millennia, thousands of years, when I study what I can of, artris, ar, <laughs> of artistic culture and tradition, when I think of how there are only seven story templates upon which filmmakers ultimately craft their horror stories, I only see remakes playing into that, not against it. And sure, there are bad remakes, uh, bad remakes, but in my eyes, they're never bad strictly because they're remakes, like Dave was saying. Each film's quality is dependent upon a lot of aspects, and for me, a film's status as a remake is not part of that criteria, you know, that criteria. So, shoot, I mean, th there it is. So, I, I think I've said all I want to about remakes. I think of them in generally a positive light, and I ask of them the very same thing I do of every film I watch. Give me a good story and execute it well. That's it. And so, if you weigh that mindset against the idea that, like the good book says, there's nothing new under the sun then I find that I don't burden myself with the whole, the whole notion that remakes are the enemy of originality. You know, show me an original film and I can show you the storytelling template upon which it was built, along with other stories that built upon that same template. It's not a bad thing, it's just art. And that's fantastic to me. I don't know. What do you think, Dave Z? You think we've uh, wrapped up our, 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 our personal thoughts on remakes? Because if we are, we have a quick little thing to discuss, which is a bit of a remake or re-adaptation itself. Uh, you you want to shift gears? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. So yeah, yeah I'm ready so to get on. Yeah, tell us, uh, give us feedback about where you align with us, where you differ. I don't know. This, we're just giving you a peek all into our minds, so that way when you hear us do our do our reviews, you're like, oh, here's where they're coming from. It's all respectful. It's all with love, and we're feeling that. Hopefully, you are. So we're gonna shift gears. 
And there's a topic Dave Z had specifically wanted to cover before we get into Act 3 of the show. And I think we've arrived at that point. So, Dave Z, while we're still on the subject of these remakes, retellings, reimaginings and such, would you take us into our quick discussion of Pet Cemetery 2019, my good man? I believe you had some things to say. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. And, uh, boy, I'm really glad we're doing it because I know that you feel the same way to a degree. We never got into a d- deep discussion on it, but we have said yep. a few things where, where, at least as far as the way we rated it, uh, mm-hmm. on a scale of 1 to 10, and we were in the same ballpark. So that's yeah, good. <laughs> we were. You know, this is... I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've friends of mine. I've talked to a lot of people about it, and I, I've heard what everybody has to say. I anytime I have a, I I rarely even tend to disagree online at this point. If someone has, unless somebody comes out and asks, "Hey, Dave, what did you think about this?" I, I tend not to share those opinions. That's what lucky me. I, I can do it on podcasts, and I can do it any way I want. And I can <laughs> I can be loud and proud about it. I can be a jerk about it on a podcast. I can say it any way I want, but I'm not going to get into a verbal sparring match with anyone online however who's got the time (laughs) right right i'd rather just do it this way you know (laughs) this is more fun too because you're not going to fight your 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 co-host you know what i mean even if you disagree (laughs) it's not going to get out of hand you know and it's not going to turn into politics or something you know so i know my god but anyway people talk talking about pet cemetery i understand you don't like the movie that's fine but when i hear that you don't like it because of the reasons that you're giving that's where I have a bit of a problem. And I did say earlier, this is what I've been waiting to say because I watched the original the night before I got the remake. I got the new 4K, the original. Then the next day we, we, we went and saw the remake. My family and I, me, my wife, and my daughter did it oh, all together. Nice. Yeah, had a good time. You know, it was the first time I had revisited it in a couple of years. I think my daughter saw it once before. So it was fine. Then the next day we went to see the new one. At no point did I ever think now I'm not head over heels with Pet Cemetery, the original. I do enjoy it, but I don't have it on like, you know, top 10 Stephen King adaptations or anything like that. But I like it. Me neither, yeah. Okay, so it, there's, there's, you know, pros and cons to it. So now I don't watch trailers, so I'll say it again. I didn't, I knew nothing. I knew that John Lithgow was in it. That's really what I knew. And I knew that there was some type of swerve. Something was going to be changed from the original. I was okay. That, that's fine with me. I just, I just hope it's a good movie. That's, that's where I'm at now. Yep. Now, when I ask you, now this, this is the weird part because I say take it for what it's supposed to be, but that's me. That's me. I don't. I know that the audience doesn't do that. I know the audience is always going to compare to the original, and that's fine. But when I mentioned to you, Mister Watson, Pet Cemetery, the original, what what stands out to you? What are the most memorable things about Pet Cemetery to you? The Ramon song. Oh, very good. Okay. All right. I like the Ramon song too. I'm going to be honest, man. Like, uh, you know, just, just, I've read almost every Stephen King novel, but while I've owned Pet Cemetery for years, a nice hardcover of it, I've never read it. Also, and, and, you know, to answer your question before you keep going, it might come as a shock to those who know me, but I've only ever seen Pet Cemetery in 1989 once when I was about like eight, seven or eight years old. So going into this 2019 adaptation of the story, I can honestly say that the only real connection I had to Pet Cemetery was in the fact that I love that Ramon song. It, it, this it's just it, same with my my you know fifteen year old son as well. So we went into this film like total newbies, and then I watched the original for the first time in my adult life after. So just you know so so I could best absorb what this film was doing on its own merit because I know it's legendary in, in horror circles as is the novel. So 
I kind of went into this uh, a, a, a little kind of in an odd sort of newbie type way, which is not the way I, I you don't always have that opportunity to do to do that with right. something as big as Pet Cemetery, But it's just one I just never revisited as an adult. You know, I remember it as a kid a little. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming at it. So what stood out to you, Dave Z, from the original? Well, see, I don't think it's what stood out to me, although it did. I think this is the general consensus of what the movie is known for. That's why I asked you, because I wanted to know if what I'm thinking is correct. But from where I sit, although, let me let me say one thing quick, since you mentioned the Ramones. I got to get this in. Do it. <laughs> Did you know the song that was playing when the trucker hit the kid in the original? Do you know what it was called? It's a Ramon song. Uh, no. Okay. The song is called Sheena is a Punk Rocker. Okay. Sheena is a punk rocker. Sheena right. is. Yeah. I. How could I forget that? I, I, I. My son and I bump the Ramones constantly. We're a punk rock household. Oh, wow, right so. on. Right <laughs> yeah. on. Cool. Okay. Well, Sheena is a punk rocker was playing when the guy had his, when the trucker hit the kid. That's the, right. Yep. In the remake, he wasn't distracted by music. He was distracted by a text coming and he looked at his phone. And do you know that the text was sent from Sheena? No way. Yeah. That yeah. is. Pretty freaking awesome. Wow. I like little nods like that. Like I said, I don't want to compare, but I do appreciate when a film does have a remake and has a little nod like that that not everybody's going to catch on to. Well, homage, like I said, homage, homage is, yes. is in the tradition of artistic storytelling. So I, I love it. It's, it's I don't like it when people say, oh, it's, it's it's a ripoff. Usually, I mean, and sometimes it is. OK, but that's homage right there. And that that's dude, you blew my mind right there. That's fantastic. Isn't that cool? Yeah, <laughs> that's wow. cool. But getting back to, the, okay, when I think of Pet Cemetery and when I talk online and I hear people, the things that I hear about reference the most or discuss the most and in any way, everybody talks about Zelda. Yep. The whole Zelda scene. Zelda scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. I've heard it so many times. That creeped me out more than any scene. Zelda, Zelda, Zelda. Okay, yeah. that, and I believe that the portrayal from um, <laughs> Fred Gwynn has become iconic. It's been parodied many times on South Park and everywhere else. And you hear people say, don't go down that road. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's yep. what you hear. To me, those are the two things that that movie is known for the most. Now, when I left the movie, the remake, first thing I said to my wife was, I am so glad that they did not try to out Zelda the first or out Judd the first. Those are two things. Oh, wow. You're you right. You know you're not going to be as good because those things are too legendary. So I think if 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 Lithgow would have tried to do an impersonation of Fred Gwynn's, people would have complained about that. So why even touch it? Why not just make him a regular guy? Why, or you know, do do not make him do that. I was so glad they didn't do that. And the Zelda stuff, I guess, is scary in its own way. But sure, you know, and they had a little sh a little shot where they showed the disfiguration, but. I think if they would have tried to ape on that, people would have complained about that. But no, that's not what happened. People complained because Zelda wasn't scary this time around and because <laughs> Lithgow wasn't Gwyn. And that bothered me because that's what impressed me when I left the theater. That's exactly, I swear to you, that's what I said to my wife when the movie ended. I said, I'm so glad they didn't try to outdo the original in things that you can't outdo it in. If you can't outdo it in a remake, and this, this type of movie, the original, is so known for those things, why even try to? Because people are just going to complain. So why not just take it in a different direction, which they did in many ways. They sure did. And I, I am completely down with everything you're saying. Keep, keep it up, buddy. Keep it up. That, that, that's the best part about it. And the swerve 
you know, with uh, I, we don't have to say it because why? But sure, I know. didn't know anything about the swerve, by the way, because I didn't. I never seen a poster for it, and like like is the Watsy way. We don't watch right. trailers, so right. I didn't know anything about. I, I just thought it was going to play out like you know, like it does in the book. Presumably, I haven't read it, but but uh, and in the original, and it didn't. And I was I was uh, I was I was pretty surprised by that because even though I could barely remember the original going into the remake, I didn't. You know, I do remember it. I do know the story story structure, and, and I wasn't aware of that. And that's great. I didn't either. But the thing is, they were almost playing off to viewers saying that we know you saw the original, so we're kind of going to tease you here. And make you think something's going to happen. And oh, we're going to pull up the rug and we're going to do something else. That's how I saw it. Like they yeah. were leading up to it. And I like that they took the time to do that. So all those moves I liked. And then where eventually went was different. And I enjoyed it for that because I see I can't go into spoilers. But yeah, bottom line is the, the choices they made, the new things they did were all, some of them were improvements on the original. They even took out a character which was completely inconsequential in the first yep. one. I don't understand why that character, I guess to talk about death a little more and how it's, they're surrounded by it, but it was really a, I don't know, it wasn't important to me and I'm glad they didn't have that character in this one. And there was improvements with the, I thought the relationship was better with the husband. Again, I'm comparing to the original and I just said earlier that that's not what I do. <laughs> so that's where I'm contradicting myself, but I'm only saying this because of, this is a retort to the complaints that I'm hearing yeah. from the others. So when I took it just as a movie, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed where they went into the second half because even though you can try not to compare it to the original, you still know the story. So when it goes sure. in a different direction, you can either be happy that uh, the direction it went in or you could be unhappy, but not because of the comparison to the original, because of that film as a whole. Like, if anything, they aped the movie Death Dream in, in the third act of this movie. And if anyone's familiar with Death Dream from 1974, Bob Clark, that is a lot what happened with a, a certain character who came back from the dead. That's what it reminded me of. And then ultimately where it went to me seemed like a, an evil thing was going on and it was going to lead into something bigger. And I was fine. And again, the only complaint I could see are people that are holding on to the original too tightly and just can't take the film for what it is. And that's, that's what I have to say. Definitely. And you know, and just, yeah, really quickly, uh, that's why I deliberately wanted to keep the original kind of in my childhood when I, when my son and I went to go see this, cause my son hasn't seen the original, hadn't seen the original either and hadn't read the book. So we went into that just with, with to, just so we could judge this new movie on its own merits. So, you know, that little talk aside, uh, I rated, I, I rate both of them, the original and the remake, a 7.5 out of 10. How about you? Where, where do you stand on them? Exactly. The same thing. Both I, of them. Yes. Yes. And again, hey. dude, crazy. Hey. Yeah. And I said that to my wife when I got up, when we left the theater and we were walking out, I said, you know what? I go, I, I got to tell you, because I've been doing the rating system with everything I'm watching now because of the, uh, what do you call it? The um, letterboxed? Letterboxed. Thank you. So yeah. I have been rating everything. So that's the way I, I told ah. my wife I left. I said, you know what? The rating I gave that one is the rating I give this one. I feel the same about it. Some things were better in this one. Some things were better in this one. Some things were worse, yeah. et cetera. So yeah, that, that's, I felt the same. I, I told her, I go, you know what? I, I like it just as much. Maybe a yeah. little more. I said, I don't know. It's only my first time, but that's, that's what I took from that movie. I, I, I enjoyed that. And wow. How about that? A little side note here that you might, you might, uh, the, the Rachel character played by Amy Simons. Uh, I partied with her once. Really? Uh, yeah, I was at, uh, I used to know somebody who was in a movie with her and, uh, where Amy Simons was the lead. It was a small independent, uh, independent, independent project that was uh, filmed out here in Washington state. 
and out in the Northwest up in Seattle. And I knew somebody who was in the movie as well. And so we, I got to meet Amy Simons at the rap party for the movie at this hotel up in Seattle. And we, we were drinking and doing karaoke. And I, I, I did a Britney Spears song, uh, womanizer, <laughs> womanizer, woman, womanizer, you're a womanizer. Oh, and then she came up and we were like dancing and stuff. Amy Simons was, is a fun person and she, she's super cool. And so, yeah, it's really good to see her being a leading, leading lady in, in, in big, in big flicks these days. So I'm, and she's definitely a genre fan. So cool, cool lady. Shout out to Amy Simons. You, you won't remember me, but, uh, your, your movie, it was, uh, that I was at the rap party for was, was pretty neat. Don't want to, don't want to say the the name of it though. Not because of you, but because the person I used to know who was in it, uh, we're we're not fans of each other these days. So yeah, you you know how it is. Don't shortchange yourself. How many times do you think that she sang that song on karaoke? Oh, I, I don't know. Cause yeah, once I started singing it, she, she got up from where she was sitting and was like, all right, it's time to dance. Where, and yeah, she got up and while I was holding the mic and it's a super fun lady. I, I really like her. She's a cool, cool girl. So I think she'll remember yeah. you is what I'm trying to say. That, that, oh yeah, that's an odd thing to happen. You're gonna sing that Britney. I don't even. I don't, I don't even know what that Britney Spears song is. So oh, Womanizer. It's, it's yeah. my favorite. It's my favorite one. Boy, don't try to front. I, I, I don't even. Just, just what you are. Uh, uh, you know, she's she's talking about uh, somebody who's being a womanizer. And wow. So, okay, Davesy, we have one more order of business. Just a quick little order of business before we get into Act Three of the show, and, and it's showtime. But I think anyone who has listened to your podcast for very long, any podcast you do, knows that Argento is your favorite horror director. And that you absolutely love Suspiria 1977. So tell me this because inquiring minds want to know what were your initial thoughts? I have two questions. What were your first one is this. What were your initial thoughts when you learned that Suspiria was getting an American remake last year? Okay. Well, all of this that I'm going to say, you can research it easily. It's documented on exploding heads. I talked about it when I heard the news right off the bat that I said I did not want to see it. I said, this is not the type of movie you can remake. I was against the idea. I said, I, I wish they weren't doing this. And that that was my feel. I go, no, okay. I, I did. I was, I was against the idea. I definitely was. Ah. So how do you feel then? You know, and I don't know if you heard this before you saw the film or, or after. Uh, how do you feel about Argento coming out publicly against Luca Guadagnino's take on Suspiria? I understand where he's coming from because much like Stephen King doesn't like Stanley Kubrick's Shining. It's yeah. the same that The Shining is one of my favorite movies as well. Yep. I could understand why the original, you know, in, in Stephen King's case, it was different because he wrote a book and this was an adaptation of that. Sure. But still, uh, our general doing what he did in writing and directing and setting everything up that he did so malicious, so, so perfect with, you know, with his first movie, this coming out being the way it is, I could understand why they would have a problem. It's very, di- it's very different than what his movie was. Thing is, what if the what if the the remake would have been a lot like his movie, almost too much like his movie, and they did colors uh-huh. and they did this and they did that type of soundtrack? I mean, mm-hmm. Would he have complained about that, or would he have said, "Bravo"? We don't know. But How about that, I understand it. Of course, I don't agree, but. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm I'm already spoiling the way I feel about the next movie. But what are you gonna do? I, I, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? no, for sure. And if you heard, uh, and folks, if you heard, exploding heads. Uh, right. what, what was it? Your year end wrap up show of, of 2018, best of 2018. I think you might you might have an idea of where Dave stands on this film. So I guess True. listeners of that show might. Uh, I, I'm the mystery here. Ooh. Right. So yeah. well, shoot, um, Dave Z. Unless there's anything else, I think that concludes our horror deep dive segment, which brings Act Two of this horror show to a close. Hey, Dave Z, 
you happen to know what time it is right now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, get ready folks, coming right up. It is now time for the Z Party Horror Show Showtime segment to commence. Everyone, we're here in the third and final act of this wonderful, wonderful horror show. Wonderful horror show. And in case the audio montage you just heard wasn't clear enough, it's showtime, baby. This is the film review portion of the episode. And if this is your first time listening to the Watsy Party Horror Show, (laughs) (laughs) right? Here's Here's how we conduct our reviews. We'll start all our reviews with a synopsis of the film, some quick film setup. We'll give you all our likes our dislikes, and then we'll conclude with our final thoughts and ratings of the film. We rate from 1 to 10 with quarter points in the mix, so expect that. And it should be noted that when it's showtime here on the Watsy Party Horror Show, we will keep it spoiler-free, so if we're covering a film you have not yet seen, you are still free to join the Watsy Party. Here's the deal, though, my friends and listeners. Once showtime is over, once we give our plugs and say our goodbyes, once the outro music has finished playing, should you decide to stick around after all that, You'll find that the party don't stop because that is when we will go into spoiler-filled talk of the feature film. So as leaders of the Watsi party, it's in our manifesto, so to speak, that we don't mix our spoiler-free and our spoiler-filled content. We're serious about keeping these things apart, like like those people who don't like their food to touch, or like how elementary school crossing guards shouldn't touch the children, or, Dave Z, what are some other things that shouldn't touch? <laughs> um, peanut butter and pickles? <laughs> exactly, like peanut butter and pickles. Spoilers and spoiler-free content, we keep them apart. So you can rest easy knowing that we won't spoil the, spoil, you can rest easy knowing that we won't spoil the film for you, and when the spoilers do come, they're in the post-credits portion of the show, as it were. All right, folks, we're covering Luca Guadagnino's 2018 remake or reimagining of Dario Argento's 1977 film Suspiria. I'll read a synopsis for you all that I've gathered from Rotten Tomatoes, which I think could be the IMDb synopsis. See, there we go. Already with the contradictions here. And, and then uh, we'll, we'll give you all a quick film setup as, as we see fit and then launch into them likes and dislikes. How's that sound, Mr. Z? You ready? Oh, very, very much so. Yes. All right. Synopsis time. A darkness swirls at the center of a world-renowned dance company, one that will engulf the troupe's artistic director, an ambitious young dancer, and a grieving psychotherapist. Some will succumb to the nightmare. Others will finally wake up. Ah, that's quite the pleasantly vague synopsis there, right, Dave Z? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty vague, but... All right, film setup. So, shoot, where where do we start? I mean, it's just a quick film setup just to get you in the know to... uh, American Girl shows up to a dance studio in Berlin in 1977 and some bad stuff starts going down. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, that's... that's. Uh, I'll sign off on that, sure. Yeah, I can sign off on that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, quick, quick and easy. So, uh, do, do you want to start on likes or do you want me to... Do you want me to begin? What you think, Dave Z? Mr. Z? I think you should start because I have... I have... Uh, I have a lot. Although we are okay. going to go back and forth, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to go back and forth on likes and so... Alright, I will go first. So... Folks, my first like has everything to do with how director Luca Guadagnino approached Argento's source material here in order to create his own vision, okay? He wasn't going for a carbon copy 
of Argento's colorful and surreal tale, Nah, Gangsters, this is a true reimagining of the world Argento originally created, and it's totally its own thing. Aesthetically speaking, okay, we've got this muted color palette on our hands here, full of dark darkness and earthy tones, and so when you do get color on the screen, it really pops. I don't think people were expecting such a deviation in this regard. You know, people were expecting this to be a feast of lights and colors, and the fact that it deliberately was not is subversive in all the best ways because whereas Argento's film is visually driven, this is story driven, and I think the look of the film reinforces that. Folks, this world feels so delightfully and dreadfully lived in, and it's all because this approach to the story allows us to follow all of our characters, good and bad, on their journeys toward what they want. This allows for complete character arcs, right? Character conflict, crisis change, which is the hallmark of a good story, and also by setting the movie against the backdrop of the East and West Germany conflicts of the time, the whole Bader meinhof red army faction struggle, it makes this world and all of its fantastical elements feel so authentic. You know, we've got this fractured Germany in political turmoil, which mirrors the division and political strife going on in the world of our antagonists. There's a vying for power that's going on at the core of this plot on several fronts that drives the story forward nicely, I think. And it's all complemented by the fact that Argento was going for surrealism in his film to drive things, whereas Guadagnino here is going for realism. And I appreciate a remake or reimagining, as I, I kind of want to word it, that dares to play it like that. I don't know, so that's just, just that whole, everything I just said is under the umbrella of I like Guadagnino's approach to Argento's source material. And that might be controversial, but I, I know you do agree with that. So, yeah, Dave Z, what, what are you thinking? Yes, you know, of course, I, I do agree with that. I, I initially was going to not do any comparisons to the original, mostly because of the things that we've been talking about and, and what I said earlier about not thinking about the original. But yeah, I have to stay true to my to myself and what I did think the first time I saw it, because that was before I learned. To not think about it. But again, like I said, also, it's almost impossible not to the first time. It's just, if you've seen a movie so many times, it's, how are you not going to think about it when you know that it's a remake? So, oh yeah, I, I will say this. I like that in this film, what he did with the characters. We, we know Miss Tanner from the first one. We know Madame Blank. We know, as a matter of fact, this is the strength of this film in comparison to the original is that I pretty much like what he did with every... I think every character is written better in this movie than the original. I agree. And I don't enjoy saying it because of my love for the original. And at the end of the day, I still prefer the original. But I have to talk about the strengths and, and weaknesses, and that that is a strength. I mean, if you look at the original, you don't know anything about these characters, really. You know a little bit, but I mean... What you learn about Tanner and Blank, it's a whole different thing. And yep. it's smart. It's smart where they went with that. So for the comparisons to the original, that, and I'll throw one more, the dreary look, which is the opposite of the color palette of the original. Yeah. He went the opposite way. Right. And that's smart. You're not going to try to outcolor it. Just like I said before about freaking... You know, what is Suspiria known for? The colors. Okay, well, don't try to outcolor it or mimic the, the original. Do your own thing. So I was thinking that yeah. when you said that earlier about, yeah, about Pet Cemetery. I was thinking exactly about the colors of, of the 77 original. And that's it. He did the opposite. The opposite. Not, not even changing it or ignoring it. 
intentionally doing the opposite and taking the color out. Matter of fact, the only time you do see color is when it's amazing red in 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 the climax. And yep. strangely Man. enough, oh boy, we'll get there. And, and str- strangely enough, the subtitles when they spoke German, they put red over the white, which is uh, oh. a little artistic t- touch. And when they spoke French, they put blue over the white. And that's, I did not catch that. that. That's the color that they did, and of course the the eye switch color, which we'll get we'll get to that again later. But okay, and one more thing: the look and the soundtrack. Now, oh. leading up to you asked me earlier how I felt about the movie when I first heard about it, mm-hmm. and I was against it. But what I didn't tell you was how I felt along the way when information starting to get started getting leaked out. When I heard that it was an Italian doing it, I was more intrigued. I said, okay, it's an Italian. I yep. like the sound of that. Okay. Then I heard the first cut was like three hours long. And me liking three hour, or not three hour, but liking long art house type horror movies, uh, my ears perked up a little more. And then, speaking of ears, when I heard Tom York was going to be doing the soundtrack, now I'm in. I am not a die hard, every album owning, listening, constantly favorite band Radiohead fan but I do own most albums and I do like the band and I do appreciate Tom York as an artist so hearing all that I was like okay let's see what he can do so and all that was done right it was a good it's opposite it's all done oppositely but done so well so that was long winded but I I had to get all that out there because you compared so I said okay I'll take my turn to compare and I'll try not to compare anymore, but... Sure, sure. There you have it. There is one thing with the soundtrack. Do you know? It's hard to tell. But in the scene when a character from the original film comes back in this film, not a character, yeah. an, uh, an actor, okay, yeah. returns, when that actor is in a certain scene, the goblin score is used. Really? Slower, but it's there, and it's in the credits. So that's why you know it's there, but that is the scene. You can hear it played oh. slower and with different instruments, of course, but it's a bit of a, what was the, what was the word we used before? Uh, it was paying homage to it. There you go. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Man, okay. Yeah, so can, can I go uh, with my next like? Get on it, man. Here? All right, yeah. let's do it. All right, so my next like here has everything to do with how this film handles the central antagonists and the mystery that surrounds their intentions, okay? In... And the comparisons again, but in Argento's film, we know from the outset that there's a threat here at this dance academy, but we don't really know what it is. The problem that Susie is out to solve in Argento's film is all about finding out just who or what is behind the evil goings on, right? But here in Guadagnino's story, we're told from the get-go the nature of the threat, and we even get an insider look at how they work without sacrificing the overall enigma that lies at the heart of what they want and how they're going to go about getting what they want. It's a bold, bold move, I think, to shed so much light on Madame Blanc and her cohorts, but I rather enjoyed that approach because in focusing on our antagonists, we get a good sense of them as opposed to them merely being some faceless evil. Yet another example of how this film works to keep things character-driven and story-driven. What do you think? I I love that too, uh, because again, people that are going to see this movie that have any knowledge of the original, they already know what's at hand here. Yeah. So... And I'm, I, I, I'm not going to say everybody, but I'm going to say it, I would say more than half of the people that went to see this movie were aware of the original. So definitely at least more than half. I would say like 80 percent 
that, that saw this movie. Well, no, maybe not. Maybe I'll take that back. Either way, the bottom yeah. line is people knew. A lot of people knew. And just because somebody states something who, by the way, may not be the most r- reliable narrator. Sure. Uh, by <laughs> right. the way they're being portrayed, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's happening here. How, especially nowadays when we see all kinds of swerves and it being yep. one way and the thing that you love so much when things are portrayed as being supernatural, but we find out later that it's mental. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, that. God. It could have been that. In modern <sighs> film, you know what I mean, though? That's yep. We see that more. So... As a, as a moviegoer that doesn't know anything about the original and, and putting that out there, you know, seeing that in the first minute, well, I don't know. The, is this is this what's going on here or are they going to take us for a ride? Because that's it's kind of unusual. It's a bold move, but it's it's a move that's also not done very much and maybe because it's bold, but also I'm the kind of guy that likes anything out of the ordinary. And that's yeah. good or bad. So I mean, at first, because if it's something different, I'm usually a fan. I go, okay, that's different. Give me, let me see. Hopefully it plays out and, and it works to, the, to, to its advantage. And in this case, um, it didn't bother me. That's for sure. Uh, I yeah, was well said. Yeah. Do you got a, do you got a like uh, of yours you want to throw out there? Okay. I, I will be, I'll be vague and I'll say this quickly. All right. Uh, Tilda Swinton. And yeah. uh, there's more of that we're going to get into later because some of it is a, a little um, sensitive about, yep. you know, some things that we're going to talk about, but what she must have gone through oh, gosh. for this film, especially the last act, if you think about the people that are in that last act, oh. uh, everyone that's in that room, what she must have gone through for this movie, it, it, it's ridiculous. That's why when we did our, our year-end awards, when we had our year-end wrap-up show, everybody else was talking about one actress, and I can't take anything away from it. But for me, uh, I thought the best performance of the year in horror was Tilda Swinton for reasons which we'll talk about later but man you know when i first saw the movie i've seen the movie five times now you know but the first time i saw it at the theater and then i then i then i saw it a second time but still i I wasn't as familiar with it as i am now but there really is a lot she is on the screen a lot and goes through many things here and the, the, the performance she gave and in so many different ways it's fantastic so yeah tilda all right, I want to piggyback off you right here and now, Dave Z, because I want to talk about performances as well. What we get from these actresses, what these actresses deliver, top-notch stuff, man. Dakota Johnson as Susie Banyan, wonderful. Mia Goth can do no wrong, and I rather yeah. love how she, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, right? I, I rather love how she is kind of, how she's like our sleuthing character off on the side working with Dr. Klemper to find out what's going on behind the scenes at this dance school. That was really cool. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is great in her little role in the first act and in the third act, you know, proving yet again that she's in every single horror remake there is. And uh, of course, like you mentioned, Tilda Swinton, uh, like I said, I don't want to say too much about her role in the film because spoilers abound in that regard, but she is simply brilliant in this movie. She's frightening, sympathetic, powerful. She has such a presence about her. And so, yeah, I just had to piggyback off that like. And so, uh, yeah, that was my response to your like. Uh, So my next like here, I got to talk about the way the film uses dance as a means to an end. I realize that if you haven't seen the film, that is a vague ass statement. But if you haven't seen the movie, suffice it to say that the dance routines in this film are not only visually stunning, they're also central to the plot. They mean something. There are several key scenes, my friends, that revolve around these dance numbers. And these are things I've never seen in a film before. 
We'll get to those scenes more in our spoiler-filled discussion of the film at the very end of the show, of course, but I'm telling you folks that some of the things that happen as they relate to the role dance plays in the film, it's next-level stuff worth the price of admission alone. What, what say you, Dave Z? Oh, man. It's it's great. It makes sense in this movie. There's a reason there is that this is the dance studio, and they're using dance for a particular reason, where in the original, they're, you know... It, it happens to be a dance studio, and it's a good cover for what's going on, but they yeah. maximize it here. They take it, and, and it's it's woven into the to the storyline where it's geez, it's almost of utmost importance as to what's, what's happening here and, and the reasons yeah. for everything going on. And, you know, I can't say because of, of spoilers, but but yes, they're, they're, it's, a, it's an important reason. It isn't just a plot point that, okay, we need to set it up. We need to set up a place where, where a bunch of girls can go and it can be just girls and they're together sleeping overnight. Okay, how about a dance academy? Oh, there you go. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. In this case, it's like, well, the dance is, it's very important. It's integral to, to, the, to the plot and to, you know, the antagonists and everything at hand here. So. And you know what else is handled in that same fashion as well is are, are the dream sequences in the film. And I am a... <laughs> solid hater of dream sequences i do not i, th I feel like 95 percent of the time it's it's weak writing but these let me just say these dream sequences are deliberate and are they're put there for a reason and and and, and i mean they are literally put there by a character and so th yeah i, I mean <laughs> that's such a vague statement if you haven't seen the movie you're like wait what does he mean a uh, dream <laughs> sequence is put there by a character you'll know when you see the film and so i really li like the dance too when any ever dream sequences are there it's handled about as well as you can as you can do a dream sequence i, I feel as far as the purpose of them goes so yeah I i'm down with that so dave well what what's your what's your next like sir well, I'll tell you, the dreams were were another like of mine. So oh, I was, I'm tell glad, it, tell I'm it. glad you brought that up. Uh, there's, there's, you, know, you you summed it up beautifully. I mean, they're, they they're important, they're done well, and we could probably spend an hour just trying to decipher, uh, you know, what's going on in all those dreams and why and what every oh, shot means. It's almost like watching the the video from the ring. You know, yep. all the things that happen there, and it's it's you know it's artsy stuff and and, and the way it's. It's, it's those quick edits and everything else, but it does make sense. And did you notice the two maggots? Because they didn't do a maggot scene in this movie, but there no, was they a, didn't. There was a quick cut of a couple maggots falling on her face in, in one of those. Uh, oh, in one of the dream sequences. Yeah, little little things they put in there. Jeez. Yep. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. They that used is some that. that is some subtle homage right there. I, yes. I dig it. I dig it. Yes, yes, Abs That's that's a like right there. Like you said, the, damn the way they they worked that out. But to get to it. I will say that this is the first time... Oh, I can't say that because... Well, I, I can say it without... Okay. This is the first time in film that we saw the politics of a group. Mm. And we've seen this group of antagonists, which we've seen in other horror movies before. But this particular group of antagonists and, and, and the way they run and the way it's handled, we've never seen it this way before. We've never seen the politics of it. We've never seen the way... Exactly. The infrastructure of, of everything and... And the beauty of that is how it mirrors what's happening outside. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. That's right? a f future bullet point I've got. Yeah. Man, while, while at the same time being ignorant to what's happening outside. Like, this is 1977, and we have all that stuff going on politically and everything going on, which, by the way, really was happening at that time, which is brilliant that they, that they put that in there and they, they used it. I've heard people say they don't like it. 
that they don't like that and they don't like oh. one character being there and it, it, it could huh. have done without it. But at the same time, a lot of these people will say, oh, well, the first Suspiria, there's not much story. It's just this. Okay, well, <laughs> so now we give you story and you're going to complain about <laughs> that, but whatever. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, when this starts, when when this when they started doing what they were doing and this was when this one dance was invented, this this Volk, when it, when it first came out and, and Madame Blanc was involved in, in coming up with it, this was going on. This is when the, the Nazis were occupying. This is when all this was going on. So as the Nazis were doing their thing and they have the fallout from, from the war and everything else, they were ignorant to it. They were on the inside doing their own thing, creating this dance and not paying attention to the outside world. Now, once again, 30 years later, they have civil unrest and they have these other things going on outside. And once again, they're ignorant to that. They're doing their own thing. But in their little bubble, they have their own politics and their own division happening at the same time. So it's kind of an well interesting said. contrast, yeah. you know? Yeah. Woo. So that was cool. Yes, yes. Dave Z, we've got to talk about where folks were still in the like section here. We got to talk about gore and kills as a like here. Folks. <laughs> There's a scene involving a character where she is twisted and broken up in a peculiar fashion. This is a truly horrifying death scene. Absolutely torturous and brutal. Easily one of the best death scenes in a horror film from 2018. And, and since we're free of spoilers here, I'll, I'll just say this. The way this film handles its climax in that regard, it's so damn bloody and ferocious. And once again, it's a type of scene that I've never seen before in a movie. So haunting and disgusting and beautiful. I don't really know any other way to say it without saying too much, so I'll just say this. Whether you love or hate this movie, you will not forget where this film ends its characters' journeys in that climactic third act scene and the way it utilizes gore. Man, that that's for damn sure. D Dave Z, what say you, buddy? <laughs> that was going to be my next <laughs> like as well, so yeah, they're on the same that's page. The, it's, it's, the, it's the Watsy Party Horror Show. Folks, this is what we do. Yo, we're in sync, and that's how it should be. Absolutely. But yes, I have it in... Uh, what I did was when I took my notes, I have all my likes in these little asterisks, right? So yeah, my asterisk says, kill of year. <laughs> and then oh. it says, comma, as a matter of fact, all the kills. Because every kill oh. in this movie <sighs> is grand. There is not a bad kill. Every kill is great. And... <laughs> yep. But... The kill of the year. Like I said, again, I said that on the year-end show uh, of Exploding Heads, that that was my favorite kill of the year was kill. I think it was fantastic. There was one that was in contention, uh, Terrifier, and yep. it, it was great and it was quick, but this was, uh, there was a little more to it. It was very unsettling. Man. It lasted longer. They even used CG and it looked good. Like there was it no did. nothing weak about the kill and, and the way and, and the why of, 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 and the how it was happening. Yes, kicks too everything. Much level. Yeah, the whole sequence, it was just, man. And how about this? You got a room full of mirrors, right? And yeah. not a camera to be found. Like you would think huh. if somebody filming in a, in a room of mirrors, it would have been a mistake made. How do you not see the cameras? It, it's Damn. well done. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, like you said, every, man, yeah, that's a good observation. And like you said, every single kill that happens. I read there were, I think, 14. The body count's like 14. Every kill is magnificent. There's even a quick one that involves a knife. It, it, it's quick. It kind of, it, it's it's over before it starts. But even that's just like, it comes out of nowhere. And you're just like, oh, well, there's that. <laughs> like, okay. Yes, yes. But it was great, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just hits you and, you're just, and, then, and then it's gone. You're like, wait, uh, oh, okay then. Wow. Stellar stuff. And then, of course, you know, the 
climactic scene involves a certain amount of bloodshed that I think, you know, folks, if you, if you haven't seen this movie, if you're leery of it, maybe you're like, all right, I need, I need some gore in my life. Just go into Suspiria 2018 just, just for that alone. And then, and then taking a, a good story while you're at it. I, I don't know. Uh, so Dave Z, I, those are the end of my likes because I feel like I could have just written paragraphs and paragraphs. So take us through the rest of yours and, and let me just riff off you, buddy. Okay. Uh, what else do I have here? Well, I, I have Sarah in in in, in asterisk because. Well, what about Sarah? Because Sarah, <laughs> because Mia Goddess. I mean, Mia Goddess. Yes. Because I am kind of obsessed with her. Uh, you know, the first time I saw her was in that movie, A Cure for Wellness. Thank you, sir. A Cure for yep. Wellness. And at first, I'm thinking her, and I was like, "Wow, this, this girl's pretty." And I'm thinking, "Am I being pervy?" Because she she looks pretty young, so I I better be careful what I'm thinking. So, and then later on. <laughs> She gets out. Remember, they took her to that dance. She escaped that thing for a little bit, and then she started doing yep. that dance routine and that one other thing yep. dancing in her. And I was like, wow, okay, this girl's got it going on. So now, now I see her in other movies, and I've seen things she's done, and I know how old she is, and I just have this this this, this thing for her. And, um, you know, she's kind of freaky in real life, so so you know what's up with her. I can she's, imagine she was married to Shia LaBeouf, so I, I don't see how you... <laughs> Uh, you couldn't be. Uh, no, but yeah. So yeah, Mia Goth though. She she is electrifying on the screen, and you know I mentioned the the performances of the of the ladies, and it's just yeah. Mm-hmm. She she's she's right up there. Yeah, keep keep it up, Dave Z. Yeah, she looks good and she acts good. Is that is it everything about her in that part? Yes. Yeah, I just well in, uh, she in a way so she is a yeah. Well, yeah. Gosh, in, in in those those tights oh and whatnot, and and oh. you know anybody who cares to hear this little bit of information, tights is a thing for me, man. That's a that's a I, I like it. I I like to wear them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I've, I've never done that. Uh, no one, no, no, no one's ever asked me to. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't skip leg day at the gym, so they're, they're looking all right. But no, uh, you know, funny thing about Mia Goth's character of Sarah in this film is how she, in a way, she's like part Susie. If right. you split Susie's character from the original into two characters, you have the Susie in this 2018 film, and you have Sarah. Because in the, you know, in in Argento's film, Susie, Susie is doing all the sleuthing. See, see, folks, it was a little yep. bit of a tongue twister. And it. so, but in this film, Susie's not really, for various reasons, doing really any sleuthing, but Sarah is. And so I like how they took her character and gave that to us like that. Yes. And how at first she, she laughed at the idea. She was almost insulted at the idea of, yep. of when Joseph, Joseph comes to her and says, Hey, this is what Patricia told me. And I'm not saying I believe it, but look at this and what's going on. And, and she was like, Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, nothing's going on me. in this dance studio. Yeah. Right. And then she was totally doing her thing. And then two things happen in this movie with two characters, her character, when she starts knowing things and I yeah. think she gets sent some information by, by somebody, but we'll talk about that later. And then yep. when she started doing things later and the way it goes with her and then her whole scene again, we don't want to. It's not a kill, but when we when, when something does happen to her, when she falls into that thing, and we see the little, the bone action. Yeah, she like, gets an injury, folks. That wow. is pretty. <laughs> and her screaming while it, oh gosh, and to think yeah. a dancer, you know, sustaining that injury, a leg injury like oh, that, you're, you're it, 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 that's a career ender, folks. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, with her, what what her character, the way her character was at the beginning and the way it was at the end, and. The same thing with Susie, the way her character was in the beginning and what she became by the end. Man. So cool. <laughs> Dave Z, I have questions about that. Then when we get to the spoiler filled content after the outro of the show, I, I have a question because I, there's something I don't understand about this movie and I need, I need a little help. Mr. Mr. Watson needs a little help. So cool. I hope I can. Yeah. Provide, yeah. Man. Yeah, let, let, let's, we'll, we'll find out when we get there folks. And, and uh, so, so yeah, Dave, uh, any, any more likes? 
A uh, couple, a couple quick ones. Tell them. Yosef uh, and Anka and their relationship oh. and that whole storyline. Wow. Uh, like I said earlier, some people don't like it. Some people aren't digging that. Yes, that's a big complaint I'm hearing. Like, oh, just remove that from the film and it'll take, you know, a half hour or more out of it. I'm just like, no. That's the emotion <laughs> of the film. That's the freaking... That's one of the things that makes it so great. That's what I'm saying. People want to complain and say, this was this was so simple, this movie. Well, this makes it anything but simple. And Well, this movie's not simple. Like, no. Uh, man, this, <laughs> no. Is the, this took a second watch for me to go, oh, right. <laughs> you know? That's that's what it's all about, man. Second view. I mean, I'll say it till the Indeed. day I drop it. That that's important. And I'll just I'll keep it quick. The incredible and beautiful climax. That that's man. that's what I have to Jeez. say. That scene and everything that goes down in that room, and Marcos and everything, and we can oh. just. And, and then the name I of your am, podcast I, comes to mind, and of your other yes, show. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> Brilliant, and in the line, I am she, just floored. Awesome. The color, the way it's executed, everything that happens in that room, the beautiful dance in more ways than one because of, uh, we'll get get to that, but that climax is, because you don't really necessarily see it coming, and then when it happens, then when you see somebody that's in that room, I could see, I think it's done perfectly, because again, it's almost like homage to films from that time period. People could see, you know, I think they might have gone a little too far with the look of this one character now, but... I don't think oh, that at all. I, I liked it, it quite fits. a lot. And Me too. Yes, it does. And folks, you know, if, if, and just for a little little point of reference, in in the climax, with of course no spoilers, because hey, we're we're gentlemen about about that sort of thing. We just at the end we have a bunch of characters gathered in a room, and the things that play out with all these characters inside this single large room is I've never seen anything quite like it. it, it yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And the dialogue, some of the dialogue is so deep when you're talking about everything that's happening and when you really look at the big picture of everything that's happening when you ever outside of outside of the dance studio and yeah within the walls of the dance studio and everything that's going there and one particular uh exchange when somebody says it's all a mess the one out there the one in here the one that's coming why is everyone so ready to think the worst is over that can apply to, to life, oh <laughs> you know gosh. what I mean, and the way we view things, you know? Uh, Beautiful, yeah. Dave. Well said, Dave Z. Man, thank you. That, Folks. What a line that was. <laughs> Man. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, Suspiria. <laughs> yeah. Those okay, well, if, if that finish up, uh, if that finishes up our likes segment, uh, let, let, regarding dislikes, let me go first here. I think there will be viewers who will see this movie's two-and-a-half-hour runtime as daunting. Okay? That's one. I think a great deal of folks will find the film a bit opaque on a first watch. I admit that it, like I said, it took me two watches to really understand what was going on. I honestly felt a bit lost on that first watch, and I can see that being a popular complaint against the film. Naturally, there will be folks who won't enjoy this film simply because it's a remake. You know, Argento's film is so different from this that if you go in expecting something that mirrors Argento, you will likely be let down. Uh, But that's all I have to say about dislikes. If you noticed, I didn't mention any personal dislikes of my own because I don't know that I have any, anything glaring. So, Dave, if, you know, what what say you, man? Well, I did not want to not have any dislikes whatsoever. I didn't want to seem like I was just blowing everything too hard. So, sure, I I did put a couple very minuscule things in there just to have them. And uh, 
one. I almost did that too, and maybe I should have. I, just, just to little, have little things. I, yeah. Just, plus, I figured you would have something. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to sit here. I mean, and be what the I mentioned boy. was, yeah, what I mentioned was something that uh, you know viewers are saying and have said, and, and yeah. I don't think that you know, like, hey, have them. Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, everybody's different, but I, I, yep. I, I'll single these two tiny little things out. The step counting situation. Okay. I don't know if they, it was homage to the first, but I think the way it was handled here. That's one thing they did better in the first. And I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not comparing because of what I said before. I'm just putting it out there that that is one thing they handled better in the first. But in this movie, it just kind of happened. So it comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yes, it comes out of nowhere. She's sitting there and she's counting steps, apparently. And then all of a sudden, she's doing it and she's right on the money to, to the yeah. exact step to right there. And I was like, well, I don't know. I think that, I think that would could have been handled differently. So that was... The only blemish that and something at the end where somebody is resuscitated for a few seconds and okay. then do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. It seemed a little bit hokey for this kind of a movie. It almost seemed like it was meant for a laugh. I don't think it was, but the way it came out, I was like, I if they if they would not have shown that scene, it wouldn't have made a damn bit of difference in the movie and I, I could have cared less. So that's it. Are you talking? Are you talking at the, the at the very end? The very end when they yeah, said that okay. somebody left the company and something. Yes. Yeah. That and okay. there's a pullback of a. Yep. You know what I'm talking about. I do. And I. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, I don't think it was played for you know played for a laugh, but I could no. when you when you word it like that, I could see somebody. You know, there was another podcast, uh, another horror podcast, uh, who one of the hosts was thought a lot of this movie was 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 comedic and, and funny like you know and thought that this could be parody on say saturday night live i did not see that at all no. and but you know hey to, to each uh they own yeah yes sir yeah but so that's it okay well shoot uh well shoot dave I, I think i'm ready to move into my final thoughts and in, in my rating so why don't why don't you take us into that <laughs> all right you want me to get on that huh well do it buddy <laughs> Well, as I said on Exploding Heads, this that uh, this was my favorite movie of the year. I had many reasons not to like it, being such a fan of the first one. And I find it strange that so many people that are passionate about the first one don't like this. And then on the flip side, so many people that don't like the first one are waving the flag of this. And then you got little yep. old me who's sitting here saying, wow, there's two movies named Suspiria, one from 1977 and one from 2018, and I think they're both amazing movies. And and I they're very different movies. They just both happen to have the same name and are based upon the same characters and the same type of ideas. And I love them both. They're both tens out of tens for me. So nice. Yeah, that, that's all there is to it, man. I I adore it. I've seen this movie five times, and Ooh. it's the kind of movie that I know I'm gonna keep watching. I, two and a half hours, no problem. I, I am very much. I'm al- I'm already in in the in the the position right now, where it's it's the kind of movie that I know. Even though it's long, uh, it's the kind of movie that I feel I could sit down at any time and watch and be comfortable, like it's a comfort movie. And that's odd. It's only happened once in recent memory before, and that was for The Witch. The Witch is still my favorite movie of the millennium, but I'm gonna say that this is is right below it. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Wow, ten out of ten. So I know. All right, I yeah. Know. Shoot, I know. <laughs> it I, sounds I, okay. weird on my first on our first show, but it is. What well, it is. It, you know. Okay, maybe I'll offset it a little bit. Uh, you know, final thoughts and rating here from from your old buddy, Mister Watson, folks. Okay, this is a gorgeously realized and wonderfully executed film that 
moves perfectly within its own framework to give us a great experience. It's like a dance, really, in its own way. And like a dance, it's dependent on several factors to work well. A dance might be choreographed amazingly, but if the song is wrong, if the stage upon which the dance is set isn't right, it all falls apart. Well, this movie's choreography, its technical aspects could not be better. The movie's song and stage, that's to say its tone and atmosphere, dark, oppressive, disturbing, and pretty. And it's so much of that that it stays with you long after you see it. It etches itself upon your mind if you allow it to. The film's female-centric themes of motherhood, of companionship, of birth, of death, it's truly heavy stuff, my friends. I, I want to thank a member of the Horror Corridor group page, that's, that's my other show, folks, uh, Mr. Johnny Pendergast for gifting me his digital download link back in December, or, or, or I think January, that came with his Blu-ray of the film. He wanted to know my thoughts on this film, and he he's been wanting to know for months, and now here we go. So I hope you're pleased, my friend. As for my rating, on my first watch, I was in the neighborhood of about an 8.5 out of 10, and I also had a massive interruption that took place while my son and I were watching this movie. We'd, we'd watch the original, which I've seen a bunch of times, love it, love it, love it, and <laughs> we had a snowstorm here in Washington State, so we were snowed in for an entire week. That's what happened. We, we didn't leave the house for seven days. And all of a sudden, midway through the film, this car gets stuck in our front yard in the snow and, and nearly hit my, my work van that's out there. And so for the next hour or so, maybe hour and ten minutes, I was helping this couple <laughs> uh, dig themselves out of the snow. We got them out of my driveway, but for the next hour, I was helping them push their their Jeep to the main highway and it was just and one neighbor came out at some point started helping for about five minutes then went back inside because snow's falling and it's already thick and it was just crazy but you know i i don't know my son was really proud of me he's like dad you did a really good thing and i was like hell yeah and poured a few whiskeys uh, after that at one in the morning before we finished the film so i had a massive interruption that didn't taint my viewing of the first you know of this film but it, it did get in the way so like i said i was in the neighborhood of an eight and a half out of ten but here and now after a second watch and after more careful consideration, I'm coming in at a 10. Whoa. If I'd seen this, in, if I had seen this in 2018, which I didn't, uh, it would have been my number two of the year, only after Hereditary, and and it, it barely, it would have edged out the house that Jack built, which I absolutely loved. But this movie would have got the number two spot, and Hereditary might have been like, "You're a little too close. What are you doing, folks? We don't necessarily have a Hall of Fame here on the Watsy Party Horror Show, but when our combined ratings are above a 19. We celebrate that film by giving it a little bit of the click and clack, a little bit of that clickety clackety. Clickety clackety. <laughs> clickety clackety. A yes. click and a clack. It's all about that click, all about that clack. You're about to hear Mercy in just a second. Mercy? All right, folks, that concludes our Showtime segment, which brings Act 3 of this horror show to a close. Well, damn, my friends, we did it. First episode of the Watsy Party Horror Show is in the bag, Dave Z. How you feeling about that, my friend? You think we should do another episode after this? Should we keep on with it? Yeah, man, the party's just begun. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Well, shoot, why don't we take a second here to give uh, the listeners our plugs? Dave Z, where can listeners find more of you, sir? Ah, all my stuff is on the... Uh Horophilia Network, Horophilia.com. All, all my shows are on iTunes and Spotify and all those places you can find podcasts. And uh, all my shows are 
Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. Ooh. And the ABCs of Hidden Horror. And Banana Leaser when we put an episode out, which isn't often, but it's still a living, breathing thing, just breathing slowly. But yes. <laughs> there Banana Laser wins every time. Yes, yes. If they ever, yeah, if they ever perform. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Very good, very good. And uh, yeah, and of course, folks can find you on certain episodes of the Skeleton Crew Horror Absolutely. Podcast. And yes. so, you know, there's a lot of Dave Z floating around out there. And, and folks, I, I couldn't be happier that that's the case. Well, thank you, sir. Ah, I shucks. I think it's too much Dave Z sometimes, but hey. Not me. All right. I can live with that. And then I got then I got the right guy to do the show with. All right. Oh, you absolutely do. I mean, the the, the Watsy party wouldn't be anything without the Z. It'd just be the Watt party. And and speaking of the Watt party, <laughs> I'd be honored. Uh, as for my plugs, I'd be honored if you check out my solo cast Horror Corridor. Type that bad boy into your Google box or your podcast catching app. Give it a go. It's in all the same places as Dave's uh, podcast because I'm as uh, I'm, I'm about that horophilia.com life myself. And I do what I can on that show to deliver a well-produced pseudo-intellectual show, so if that's what you need to get the old juices flowing, give that show a listen. It's co- and, a little bit of news, it's coming to a close here in a handful of episodes, so get it while it's hot. Get it while you still can, my friends. I mean, I it'll be still going after I'm done, but uh, ostensibly, I have two podcasts going right now. How about that? As for the Watsy Party Horse Show here, be sure to check out the show notes of the episode where we will have links posted to the articles and studies that we used here in our talk. We cite our sources. We're gentlemen. You'll want to give that a look-see. Folks, we love your feedback, and you can find this show on social media in the following places. On Facebook, we've got a group page for the show that you can join. Just type in Watsy Party Horror Show and get in on the fun we'll be having over there. Find us on Instagram by searching for Watsy Party Horror Show, all one word. That's W-A-T-Z-E-E-P-A-R-T-Y-H-O-R-R-O-R-S-H-O-W. All one word, Watsy Party Horror Show. And lastly, we're on Twitter, so follow us there. We're at Watsy Party, W-A-T. Z-E-E-P-A-R-T-Y. I've never done Twitter before. I'm excited to see what that's about. So, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's, how, that's how that's going to go. We'll try to be active over there. My friends, be sure to stay tuned after the outro music has played so you can hear Dave and I in our spoiler-filled discussion of Suspiria 2018. And unless there's anything else, that about does it. Dave Z, what do you think, sir? Ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time. And I hope all the listeners enjoyed it. And I hope that most of you stick around for the... Uh, the after party. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Folks, that's what the segment is called. We coined it right here and now in front of you all because oh. that's where we are. We're in front of you. Well, the after party. So stay tuned for that. Well, folks, that concludes episode number one. I'm the Watt. Dave's the Z. And we thank you very much for attending our horror show. So please join the party and celebrate the genre with us. See you next time. It is now time for the What Z Party Horror Show After Party segment to commence. All right, all right, folks. <laughs> if you're listening to this portion of the episode, shout out to my friend Dave Z over there. That means you've either seen the film or else you don't mind spoiler talk because that's what's happening. Consider yourself warned, my friends, because it begins now. Okay, then. Dave Z, take us where you want to go, sir. Oh, jeez, where do I want to go? Uh, wow. What a great idea to set it in 1977. The First year that the original film, yep, came out, or yeah, came yeah. out. That's who knew. I didn't know going into it. I went into the movie. I thought it was just going to be modern times. I had no idea because you know, I'm, 
I, I keep myself blinded when it comes to movies and so do I yeah wow and I like that about us too that we both you know f- folks listening you know Dave Z and I are both of the same mind that we we, we avoid trailers we don't the horror news sites God bless them I, they're keeping you know they keep people informed but we just kind of we kind of keep our heads down in the sand <laughs> you know like that's just kind of how we do it. it it helps for us maximize the experience I think yeah I, I, I couldn't agree more that's what yeah. I always say it's I take my film watching seriously i want to have the best experience i could have and i think the, the best way to do that is know as little as possible going in so, that's an episode in and of itself i think yes i was just thinking that as i was saying it that yeah that, that's gonna be a, a deep dive one of the deepest yeah <laughs> so yeah um did you know the song she was singing in the beginning when we saw um patricia going up yeah, the chloe stairs? grace no what was the song it's a song from uh, Nico from the Velvet Underground, 1967, the fairest of the seasons. Oh, and, uh, yeah, it, it fit right in because if you look at the uh, the lyrics to Fairest of the Seasons, the last uh, part of that song, when when she actually says the lines, she says, yeah. because she's happy because she's trying to to get get the hell out of where she is, and yeah, she she's, is. She says she doesn't say this part. All she says is. And it is finally I decide that I'll be leaving in the fairest of the seasons. That's the last line of the song. Oh, man. So that sums up what's happening in her head because she says the, the verse is quick. It's now that I smile, now that I'm laughing even deeper inside, now that I see, now that I finally found the one thing I denied. It's now I know, do I stay or do I go? And it is finally I decide that I'll be leaving in the fairest of the seasons. So damn poetic for her situation, you know. It is Lou Reed, uh, you know, of the Velvet Velvet Underground is, is a badass. I yeah, I did not catch that. Yeah, yeah, good old Nico. Because I, I, I was watching with subtitles and I'm seeing the lyrics and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna Google those damn lyrics and, and see if this is what it means. Sure enough, it, it made perfect sense. The decisions that were made were were made with good reason. So you gotta like that when you see it when you see a movie. Uh, I like the fact that. I didn't really understand it exactly the first time I saw it, but when when Susie gets to the school, uh, it's almost like a little bit discouraging at first that she gets to audition because it just kind of happened. And what Miss Tanner said to her is, she's like, your insistence on an audition happened to catch Madame Blank on a good day. So uh-huh. it's, it's like a fluke. But knowing what we now know, it's almost like, Madame Blank could have may have felt something just from their the way they contact each other. I'm, I'm assuming back in those days it was either by phone or by a letter. You know what yeah. I mean? But yep, caught her on a good day because this is a prestigious school, not just anybody. She they, she has no formal training or references yet. She's allowed to come in an audition to go to another country to go from Ohio to Berlin to audition at this prestigious company. You know, and it's. I guess I'm just going to ask my big question now. This is my one burning question that I can't quite figure out. And the reason is so whenever I rate a movie a 10 out of 10, it's because I don't have a it's not like I'm saying, oh, these are the best movies ever made. It's it's kind of a, a personal statement to myself that I wouldn't really change a thing. Uh, that's kind of what separates a nine and a half or a nine point seven five, because that's how we rate here, folks. Uh, that's what separates it from me. If, if I don't have any glaring issues or if, if it just works 
and does what it needs to do within the framework of its of its whole structure and everything, then I am I'm down. That's a 10 when I have no complaints and I wouldn't change anything. So, but I have one question and this doesn't dock anything from the, the, the film in my eyes because I know the filmmakers know just because I don't doesn't mean the filmmakers don't. And so that's, that's key, a key distinction for me. So here's my question, Dave Z and, and listeners, if you have any input, go for it, but let's, let's talk this out. Was Susie always mother Suspirium or did something happen along the way in the film or before the film that suddenly made her the vessel for the mother? I mean, we do see her Mennonite background to some degree as she's growing up. So we know that she was once just a normal girl. So at what point in this character's history does she take on the mantle of one of the three great mothers? Like, did she showed up to the Marcos Academy as Mother Suspirium? Did it happen there? What, what do you think? I think that she always knew something was there. That's why she was always driven to it from the beginning. We see the flashbacks of her with childhood being obsessed with Berlin and yes. constantly wanting to go there. So something was drawing her there. Now, I think that she's basically the second coming of Mother Suspirium. It's almost like to go to the, the Catholicism, because yeah. that's what I was raised on. It's almost like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being one. You know what I mean? Different. In, you know, yep. Okay? It's like that. She is part of, of that, of the three mothers. She is Mother Suspirium. Now, she doesn't know that. She knows she has to go there. Oh, she knows so okay, she, she knows she wants to go there. She's obsessed with dance, so obviously that's what that's what intrigues her. So she goes and she sees Madame Blanc doing the dances when she sneaks into New York. She's obsessed with dance, but first she's obsessed with Berlin, and she doesn't know why. She's just a child. There she yeah, is. Yeah, we see this in flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. So she's just obsessed with there. So she doesn't know. She just knows she's drawn there. Doesn't know why. But the way I feel is, once she gets there, it's like I said earlier. You see her progress throughout the film. The beginning of the film. She's all she is is excited to be there and she's bubbly and she's she's closer to the Susie from the original movie in, in a matter of speaking where she's stranger in a strange land and, and it, excited and maybe a little bit nervous, but but bouncing because I, I live in Berlin now and I'm going to get in and I, I don't have to go back home and get permission. You guys accepted me. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm all set. I'm going to stay. You're not charging me for to stay in the place. You guys are great. You know, she was all she just wanted to be there. So she got in. This was her dream to go to this academy and to get in there. Then she gets there. You know, the way I see it is it's because of everything going on and because of what Marcos is trying to do. Yes. Uh, being a, a false prophet, if you will, when she wasn't the chosen one. I think because of that's going on and the division of power and the voting happening then and there and all the unrest on the outside and everything happening at this place at this time, coinciding with her arrival, that she is going to be the chosen one. She just doesn't know yet. She first has to learn. I mean, like, like Blank knows that there's going to be something up. She just doesn't know because she's not even convinced at first. She's like, well, Patricia was the one, but look what happened. We rushed it. Sarah, yeah. I think, might be the one, but... This girl is a natural, and Tanner notices it. They all notice what's going on with her dancing, and right off the bat, Blank touches her, and she puts those shiny things on her hand. And she does it for the ritual, yep. and she wants to see what's going to happen with um, Olga, who, who runs off, and does, does this girl have power? So right away, she has her feelings. She's not sold, just like she's not sold that that Marcos is, is, is Mother Suspirium. You know what I mean? But I think, I take it as she gets there, Something was always calling her. She's learning things, but it's not obvious to her. It's being placed in dreams and she and her surroundings and her connection with, with Blank. And then she's waking up. You know what I mean? And then she's slowly becoming mother. 
and because this happened to yeah, them. because this 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 movie is one of the one of the subtexts one one of the themes is rebirth. So would you say? I love what you said about Marcos being a false prophet. There's something about that that hit me when you said that. So in my head, it's it's like, do you think Mother Suspiriorum herself, well, it, it would have shown up if the if there hadn't been such inner turmoil and that power struggle within the witch coven, uh, which I thought was beautifully handled, like we talked about, set against the conflicts in Germany at the time. I, I loved that. That was so brilliant to me. But do you think that if they had all sided with Blanc and gone that way, that Mother Suspirium, uh, that that Susie would have ever even needed to be the vessel for Mother Suspirium to even show up in the first place to do what she did? Or do you think it, it because of Marcos's, I guess, status as a as a false prophet about to, you know, keep on taking this coven to where it's going to go, that Mother Suspirium had to intervene and Susie was the best way to do that? Is, the, is that a, a fair interpretation, you think? Yes, because I don't think, I think that if, but the thing is, she had already arrived there. So I believe that the vote happened after she arrived there, the way it was portrayed in the film. So maybe at the time they didn't even know, because I'm thinking that if Blank would have won the vote, she just would have carried on business as usual. And Marcos would have passed away because she had disease upon disease. Yeah. And she would have passed and Marcos would have won. And that would have been it. They wouldn't even been thinking about Vessel. But they do have to think about where the coven is going when, when they can no longer function, when they pass on. Because obviously, they're human. They are going to pass on. Yes. And she never she never claimed to be one of the three mothers or to even consider herself as one of the three mothers. I'm talking about blank. You know what I mean? She was just sure. running, running, running the game. She was running the show, and, you know, Marcos was too sick to do anything. So I just think it would have carried on. But that the only the, the, the thing that contradicts that is that from the way I see the film, the vote didn't happen until after Susie came there. So Susie did have, there's a predetermination or there's a reason that she has to go there. She is being summoned. I believe so too. I don't, I don't think that's an accident from what we know from her childhood and the, her desire to go to Berlin for some reason. Furthermore, you, you know, the, the fact that she, well, I was about to say that Mother Suspirium could have used another vessel if she needed to intervene, if Susie hadn't gone. But I do think there's a predetermined, uh, a sort of supernatural, uh, the, a bigger picture going on with Susie's appearance there when she showed up. So that way, Mother Suspiriorum could do what she needed to do by inhabiting that vessel if need be. And so I feel like if I can... Uh, did, okay, did Marcos ever claim to be Mother Suspirium? Is that what, is that what her, her claim was? Like, I'm the, bo I'm the big boss? Well, remember... They, they, they allude to it. They said that, remember Tanner referred to her as mother? And yes. then in blank challenges, she goes, I thought we agreed not to, not to use that title. And then she said, well, Tanner, oh. so that's what she is. Okay, the so end, there is a false prophet uh, in, in the midst, which which requires the inter intervention from the real mother. Okay. Yes, I feel like she, that question's answered for me. There you go. And, she and the thing is, you'll notice when... Who asks? I want to say Susie asks her. If it's not, it must be Susie because Blank wouldn't. Susie asks her something about um, which of the three mothers do you, I don't know if it was represent, I forgot the word. And then um, you see Marcos look, like, almost like a hesitation. She looks away is almost a, you could tell she's kind of bullshitting. And she, she hesitates for like a half oh. a second. And she goes, Mother Suspiriorum. And okay, and then, and then, then we hear what we hear. I yeah. am she. She's like, okay, well, 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 f 
you. <laughs> You're trying to pass yeah, yourself that's me. off. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Well, what are you trying to do? And then yeah, we this is death not only am up. I yeah, not only am I, am I not the vessel that you're going to be taken over. I I'm actually who you are claiming to be. So right. yeah. So go to hell and I'm going to send you there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. I, I needed that talk because uh, that's my big burning question about this movie. I stand by my 10 then this, this is great. And, uh, okay. So let's talk a little more openly about that climax. I mean, you, okay. Tilda Swinton playing those multiple roles and Dave, <laughs> I didn't want to talk about that in the spoiler free section because I think not knowing not knowing that she was playing all these different roles would maximize the experience for first-time viewers. I would never have guessed that she was Dr. Klemper or, or Marcos. Uh, uh, and it honestly pissed me off that people were casually spoiling that on social media. And, and even the B, even IMDB is like oh, says it all. And, right. and things like that are one of the reasons I'm not on Facebook very much. If it's not trailers messing things up for people, it's people who can't keep their mouths closed. Like for instance, there's a movie out right now or out recently that's connected to a larger cinematic universe. And that's supposed to be a secret, yet people on podcasts online, all this are talking it up like mad and I, I don't want to know these things. So what did you think, though? OK, like like you said in our spoiler free section, uh, Tilda Swinton, what she must have been as an actress, the, the where she had to get her head to play Dr. Klemper, Blanc and 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 Marcos, especially when they're all in the same room at the climax. My goodness, what a performance. <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah. Oh. Oh, unbelievable. And I I'll tell you, I've heard people say and I'm not saying they're lying, but I've heard people say on podcasts that. That it, that that it was it was too distracting because they could tell it, it was a cheap mask or it was this and and the voice was too feminine and all this for Klemper and I'm thinking I'll tell you what I saw that movie never once did I think it was a female I watched I, I showed that movie to my wife and my daughter and when the movie ended well my daughter had already seen it at the movies with me the first time but it's yeah. relevant I told my wife when the movie ended I said how about this I said you know who played I told her I, 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 that, that, that was her and she's like what like nobody I was watching it ever said oh you know what that man seems a his voice seems a little feminine and that looks like a fake mask never I've heard a couple of people claim Agreed. that they knew it and they said shit but you didn't know it like you said right you watched the movie at face value and that, the, the problem was it had been spoiled for me and so, oh, unfortunately, oh, I wasn't because be people talking. So I wasn't able to get the Mac, but I would never like I like kind of like I did a psychological exercise of just, OK, I'm watching this film. Of course, I don't watch trailers, so I didn't know anything about how this was going to relate to the original. So I just went in just I don't know anything about this film. Let's do this. And even though I did know Tilda Swinton was Dr. Klemper, I kept thinking to myself, I would not have ever thought of that if I hadn't been told, I wouldn't have known. And chalk it up to maybe me not paying attention, but I'm just going to say I'm, I'm actually going to chalk it up to how great this movie is. And I'm, I'm going to stand by that. And so, yeah, like I, I, I'm down and man, what what a performance. And you, you did say that, uh, you know, it, it does rival uh, the, the great performance that, you know, Tony Collette gave in Hereditary. These are two man horror. We're in a good place right now in the genre that we're getting these types of, of performances in these types of films. You know, and who doesn't love a good mindless? I mean, we talked about Terrifier earlier. I love that movie. I love brain, yeah, uh, brainless movies where you can just turn off, turn off the whole head, and and just uh, and, and have a good time. But man, uh, when we get films like this, it, it, it makes it validates everything I love about where the genre can be, and and well, and so do slashers too. I mean, but it, just in another way. And man, what a, what a performance! How about the kills? Oh man, we talked a little bit about Olga's death. 
and the way that goes down with the the and the ritualistic way that dance is used in this with you know the way it, it's part it's the it's the you know whereas spells that witches cast are usually you know spoken this was acted out this was the movements were the spell that is next level writing to me yeah <laughs> yes it is i, I never would have thought uh, to use dance in that manner but how perfect how perfect to, to make the movie knowing that it's going to be set at a dance academy and somebody making the conscious cho choice to say hey you know what why don't we incorporate the dance into the into the craft and have have meaning behind it and everything they're doing is you know it, it mattered so much boy oh boy that yeah and uh, let, let's talk about uh, let's talk about exploding heads for a minute. It's a podcast I really like, and, and it's also <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, Dave's like I'm not a fan. Uh, it's also something that happens quite a bit in the in that climax there when we see you know Dakota Johnson. You know she's now stepped into the the mantle, or maybe the mantle stepped into her. However you want to take that, she's Mother Suspirium now, and she's taken out all of the people who are loyal to Marcos. Who, as Dave, you, you blew my mind when you when you likened Marcos to a false prophet. So. When Mother Suspirium, the the real one, you know that that is now Dakota Johnson. That's now Su Susie. Uh, when she goes about destroying all of the Marco supporters, whoa! Mm -hmm. Oh, so great, and so the way they did it too. They 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 made sure that they once again showed that scene because you never actually see them say it. The the first time they show it, I love I love the way it's shot where they're, they're sitting down to have that meeting and or maybe just to eat, whatever it is, when you have the whole coven there and they're talking about the... You hear the vote and you hear what went down just being played in the background. You know what I mean? The dialogue of who you going to vote for? No, yep. blank. Marcos, the whole thing. And going on. And then they bring it back at the end and then you see Marcos and then... Boom. Yeah. Freaking oh explosion. Gosh. So beautifully bloody because it was devoid of color. And then what they did with the red... It's like, first and foremost, when she had to put her mother down, you know, and she said, you know, you have to put down all mothers b before me. You can only have one mother. And that's the funny part. It got switched up on her, but that's what she was telling her. Do you? And then she put Whoa. her down. So do you think that was the moment that, no, well, okay, well, maybe that wasn't the moment that she became Mother Suspiriorum. But I did, I did like that imagery when the, suddenly the film takes on the red cast as the false yeah. prophet Marcos is telling her, basically, deny any other mothers but me and, you know, and now let, basically let me be your vessel. And then we find that she's already the vessel for the real Mother Suspirium. And uh, that was such a, a, a surprise, such a, a yeah. plot twist that I've heard complaints about, like, uh, but I also have never heard anybody talk about it like we just have. And, un and kind of an understanding that okay this is Marcos's role trying to fill that mantle that is not hers to fill and Susie who is the perfect vessel turns out is more perfect of a vessel than anybody thought and she is now so primed and so open so willing that now she's the head and it's just I, I haven't heard people talk about it in those terms and I've heard people talk intelligently about this movie I've read a couple reviews I try to stay out of that if I know I'm going to do a podcast episode on a, on a movie I, I will limit any exposure I have to other people's opinions until I state mine. And then probably after this, you know, when, once we wrap up recording, I'll start listening to other people's shows. Um, I do have one thing I want to ask. Another thing I want to ask. Do you feel like the the reveal that we got witches from the get go took away from the tension of the film now that we our threat is basically exposed from the start? For me, I've heard that complaint a few times. 
uh, just in written reviews I've read that they're like, oh, well, I already know it's witches. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, well, wouldn't you already have known if you're, you know, it, it is a remake, you know, or at least a retelling. So they're going to involve witches in some way, shape or form. So why, why would the tension be sacrificed by talking about witches from the outset? I, I don't know. I don't, I just don't see it like that. What, what do you think? Well, for horror fans that are familiar with the original, that criticism doesn't really make any sense because you, like you said, they already know what the antagonists are here. It, yeah. It doesn't make a lick of sense. So I don't know if they're expecting to go on a ride and pretend they don't know. I mean, thinking that they're going to be <laughs> swerved. I don't know. But I mean, what kind of movie would that have been? Well, it's actually werewolves. You know, people would have <laughs> bitched about that too. You know what I mean? <laughs> what oh, the man. hell? Could you imagine? Yeah, right. No. Kind of. Kind of. It'd be like trick or treat, you know? There's the whole oh, sudden Yeah, right. Hey, that, that's got a cool dance, dance, uh, dancing that werewolf transformation there in trick you, or treat. There you have it, see? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean. Okay. But yo, check it out. <laughs> if you think of the original movie, they don't say that. There's mystery, but there, there's plenty of hints. I mean, you know something's up. You know that something supernatural is happening. So what's the difference? Yep. And then you hear earlier on in the film when, when, um, when you see uh, Patricia running through the freaking the woods and you hear the witch, you freaking yep. you get the sound clip right away. So I mean, it doesn't take that much longer before you see something that hand. If they're not witches, what the hell are they? They're just gonna poison Susie and do this to and do that to her. And you know that yeah, there's right? supernatural things happening here. Why does a dog attack a blind man? His dog. Why? Why do things? Have, of course, there's something. So what's the difference if it's supernatural for the sake of just? I don't know. If you're under the guise of witchcraft or Satan, or or you're just doing it because you have, uh, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't. I don't get why that's such a big deal. No. As far as taking away tension, could the movie have been better served if if it was more mysterious? Uh, honestly, maybe. Maybe it could have been. Maybe it could have been better as a reveal. But like I said earlier, uh, why are you gonna take this this girl going to see the psychiatrist, uh, bouncing around the room and pushing freaking? things down and pushing a picture down and pushing a book and 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 talking in, in riddles as because she says they're witches why are you gonna believe that oh she's, sure she's unhinged you see the way she's acting so if a girl comes in in the, in the beginning shot of a movie in a psychiatrist office and, and she's babbling and singing and doing all this nonsensical shit why is she a reliable narrator why why no no fair enough you know what i mean i mean it could have swerved she could have said witches and it could have gone somewhere else who knows i mean I don't know. It doesn't. It didn't make a, a bit of difference to me. I knew. I knew it was witches, and I wasn't watching the movie and saying, "Oh my god, they they they, they said that already." Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm you shocked. spoiled it. Yeah, that no. What, <laughs> what worked for me was the freaking the twist at the end was I am she. I I was not expecting that. I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting something. I just didn't know what. But when that happened, right. I was expecting well, Marco, her just to be the vessel, I guess. Yeah. But, but Blank was so against it the whole time. That's what I loved about it. Like yes. That whole thing. Blank knew When she something. goes, something's wrong. Right. Remember? And she knew oh. it the whole movie. And then she even said it at the end. She's like, you know what? Basically, she told her, if you're not feeling it, I could send you back. You forget all this ever happened. Everything else. So she knew something was wrong. She just didn't know why. Because she said, can't you feel it? What's her name? And Marcos was like, we know what you want or something. Trying to say, yeah. you're just trying to undermine me. You're, but ultimately Marcos pardon me ultimately Blank just wanted what was right for the coven she wasn't even trying to, to do it selfishly but you could see why that would be a determination that others would make especially when you know there's a split going on and there's, there's politics here and a vote uh, you could see why they would think that that she just wants it for herself but ultimately sure. 
She just wants what's what's best for the coven. That's what it came totally. down to. And at the end, even before they go out at the end, and they're having that, I love that last dinner. Everybody's having the, their uh, a jolly old time, and they're doping up these girls, and they're going to, you know, erase their minds temporarily, and then bring them to the freaking thing, bring them to the ceremony. Uh, and there they are. You, you see at the head of the table, you, you see Madame Blanc, and you, and, and you see on the other end, you see Susie, and they're the only two yep. ones just sitting there serious, just looking at each other, probably having a telepathic conversation because they were showing that earlier which yeah. was great and then you see hints of what's going to happen you see when she wakes up the one time she says I know who I am you know what I mean so she did know oh, it, yeah. was, it was coming in you know how you, you get something in a dream and it, it's psychological it's in the back of your head you really don't know but it's going on in her brain there are things happening to her and somebody is touching her mentally that isn't Madame Blanc who's setting her dreams someone else is doing things that's why she kept seeing that thing that that colorful glowing thing that she yep. was found like you'll notice the first time you see it she's in the room by herself just staring at it it's laying in bed and it's like in the middle of a room just doing its thing and then as soon as is blanc comes in it disappears you it's know the, what i need a to third watch oh, yeah. i need a third because i did i thought that it had everything to do with blanc or marcos mm -hmm. but uh, uh, it wouldn't of course it wouldn't no it, it, it's totally it's it's the it's the i guess the ethereal representation of 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 mother suspirium uh guiding guiding things and and sort of showing its presence uh as, as foreshadowing damn okay yeah i guess third time third time that i watch this i'm gonna be kind of keying in on those points and as well as the 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 back uh the the flashbacks to to really kind of unravel this more i mean folks this is a, a film that is that that kind of like the click and the clack it keeps giving <laughs> yes it does and, and the more you watch it the more you see like i noticed more things today you know, and you see she that she follows it again at the end of the film for the final ceremony. She walks in and it's really weird. She walks into the school and she just starts disrobing. She takes off a glove and throws it on the floor. She takes off her jacket and she throws it on the floor the whole time following that glowing thing, which ultimately leads her to that room at the end. She's the last one to show up. Oh my gosh, time, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, she's being guided by it. And the whole time, that's the weirdest part. She's she's mother and she shows up last when everybody else is already there in the dance. All the other girls are already butt-ass naked, freaking on the ground, doing all their freaking performances. And she's supposed to be, uh, you know, she she does she plays the role of the antagonist in bulk. That whole thing was great. And teaching her to dance. And then she gets there. She shows up last, and nobody seems to care. And she's being guided by that thing. She's on a whole other level. And Blanc knows something, but she doesn't know what. But in the meantime, she's trying to teach her the whole time. You could even see her having a disagreement with Blanc on that one scene when she's saying you have to jump higher first there's the whole thing about her jumping and then I think they took the jump from the one girl and that's why she got sick because then all of a yep. sudden Susie was being better I thought that that was played well yeah the camera pans to the one girl and then pans back to Susie and then she has the convulsion that was yes. that was a that was good it's a really subtle way to show us hey here's a spell at work here's what here's like some of the things the witches can do yep and that's what she did but then later on She's instructing her again in the other room, and she's yep. saying, higher, 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 jump. And then she says to her, sometimes I only have to be told twice. So she's, 
and she smiles, but it's a little bit of insubordination. But then, a little bit, especially later, they're having the discussion, and Blanc even brings in the 40s. She goes, you don't know what it was like 30-something years ago. We were all about coming off the ground, and this and that, and, and she is contradicting her. The student is telling her, who invented the dance, don't you think that we should be grounded in, the, in this situation so that it adds more to, you know, I, I forgot exactly what, 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 what the phrase was, but she's telling her that she thinks that the dance should be this way. What right does she have to say that except when we find out at the end why? Well, she has every right now, but now yep. that makes sense. She actually pulls rank on her in that scene and they they, they play it off a little bit, but going they back do. and looking at it now, you're like, oh, okay. And then something else that said, a little throwaway line, I mean, not necessarily throwaway is the, is the right word, but she uh, when Blanc it has her one-on-one in that scene when she says, sometimes I only have to be told twice, she tells her, there's two things that dance can never be again. I forgot what the one was. She said two things, but one of them was beautiful. She said something and beautiful. And then what happens oh. at the very end of the movie when she becomes mother and she lets the other girls make their decision, what would you like? Or what can I give you to die to die? And, and you know, she lets the three girls die peacefully. What a beautiful scene. Oh, oh, it's great. Yes, it is a beautiful scene. I, I love it. It, it. You see her compassion. You know, she is the mother. But you see that. And what does she say right after? Her words literally are, dance is beautiful. She goes, you guys are, are she says something, and I, have, I don't have it written down that way, but she basically tells them, you guys are dancing beautifully, or this is a beautiful dance. But the word beautiful is used when earlier on in the movie, Blanc told her, dance can never be beautiful again. Well, guess what? Mother wow. says, I want a beautiful dance. This is beautiful to her. And that's what she gets. I thought that was interesting that she, that she used those words. And I heard somebody complain on one of the shows I was listening to that they didn't like the music and they didn't like that Tom York was singing a song about a little bird, a bird uh. at the climax. But if you looked at the friggin' lyrics, it's talking about motherhood. It's saying, come under my wings, little bird. It's metaphorical. Yep. See, I didn't, I, when I heard that review, I, I wasn't thinking about that. But like I said, this time I watched it with the subs. And that's what's going on. She that is the mother. She come under my wings, little bird. The hurt ones, the ones that she loves. She is the mother. She's taking them in. She's taking care of them. That that song makes sense. And when Tommy York does sing, it, 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 the lyrics do make sense for what's going on in the film at that moment. Tommy York sat down and put out a double album worth of freaking music that were that made sense for this film. I heard some people complain they don't like when he sings, and that's fine. But it does sure. seem to me. That makes it seem like a regular movie and not a horror movie. And that's okay with me. This makes it seem like fine film because this movie to me does represent fine film. And it was shot, the word film, this was shot on 35 millimeter stock like the original. And it's a well- Really? Yes. And it's a well-made movie. That's what, if you go to the movie and see a freaking thing like Amadeus or something, or whatever. Granted, I'm dating myself, but that was just, I was thinking of a, a fantastically <laughs> shot and, and scored movie. When you Great see movie. that, uh, in a real movie, you will see vocals in, in, in a scene. You know, yeah. horror movies typically do not have vocals in, in, when they have a score. It's something about Tom York's musicianship there, the way he composes things. Uh, he, It brought some kind of class to that scene. Yes, even with the lyrics. I, I kind of, I have this strange fascination with how oddly placed music or songs can change the way we interpret something we're seeing, the audio component of a scene, and something about that on the second watch just, and especially when they're saying, you know, they want to die, when when, when Patricia yeah. and uh, 
and and Sarah are saying that I it, it's heartbreaking. It is. It, it it feels so. I don't know. Something in my in my insides just was like, oh, just kind of. I, I there's no word. <laughs> I just I felt it, it to die to man. And so Tom York's music there really reinforced fine film to me. See, that, yeah. That's the word. It, 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 is, it, it is a fine film. I, some people might say it sounds freaking, I don't know, pretentious or, or, or pompous or something. But this is a damn good movie. This is what this is what real movies do. That's, yeah. It's not a big deal to have vocals in a song. People said it, it, it deterred them. But back to compassion. That's something else. That The compassion that she has for Sarah almost cost all kinds of shit because later earlier on in the movie when Sarah does her thing and she's investigating and her and her bone snaps and then the witches heal it then she comes yep. back upstairs and you can tell she's in some zone the, the dance ends up being blown and her 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 leg rebroken because of the exchange between Susie and Sarah Susie sees Sarah knows something's wrong yep and there was her compassion she said, "Well, wait a minute. I, I, I know something's going on here. I, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what it is, and I, but I know something's at hand. But Susie's, but pardon me, but Sarah's been questioning me about what's going on. And now I'm like, I don't want my friend hurt. This is not what this is supposed to be about. I don't like this. You can see the motherly compassion already. And then, right before it happens, their eyes change colors. Because yep. I, you notice that as well. Okay. Yes. Because I, I again, you're talking about Mia Goth. I, I know what color her eyes are, and I see that. I go, wait a minute." <laughs> And they did look pretty on her. So I was like, well, yeah. what's this all about? You know? And then they switched the eye color. I'm like, okay, so that's what's happening there. So she's very compassionate. And then at the end, once again, with Yosef and that whole thing, that's another thing. I'm not sure how to take the very end. That was a question I was going to pose you. But I do see compassion in that in that scene and when she is mother. And, you know, she doesn't even refer yeah, to so herself as mother. She, she says... She, she mentions all the women that he might have guilt for, and he mentions Susanna Banyan herself, yep. but not her anymore. So she's not saying me. She's saying Susanna Banyan. I, I'm Mother Suspiriorum. I'm not Susanna Banyan. That, that's somebody from the past. And once again, I'll throw this out there. Her mother knew. She said, that's what I smeared onto the world. That was my final sin. The sin. Yep. Yeah, so she knew it. There, to that, that, sh that could have already answered your question. Her own mother knew that something was up. That, that, you know, that she freaking is a witch or something. You know what I mean? She knew that there was something not right about her. That sure, sure. Something yeah. was up. I mean, wow. that, that, that that shows it. And did you know that her mother in the movie was also played a dual role? She played death that came up at the end. The Black Death. I did read that on the B. And that was a an interesting choice that, that I really like to for Mother Suspiriorum to use death. Yeah. The inclusion of death, you know, personified like that, like, is kind of a way also to show Marcos, like, um, check who I got here. Your power means nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Literally. See, that was a big moment for me. That, that, that put this movie over the edge. I remember the movie ended and the credits come on. I was just like, I had to think for a few minutes, you know, and I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I had to go back again. And I was like, okay. But then, then again, you're still peeling back layers. But again, with compassion, you see what's happening with, what's her name? With uh, uh, Patricia. She seems to be taking on the disease that Marcos has. The, yeah. I, I think that's what her role was. She was taking on disease and then body parts were being taken away from Olga. Because remember when you saw her earlier on, she was that missing freaking limbs in that room? Yep. When Sarah yep. saw her. So I was thinking that that was part of her ritual 
otherwise it's just kind of there for no reason so you know sure. me i try to make sense of things that i like so i'm watching i'm yep. like okay well i think she's she's absorbing some of her disease and she's taking some of her body parts they are all going to be used in, in this you know this vessel or or was it freaking something else was at play the whole time and and you know what i mean marcos really didn't really have anything going on huh. but it's something because why would you look that way if you were normal there has to be something supernatural at play here. That, yeah, they did something to those girls. They did They did something to them that must have, you know, at least in the case of Patricia, she was being primed before Susie to be Marco's vessel. And so I wonder if, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, and with Olga too, it's like, well, you know, we we got Patricia, we got, we got Olga here, you know, now we have a... You know Mia Goth's character, but you know, okay, if we can't use these girls as vessels, let's use them for something else. To you know, true, yeah, they're they're helping out one way or the other. Yeah, <laughs> with with the uh, playing their part with with their thing. Yeah. Now, what about that one girl, uh, Griffith? I think her name is the, the the witch that stabbed herself. Do you did you see what was happening with her? I I feel that she's like the emotional one of the. And when I when I mean emotional, I mean her herself as being emotional. I think that she does something with emotions for the coven. Like she cried oh. for Olga, and then Olga began crying. And then, yep. er, right, and earlier on, you saw her standing there, watching uh, on a balcony, watching Susie have have a uh, a discussion earlier on. Then she looked up at her, and she kind of walked away. Then later on, before she killed herself, this is my take on this. Sarah was doubting and doubting and doubting, and she just came back from the meeting with with uh, Klemperer, and there she is, and she passes out. And when she passes out, that's when you see this woman like sending her visions, because she only passed out for like thirty seconds, and then she came back. I feel that yeah. she was letting her know that these suspicions are correct. She was sending out some emotion towards her to pick up on, and then she picked up on it. Then when that was when when she had done that deed. And because of the the unrest amongst them all, and I think she thought that shit was coming down in a bad way. And yeah. I think that is why she's like, okay, I pass this information on to Sarah. Now let's hope she does something with it and this gets taken care of because things are falling apart here. And then she kills herself. She gave herself up for that reason. Man, well said. Because otherwise, Holy what crap. would it be? You know <laughs> what I mean? Otherwise, why would any... Because that, that was what I was struggling with. I'm like, why? Why would that happen? Why would she kill herself? But then when you watch the scene with Sarah, it, it, you see that something's happening with Sarah because all of a sudden, you know, she passed out. She did her thing. She came back. I'm like, okay, this woman, that's her role. She is, she's almost motherly in a different way where she, I don't know, she sends out emotion and the emotions that she can send out things to make others feel what she's feeling. That's, you know, that, that's what it seemed like to me after the fifth watch, you know? That's a cool power too. Like the, the power of projecting empathy. <laughs> An emotion, yeah, that's right. That's something, and yeah, man, Dave, I, I I love that you said literally everything you just said. This is, folks, this is why this is we're at the after party, everybody, and this this is the place to be. Right on. This is this is what, especially for a movie like this, there's so much to unravel. There's so much we couldn't say in the non-spoiler. I mean, here I have a question for you. Here's my question for you. Ask it. Do you think the the, the very last thing we see? Which, by the way, is set is the only part of the movie that's set in modern times. Is is this a sad ending or is this a happy ending? In other words, when Klemperer gets all the information from Mother, she goes over there and she tells her all this stuff. This is what happened with your wife. 
You know, and she tells her the whole, I want you to know. And she told her the whole story and she died think, thinking of you and, and your date. And she was cold, but she wasn't afraid and everything else. And, and she said, this is the, all, you know, this is what happened to your poor wife with with the Nazis in, in the concentration camp and everything. This is, okay, tells her that. Okay, now, now you have that information. You deserve to have that information. Now I'm going to erase it so you can't remember her anymore or, or any of us and what's happened. We don't need shame and guilt, she says. We need shame and guilt, but not yours. So she does like a good deed there and then erases him. Now later on, we see at the very end, it's, it's the future, it's modern times, and it's, their, it's where they used to live. And then they have that heart there with, with uh, you know, J and A, and it's there. Now, do you take that as sad or happy? Do, do you think that it's sad that he's, he doesn't remember that? Or do you think that it's happy that something that they made there is going to live forever? You know, I took that as a bit of a bittersweet because the erasure of all the women of Dr. Klemper's undoing, as Mother Suspirium says, was something that while he was still alive could alleviate his pain. Because this psychotherapist is messed up. Just going through life, carrying so much baggage while whilst being in a career, a profession that is helping others deal with the same sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And when we see that heart, at this point, Klemper is dead. You know, it wouldn't be alive anymore. So there's a bit of the release. Uh, you know, we've seen a number of times where death is a release to some in a pretty bad way, and for some as a as a as something positive, as a you know as well, thank you you know for this for this gift of death. And so I would say that their love lived on because you know he's with her now, so to speak. Okay, so it is happy. Yeah, yeah so we, sure. We got a happy ending. And, <laughs> yeah, right. And that's fine with me. And typically, I don't like them. But in this case, because of the kind of movie this was and because I loved those two characters and, and the way they were and, you know, having all that happen. And even after we got, they did that dirty trick to him, but it was all worth it to, to freaking to see Jessica Harper again, you know? Yes. Which, by the way, got the job because she said, I know German when they asked her and she bullshitted them. And she went out oh. and freaking had to learn German on the fly <laughs> so she could be in the movie. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She freaking, yep. She sneaked her way in because she wanted to be in the movie so bad. Yep, she she ended up doing it. So I'm so glad she was in there. I, that's, yes. that's just one more thing. You know, it's, yeah, because she deserved to be. And she it, she was on the screen the perfect amount of time. And she was. In the perfect part. It, it, it all worked out. You know, people talk about fan service being a bad thing. And, and I, I don't see that uh, as as being a bad thing in this context because it was great to see her as a I mean look you know maybe maybe Argento's not down with this film fine but Guadagnino loves his film loves Argento's film and shows us that even despite the departure that this is visually from Argento's film he's showing us hey even though I'm doing this I still love that film and I think that's I think that's great I think that's that's respectful absolutely and I understand like I said with with our general, but th- in 1977, what this movie, what that the original movie was, and it was artistic in in in, in its way. I think this is the best way to do it. This yes. day and age, I think it would have been cheesy if they tried to freaking just have a color palette. There's lots of movies now that use color, and every single one of them is going to be compared to our general and Suspiria. It's just it's it's the way it is. So 
Why do it a different way? Why not make it? Why not make it a beautiful film in a different way? I'm just glad that it, that it was an artistic movie, and that's what I was hoping for. When things started getting leaked out, I'm like, okay, well, let it be, you know, art house or whatever. Let it be freaking. Let it look good and do what you're gonna do with it. But make it different. You don't want it to. Anybody can do. Don't don't get me wrong, because I love this movie. But anyone can do like House of a Thousand Corpses. Not anyone, but. You can make like a House of a Thousand Corpses movie and throw all kinds of crazy colors and, and, and whacked out stuff in there like, like you know, that, that's kind of like Suspiria, but that that would cheapen the name. If you're going to make a Suspiria, make it be a, a, another piece of art that, that works. And I don't know. I'm so down with that. It's just like a, one of my Jewish friends who you should meet him. He's a pretty cool guy. Uh, he said, he, he famously said, if, you, if you're going to, what do you say? If you're going to remake a movie, remake it. Remake it. And that's what yep. they did. Right. Exactly. Yep. That's Indeed. why, dude, that's why I put it on the exploding headspace that day. I said that, and I'm going to add Evil Dead to the mix because we talked about it on the show with you. And we said Evil Dead, Maniac, and Suspiria are the best examples of of yes. what a horror remake should be. I'm not saying that they are the best horror remakes. I'm saying they're the best examples of how a remake should be done. I am so down with everything you just said in that sentence, sir. I'm glad you are because we're in the minority, I think. I think yeah, that people... Yeah, that, that's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, I, I don't understand why people want... I don't I, I don't know what they want. They complain when it's shot by shot. Yeah. They complain when it... I don't know. I, I, I How are you going to please them? I, I'm down with it. it. Sounds like Dave's. It sounds like the Watsy party is down with how this went. Ten out of tens. It got the click and the clack. I, we gotta we gotta <laughs> make a name for that. By the way, we, we it's not a Hall of Fame, but it's a it, you know when a film gets the honor of mercy bestowing upon the click and the clack uh, to it. That, that's that's high praise. It doesn't get higher than clickety clackety. That, that's that's your damn sure. <laughs> it sure doesn't. Man, that's serious. <laughs> so, I, I'm gonna say so, one more thing about our channel. One quick thing about our channel. Our general and I hate to badmouth him, and I'm not really badmouthing him. I'm just making a statement that hey, he's your favorite director. He, he is my no? favorite director, and I did enjoy the movie. I'm going to to bring up not not in a level of this, but I, I, I'm okay with that movie. But what he did, what when he went from Suspiria to Inferno, when he made Inferno, he still put colors in there and he made it dreamlike and did some things. That's fine. So it was in the vein of Suspiria. I get that. Yeah. Right. But when he made Mother of Tears. If that's if you would rather see Mother of Tears in in this family uh, in, uh, <laughs> of the, of the three mothers over this new Suspiria, I don't know what to tell you because that that was just as far a departure from Suspiria '77 as this was. How, Absolutely, Mother of Tears was nothing like Suspiria, and that's part of the same freaking trilogy. So how does that make it, any indeed. sense? Right? Well said. I remember. Yeah, I got so trashed the first time I saw Mother of Tears. I think it was like. I saw it kind of late in the game, but yeah, I was, I, I'm right there with you, man. It was, it was one of those movies where I was watching and I did like it, Me too. but just kind of where I was when I was watching, I was like, you know, this is a movie where I'm just going to keep drinking and see where this goes. And subsequently or consequently rather, I, I think my, my, I could, my, my memory could uh, use a bit of a, of an update one of these days. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Check it out again. It's not a bad I movie will. at all. It's, no, it's it not isn't. great. It's good though. I, I do enjoy it. But, but the point I mean, was the departure right. yeah. that that took from its, you know, from its original, I guess, I guess you could say, you know, from the, from the in the family in, in which it is. And so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling you completely. And, you know, I think this discussion has been fantastic because I, and my hope is to, to all you friends and listeners who are, who are still with us that, you know, maybe if you haven't thought about it too much about remakes or about the way storytelling tradition goes, you know, maybe it'll it'll 
help open your mind a little. Hey, if you, if you don't like the remakes, if you don't like movies that, you know, when they're remade, the departure, when it departs too much, fine. You know, artistic tastes very cool. Right on. You will always get a respectful response from the from the Watsi party. That's how we do here. But if, if indeed anything we said maybe resonated and get you thinking, you know, okay, maybe I'll open my mind a little and, and maybe, you know, I, I think I could step into Dave's and, and, and Watson's shoes here and, and maybe try to see it like they are. Try it out. See if it works for you. That's, that's what we're here for. That's, that's what this soapbox is. And, and we hope you've enjoyed it. Absolutely. And yeah, continue to look at movies, not continue, but hopefully learn to ignore any and all source material. Just forget yeah. if there was a book written, who cares? It's just like a cover song. Look at it like a cover song. You know, my favorite band, Fish, they cover all kinds of freaking other bands. And I don't care. Some of them are better. Some of them are better than the originals. Others are not. I still enjoy sure. when they do it because I enjoy the band and, and, and they do Fish is great. good work. Thank you. So, you know, so think of it like a cover song. Who cares? Who cares? Like that was the big problem with it. And I'm not going to soapbox it again. I'm just saying that was the big problem some people had with it. Chapter one is that they were looking at the book and they were looking at the. Yep. The, the first miniseries and saying, well, this wasn't that. Imagine if The Shining was made nowadays for the first time. It's nothing like the book. And people know that The Shining is a classic movie. People love The Shining. Not everybody, but it's regarded as one of the best horror movies. Even look on the B and look how high it's rated. You know what yep. I mean? I mean, look at that. So it, That's not like the source material. Why don't you have a problem with that? And <laughs> that's all I'll say. <laughs> well said. Well said. Well, folks, I, th I think that does it for the after party. We're going to have to ask you to uh, Dave Z and I are closing down the, the Watsi party headquarters. So you're going to have to have to vacate or if if you're a little too drunk to drive, go ahead and sleep, uh, sleep over on the couch there. It's big enough for everybody. Dave Z, uh, would you like to lead us out here? Thank you for listening. If you're driving, don't drink. If you're drinking, don't drive. You don't have to leave, but you can't stay here. And yeah, uh, that's all the cliches I can think of for, for after parties. But uh, <laughs> we had a great time. I, I I had a great time, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. I think this, this show is uh, going to be successful. And even if it's not, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have success in life sitting down and, and doing this with my friend. So, Oh, likewise, buddy. I think we had a hell of a first show, and I, I hope the listeners agree. But yeah, we're going to keep doing it, man. We don't have any plans to go anywhere. We don't know what we're going to pick next and how we're going to pick our movies and everything else. But you know what? <laughs> True. Whatever. We're going to do the best we can, and hopefully uh, you guys enjoy the ride and join the party. <laughs>